Visit Arcade Club, Europe's largest classic arcade, with over 200 video and pinball machines. There's classic consoles and computers. There is also PS4s, Xbox Ones, Wii U, PC, and Oculus Rift, and regular tournaments and competitions. All machines are set to free play. Open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Check out arcadeclub.co.uk for more details. Tenpence Arcade are proud members of the Throwback Network and the Retro Junkies Network. Hello and welcome to the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. I am Sean Holly, aka Sean Holly. That's yes. And you are? Hello, this is Victor Marlin. How are you? What? How are you doing, Sean? Oh, you've been to America, haven't you, Vic? And you yeah, picked up the accent. Yeah, it, it kind of wears off after a while. It's okay. <laughs> it's got to be gone in about ten minutes or so. Let's go. <laughs> okay then. Well, sh- shall we move on to? Hey, I've got northern. Oh, oh, it's gone. It's gone. Thank goodness for that. Oh, that's good. People will be moaning, but understand what I'm saying. Mm. Like normal. How are you? How are you, son? I've missed you. How have you been? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, I miss you too, Vic. We've been talking for about an hour. It's not really. It's a lie, isn't it? It's a total yeah. lie. It is, isn't it? It's the editing and the movement of editing. Do you like the, do you like the dance I'm doing in the, in the webcam? Yeah. Hey, look, I found my back scratcher. Oh, thank goodness. I was going to buy you one in America, you know. The, the blue I, withered hand back scratcher. I found one with a, a claw. A bear yeah. claw. I was going to get it from you from this place in Oregon with a bear, bear country. I, I need an actual telescopic one so I can use it at work. Just get it out of my pocket and scratch me back. Whip your back scratcher out. Yeah. 16 clumsy and shy. <laughs> what? Smith's fans will know what I'm talking about. All right. Any road up, tell me what you've been up to while I've been away, apart from messing around with those cheeky dingoes. Yes, that was good, wasn't it? Well, I have you say good. Work. Yeah. You were you were mocking me. <laughs> and everyone seems to like the, the virtual me, which is you messing around with a, a microphone and our old recordings, than the real me. It was it was funny, wasn't it? That's what it was. It was daft. You daft rumpus. <laughs> well, I've been off work for a few days, mm-hmm. travelling around the Yorkshire Dales area, sitting side by side with my loved one, looking at waterfalls, visiting romantic ruins and ancient abbeys, and gaily skipping naked across green summer meadows with the sheep. You know what the Americans would say to that? What? Ew. <laughs> Apart See, from the last bit, yeah. Yeah, you've had okay. a good time. Yorkshire's a lovely place, isn't it? Oh, yeah, we've been all over, yeah. I only had three days off, but it seemed a lot longer. What, how was the weather like when I, when, you were, when I was away? Well, it's been raining a lot here. Oh, really? It, it's been in, raining, really? In Yorkshire, it was fine. We really? Yeah. Yorkshire, we don't have rain in Yorkshire. <laughs> oh, nice one. It was, where I was it, was, it was quite warm a lot of the time. One place was incredibly hot. Yeah. Uh, and then we went through a, a bit of rain and then snow... Whilst they were having forest fires at the same time, and then into sun again, and then when we left, it was raining. You are, not, Eleven million seasons in one day. You're not that far north in Oregon, are you? Really? It's a bit north, yeah. Is it a bit north? Yes. My geography is not great. Yeah, you think it's just sort of left of Huddersfield, don't you? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you thought about it for a second. Is it left or is it right? No, Sean. It's really far left. Like five thousand miles left. 
Oh, well, not to, not to worry. Guess what else have been doing, Vic? What? Oh, the whole Holly family. Yeah, what have the whole Holly family been doing? Mummy, da- Mummy Holly, Daddy Holly, and Baby Holly. Building a shed, and I, I got some very nice guy from work to help me. Who, because I'm so clumsy and I can't build anything. What? Who's that? Is that Smith? Shed seven. Shed seven. Is <laughs> it? No, we only had one of them. But yeah, it's very nice. It's all all got me bike in there and some some things that you put in sheds like paint and buckets and shelves and. Stuff. Have you got a Hanterax monitor in there yet? No, I did mention that quite frequently about turning it into an arcade shed. It's eight foot by six foot, but it's a bit damp. And why well, I said no? Why well, I said no? No. No. You're not having it. You got my room. You stole already. Uh, she doesn't sound um, quite like that, Jan, does she? <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing like it. And I've also been to Arcade Club as normal, playing, playing? rhythm games. Rhythm. Rhythm games. Rhythm games, a, yeah. I've done a level five on UBeat now, a level five track. Uh, what what score did you get? What letter do you get at the end? I got a C, but I did it. I did a different song and got a B. I think I can get C's on level five. Wife can do them with A. She's really good at them. Ooh, I was really pleased with myself. And there's a girl next to me doing level nine. Level nine? It goes up to nine? Ten. There's... Oh, Lord. I thought it went to seven. Oh, Lordy. One of, one of the guys that works there, Lee, I've actually filmed him on, on my phone using my phone filmy thing. What's it called? Camera. Yeah, and he, he got level ten. And, um, what's wow. it called? That sandstorm song. Dude. And his his fingers are moving so fast it was a blur. Wow. So is there is there Western songs on there as well? Because the ones I've played are normally imported and they're normally Japanese and, and Korean and, and Chinese pop songs. Yeah. I'm not someone with, with Western songs on, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I think there is a few on there. It's mostly Japanese stuff, and all the menus are Japanese, so you've got to kind yeah. of feel your way around it. You sort of learn which buttons to press, you know. Oh, cool. I'll have to talk to Toby Nakorn again next time we're around. Of the Soho Las Vegas Arcade. Uh, I, was, I went past that the other day, actually, when I was picking some up from London, because when I got back yesterday at 11 o'clock, I had to go straight into London to go and pick some up, otherwise I'd miss it, so I had to, I had to go and get it. And I passed mm. there, and there was loads of Pokemon people outside. Everyone dressed up as Pokemons, cosplayers. There must have been something going on there, either at the arcade or very close, because tons of people around there. I was like, have I just stepped into Cartoon Network or something? I was very tired. I was Did you- very, very tired. <laughs> Did yes. you try and throw in a red and white ball at him? Yeah, I captured all of them. Got yeah. my backpack now. Yes! There's a hundred teenagers in there. <laughs> Screaming! <laughs> Maybe not. So, yeah, cool. Nice one. What Have they got any new stuff at Arcade Club? Have they? Yes. Have yes. they? What have yes. they got that's new? Tons. What, I, I did see on Facebook the other day, there was like a shipment of things, like a truck full of stuff coming through. They've got Groove Coaster 3. Groovy. You're going to have to learn Japanese to get down to that floor too, you know, at some point. And, oh, what is it? It's, oh, I've forgotten. It's on their website. You know what my memory's like. Have they got it's a panic a- park yet? No. Tell you what they have got. They've got that Rhythm 10 Goku that you were playing in Stockholm. Oh, oh yes, I did like that one. I like that guy. I, I've actually got it myself now. I've right. got it to work on my Pi Loader on my Naomi software. I've played it, but you need the keyboard for it. Um, the sort of the up, down, left, right controllers and two buttons. And two, so I right. need to, I've got a, a blank panel I need to make. And I did buy some triangular buttons, like the little the arrow buttons like on a NES controller. But I haven't got mm. enough buttons, I don't think. 
I might have to get on to K-Man Sweden. I think he made one up. I want to see if he's got a, some spare buttons. But I need to do that. I've got, I've got tons of stuff to do now. I've been off for three weeks. Tons. I've got about 20 hours of podcasting to listen to as well. Oh. I listened to some on the way back on the plane, because I was sort of laying down on the three seats on the plane, because it, was, it wasn't a full flight on the way back. And I was listening to a ton of podcasts, trying to get some sleep. I was sort of, you know... And that was quite good. We've got loads to, let, to listen to now. Loads. When I get back to stupid work tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to that at all. Mm. Meh. Not good. So, what other stuff you've been doing before I tear into American things? That's it, really. A lot, a lot of hard work. Work's really tough at the minute. Really, really busy, which I suppose is good. Stupid work. Stupid. I've got I'm some more stuff at work being delivered, actually, when I get back. I don't, I've forgotten what I ordered, but I've got more stuff. I'm trying to think what else arcade. They've got Ninja Warriors, you know, that three-screen game. Oh, that's a big game, yeah. They've got Alan Sinden, Alan Sinden. Syndrome. Yeah, they're with all a, the with topper. A, with a proper topper made of jelly. Cool. And a couple of other things. Oh, damn, a new Konami rhythm game. Oh, what's it called? It's one word. Oh, is it Bamani? Is that the, that's the name of the kind of game, isn't it, Bamani's? I can't remember. It's something like... Beatmania's. Rhythm It Up Dave. Can't rhythm It Up Dave. Oof, oof. It's like yeah, ba- bashing pots and pans. Cool. Mm. Sounds like a drummy one. Is it a drummy one? I don't know. Like a drum master or something. I tried pressing a few buttons and it confused me, so I wandered off and played Time Pilot. Nice one. That's what I would have done. Mm. Right, shall we get into it? Come on. That's my American theme tune music. Right! First off, we went to all sorts of stuff. We saw lots of things. It wasn't all arcading and video games. That's just my end of it. Mm. We did wine tours. We were in national parks. We were looking at... I found a tortoise. I found a real-life tortoise. In the wild, in a desert. Not in a desert, in a desert. Wow. What did you do? Just leave him? I freaked out, because wife said, there's a tortoise there. And I went, I went over and I looked at him. He put his head inside and I just patted him and went on my way. Do you not give him any lettuce? No. No, I think he, I don't know what he's looking for in the in the desert, but yeah, they don't have lettuce in the desert, son. He was oh. awesome. He was about, I don't know, eight inches tall, quite a big one. Mm. Oh, he was so cool. Lizards everywhere in, in, in the places we're at in California. Loads of lizards everywhere, little tiddly ones. Really fast. Mm. You saw them all over the place. Well, the tortoise wouldn't catch them. No, that kind of nature really, really pleases me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love it. I love seeing nature, especially in, in its own surroundings. You know what I mean? Mm. saw squirrels chipmunks chipmunks are awesome they're like little really cute little squirrels but they're really fast you won't catch yeah. one of them so a chipmunk is a fast squirrel yeah a little one with like little, little stripes f- on yeah yeah chip and dale chip 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 and dale the they're, rescue they're rangers the really aren't. fast ones have spoilers on yeah they, they have like little red trainers as well like sonic that's where they got it from everyone knows <laughs> this that's where they got it from <laughs> chipmunks have little red trainers yeah sorry sneakers you're learning stuff here, kids. Do you know what? I, I use... You know the word for training shoe? Like a pump or a plimsoll in the UK? Yeah. You know most people call them trainers? Mm. I have taken the American initiative, and I call them sneakers because I sneak more than I train. Fair enough. <laughs> Can't argue with that, can you? That's so, quite good. My little disclaimer at the start, it wasn't all arcades. I mean, my wife and I 
we did loads of stuff together. So that was sort of my end of it. And she does like that bit. And she likes to see my stupid face when I'm enjoying that kind of thing. But we, <laughs> yeah. did, we did little tours. We looked at bridges. We, we went across the water. We went through all different times, types of terrain. We did... Uh, it was the Joshua Tree National Park we saw that. It was cactuses everywhere. Cacti, cacti, cacti. It was is nice that, and hot there. That is what... They named that after that U2 album, didn't they? Bless them. I think it might have been the other way around. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, we did um, Yosemite Park. That was awesome as well. We saw big. We saw that big, massive mountain, El Capitan. It's huge. And, you know... And unfortunately... Uh, a big yeah. bit of it fell off the other day and killed someone. Fortunately, we, we were we were way back from it, so we could actually see it. People were climbing it and stuff, and I think someone got hurt, which is really unfortunate. It's just a couple, like a week or so after we went there. But that was a really cool place to visit, walking around the, the forest and stuff, looking for nature. It's nice. You know, one of them Yosemite is one of them words that is just great to say in it. Yosemite. I didn't see Yosemite Sam there. No, no, I was looking for him. So we get on to the first bit we went to, and I can't really remember what, what place we went to. We, we covered 2,600 miles in the car. Wow. Yeah, we'd moved around quite a bit. So you went to California and Oregon, sort of around that area. Yeah, yeah California is, the, is a massive state. Yeah. And we were in LA to start with, and we went, it was near Hollywood and you know, all the different places we went to, Palm Springs and the national parks, all that sort of stuff. So we moved around quite a bit. And it was a few hundred miles each place. You know, it was a couple mm. of hours drive. One of them was a six-hour drive which we sort of split up by dinner and stuff. So it wasn't too bad. In one place we stayed overnight before we went off in the morning. So it wasn't too bad. And driving in America is fairly easy anyway. It's no problem at all. Did you book in advance your hotels? Or you yes. Just yeah, wife did all that. Um, I think it was one we paid on the night, and that was it, like a little sort of motel. It was one, one or two we stayed just for a night. Other places. We stayed in Airbnbs, which is like a little sort of self-contained apartment type thing. You know, like yeah. in someone's back garden, like a little extension. They were quite nice. Um, but they're quite good because they've got like a little kitchenette area, your own little bathroom and bedroom and sort of tables and stuff. It wasn't like a hotel room. It's quite nice. And you sort of get your own keys. So you can go in and out and you know, get on the bus and whatever and all that sort of stuff. Nice. So that's the disclaimer. But the first arcade thing, which we're going to talk about now, is I went to an arcade in LA called 82 Arcade. Yes. Now, there's a game list. Uh, we're going to put all the links on the show notes and pictures and also some videos, some links on there. If you go onto the webpage, go to the top, you'll see, I think it's California Stroke Oregon Trip. Mm. Click on there. Everything that we're going to talk about is on there. I really do recommend people go and have a look on there because there's some awesome pictures. And it, when you click on there, full, full-size pictures, videos. The videos are very quick, just a walk around. There's not, I think a lot of them I don't even talk. I just sort of go around so everyone can see the games. Basically, see what the vibes like. Just rather than me talking, there's some. Of that. We've got some audio stuff as well to put in. I'll sort of stick them in here and there. Yeah, so going to look at that. So this is the first one, eighty-two. Uh, the standout games in that place. It was like it was. A, I think all of them, apart from about two, were beer beer arcades. You can't call them barcades because that's been trademarked. Yes, They're beer mm. arcades or arcade bars. We're going to call them. Mm. Now in this place. It's a big old place, actually. Um, some of it is outside, even. And here's an audio walk around. Hi, Tenth Pencils. I don't know if you can hear us or not. It's really loud in here. I'm in uh, a bar called 82. I'm out in the back room in the minute with wife. I'm in the pinball place. We've got loads of really cool pinballs here. Uh, a taxi, an old, yeah, uh, an old solid state. Royal Rumble. Uh, Marvel Avengers, brand new one. Wife's playing Bram, Bram Stoker's Dracula. A Tron Funhouse. Iron Man, Attack from Mars, great game. 
Oh, Harlem Globetrotters, old 70s thing. Uh, Medieval Madness, Lord of the Springs, Walking Dead, Metallica. What's that one on the end? Diner on the end, that's quite cool. Uh, Star Trek, Game of Drones. Banzai Run with that really tall back glass thing where you've got to fire things at the back of it. Weird. Fishtails, Twilight Zone, obviously. And I played earlier, World Cup Soccer. Absolutely brilliant game, love it, I want it. Uh, Aerosmith with the uh, colour LED backdrop thingy. It's really colourful, nice. Oh, and a hard body, which is some sort of weird thing. Right, I'll wander out into the video section, which I was playing earlier. I played Dig Dug. really like it here. Need to get a drink soon, I think. There's an outdoor bar as well. How weird is an outdoor bar this day and age in LA? What do you expect? Right, Ms. Pacman, loads of people around that watching. Space Invaders, Centipede. What else we got? Oh, Carnival. Mortal Kombat 2. T2. Point Black, Tetris. A lot of girls beating the of each other on Street Fighter 2. Brilliant. Uh, Frogger, proper Frogger. Joust. Ivan Stewart's Ute Racing Off-Road. Mario Brothers and Donkey Kong. Oh, Golden Axe. That's a nice four-player cap. Golden Axe Revenge of Death Adder. Cool. Rampage World Tour. Three-player. NBA Jam four-player. Simpsons in a proper-looking cab. Not that horrible thing we get. And next to it, obviously, Turtles in time. Uh, X-Men six-player. Uh, Taito cab with Double Dragon. Got Donkey Kong and... Mario Brothers next to it. And above the bar, you can actually watch people playing on the machines on the big screen. There's a Street Fighter 2 going on two screens and someone playing Gallagher. And the dude's on 2.6 million at the moment. He was next to me when I was playing Dig Dug earlier. I outrun Turbo in a nice cab. Dig Dug. And that guy is still on Gallagher. He's going to be on there the rest of the night, that dude. Well, it's a really weird ice-cold beer that they put together themselves. It's got no backdrop, but it's just got the holes in it. They must have made their own cabinet. Uh, dedicated burger time. Good old Peter Pepper. Uh, Bally Midway Tron. Oh, and a pole position, and it's working, believe it or not. I'm going to get a pint of Guinness, because I am parched in here. Um, stand-up games is an X-Men six-player behemoth. You know, big, them big, massive six-player things. Did you like that then? I didn't think that I, I didn't play thing. it, but I like the machine. I've seen the machine loads of times in America. I've seen they were mm. quite common, I think, especially in these sort of barcades nowadays tend to get them because they are a crowd puller and you're getting six times the coins every time you you play them or whatever. But yeah. a lot of the arcades were free play. You pay on the door to get in. And this place wasn't, but I think all the the arcade video games were 25 cents quarter. It's not bad, is it? Yeah, it's really good actually. And then I think the pinballs are nearly always 50, 75, or a dollar. Because yeah. they're more expensive things than newer and they need the upkeep and stuff, which is nothing really. And, you know, we're adults nowadays. We've got the money to spend. It doesn't matter. Mm. So I went in there, everything was 25 cents. Um, a Rampage World Tour. Never seen one of them before. It's a good, it's a great sequel, it's that. It's a silly little game. It's fun. Full of humour. I actually really like Rampage. It's mm. one of those games that is a quarter muncher because you can't. You're getting shot a lot, and you sort of do lose your energy, so you've got to keep feeding it. But it is a stupid, funny, silly game. I do like playing. I played that elsewhere mm. as well. This is the Rampage World Tour. Ice Cold Beer. But this isn't the, the proper one with a nice um, background and stuff. This one was like um, a custom cabinet. It looked like they'd, ha- they'd had an old one that was falling to bits, and they'd transplanted all the internals into this new cabinet. 
because there was no back art even on you know where the holes are in in ice cold beer. Yeah, they didn't have any artwork on that. It was very plain looking, but it still played the same kind of way with all the sounds and everything. So I'm not sure what they did there. Uh, yeah. They had a centipede upright, very common in America. Frogger, I think every single arcade I went into had a Frogger. Every single one. Why not? Why not? Indeed. Uh, Street Fighter Two and Gallagher were hooked up to a huge projector above the bar. So when people were playing them live, you could watch what they were playing above the bar, like on a massive projector screen. There's, I think it was three screens, actually. Then they have one for like competitive stuff when they have things on. And there was Street Fighter 2. So you could watch, I was watching the guy next to me playing Gallagher. And he was like 2.6 million. He was really good at it. I sort of looked. I was playing Dig Dug at the time. I looked up at the, the above the bar. And I was like, hold on a minute. Because I thought it was just them playing videos of games, you know, like mm. on a track screen. It was actually him playing it there and then. That's quite good, isn't it? It's really good, yeah. I enjoyed that. I mean, I don't think it'd be that difficult to do. There must be some sort of device in the machine that takes the video and just puts it elsewhere. Because you can you can play a lot of games with, with two screens anyway. I think MAME even supports two screens. Yeah. Because a lot of places as well I saw, especially games like um, Dragon's Lair, they had a TV on top. So when you're playing the game, people can watch you from afar, from behind. Right. I think it's just something like that, but obviously hooked up to a massive screen. So that was pretty good. Uh, I was playing badly at Dig Dug. I was tr- trying to get me mojo on with Dig Dug, and I couldn't really do it. I played it for a while. I need more practice. Played Donkey Kong there. Got over 100,000 on my first go. No, that's a very good score. A lot better than I can do. I shouldn't really play Donkey Kong with Dig Dug, because I got them at home, for goodness sake. Yeah. <laughs> so I always do, though. I always do. But the top score on that machine was over 900,000. They've obviously got a high score kit on that, and someone had been good had been in there. Ooh. And out the back, as it was going, I actually had to ask the um, the bouncer, because they had a doorman there, because it's a proper beer cade, and they're very, very hot on IDs. You've got to show your ID. Even at my age, 44, obviously you look a lot older than 21. They just have your IDs anyway. It's just a point of practice. You, everyone shows their ID as you go in. Right. And out the back, there was something going on. It was like an eating area, like a barbecue area. I actually asked the guy if I could go in, because there's a massive mural on the wall. I think I've got a picture of it, and it should be on that, that website, the, the website page, uh, of um, Chun-Li and, I think, Blanca fighting on Street Fight. It was a really cool bit of artwork. Really nice. Nice. So that place is pretty good. 82 in LA. Now, the next one is not an arcade. This is the Vintage Arcade Superstore. Now, this place is um, like a warehouse full of games. And out the but we parked around the side of it, there was actually a showroom of games you can buy that have been refurbished, restored. They were quite expensive, but yeah. they were original games. And the guy had a journey in the window, which is quite a yeah. rare game. I say it's rare. I saw two in America. But that was $4,600. Don't stop believing, Vic. Don't stop believing. I played Journey at one of the mm. other places I'm going to talk about later on, it's not a bad little silly game. It's all right. It's weird, but it's not a bad little game. It's quite fun. Lots it's the one with a cassette games. player in it, isn't it? And it had it in there as well. Wow. Uh, I saw a brand new... Well, I say brand new. It looked brand new. Dig Dug next to it, which was like 2,600. But it had the wrong joystick. you think for that money you would get the right joystick. It's a lot of money, that. Yeah, it had a ton of games in there, all for sale. All the prices on, so you can sort of walk around and just pick one if, you're, if you've got a load of money. Apparently, out the other side, around the back rooms, they had a party area. You can actually hire it out for parties. Mm. But the main area I went into, they had tons of stuff in there. Too much to take in. And I talked to a worker there. 
But the people who were working there at the time were Mexican and they didn't understand a ton of English. So I was sort of talking to the guy and he sort of understood what I was saying, but I don't think he quite understand why I was looking around at an arcade warehouse and getting excited about it. Because <laughs> yeah. he works there, you know what I mean? So um, I was talking to him, and he said the owner wasn't there. The owner's called Gene, and a lot of people know Gene. He's, he's well-known. Some of the people I talked to in America know Gene for the arcades. Gene who? Uh, his name is... I've got, his, I've got his card here, just a sec. Gene Lewin. And this is oh, a vintage okay. arcade superstore. Uh, I've got a card there. Um, or oh, does he shop at Asda? I don't know. Why did you say that? I think I might know him. No, I don't think he does. He's probably a Walmart type of guy. All right. So this guy I was talking to said, oh, you want to get, you want to give the owner an email? So I sent him an email. He said, he's not here during the weekend, but he should be in the week. So I sent him an email and never got anything back, unfortunately. But he was saying he's got four to five times more stuff in his storage areas. And this place mm-hmm. was huge. It, I think it's the the largest amount of arcade stuff I've ever seen in one place at one time. And I've seen quite a lot of arcade stuff before. Wow. And it was, there was just monitors covered in dust. There was parts everywhere, machines he was fixing, you know, for different customers, stuff he was working on to sell. Absolutely tons of stuff. I did, I did email him to try and get an interview, but he never responded. Busy guy, I suppose. I don't know, idiots like me talking to him about arcade stuff. I don't know. But yeah, it was, it was a good place. We was hoping to get back there as well, but on the day I was I was going to go back and see if he was there. I, didn't, I haven't heard anything back from email. I didn't want to, you know, impose. But I was talking. I was I went to see Paul Nerman in that day, mm. so we couldn't get back there. I was going to go there with Paul, but we were just busy doing other stuff, you know, with his house. So I went to visit Paul Nermix Nermanen. His house is in Westchester, and he's one of the Intellivisionaries podcasts. Also, the Intari Visions podcast he does. Paul's got a great arcade garage. It's like the sort of same size as mine. Uh, it, one game I liked, he played a nice... It was a really nice bootleg of Star Castle. Yes. I like this game now. I didn't like it when I played Arcade Club. I'm going to have a good go of it next time. I, I learned how to play it a little bit better. Oh, it's I, tough. I've not really I actually, learned I blew it up. You know the bit in the middle where you, you're supposed to kill him and he shoots that really fast fire at you? Yeah. I managed to kill him. The idea is to spin around a screen shooting. Mm. And it does... And, and a proper arcade cab. His one was really nice. And the overlays work really well on it. So it actually looked like colour vectors. This is a bootleg, but it's a really nice-looking one. I don't know who made it or what, what version. It's called something different, but it's a really, really good game. Really smart. Is it Paul that's got Satan's Hollow? He oh, has. sorry, you've got it here. You've got it here. He has, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so the second cab I played there was Elevator Action. He had a proper Elevator Action cab, which was really, really cool. But it seemed to be harder than the main version. Because I, when I play Elevator Action on main, I can nearly always do the first level easy. You've got to nip in the red doors, get the documents, get to the bottom and get out of it. And I couldn't do it on his. This is quite hard. But he seemed to think it was on normal settings, but I think it's on more difficult. Right. He also got... The next one that was a Zaxxon cab. You know why we don't like Zaxxon? It's t- too difficult. Be you honest, get- Zaxxon is a horrible game. But what Paul's done, the best thing, is he's converted into a, into a main cab. He's still yeah. got all the internals for it. So nothing has been lost. Don't worry. He could always put it back if he wanted to, but it's a big old cabinet, so it's perfect to house a main computer and all that sort of stuff. So it's still got the, the stick, like the weird trigger on the stick. He hasn't got it on there, but he has got the stick. He's got everything left over, I, I think. He's kept right. everything for it, so it's not ruined. Um, so that's been converted. He, had, you know, he made his own panel for it, which has got different... He's got a trackball and sort of stuff and buttons and stuff. And that was running Maximus Arcade, which is not a bad front end, I thought. 
Mm. I think I used it before, but I sort of settled on Marla in the end when I was doing it. My front end's not bad. Hey! hey. <laughs> so I nipped on that. I beat Paul's Frogger's score. He had a chalkboard on the wall with all the scores on. I beat that. <laughs> What's, what score did you get? Oh, like 16,000. My normal sort of... That's as high as I've ever got on it. Yeah, I can't I can't beat that. It, it apparently, it gets easier. Yeah, once you do that level where I get to and always die... It's the one where the top log is really slow. It only has like one log at a time it goes past. And it's mm. difficult to get the left-hand one. Once you do that, apparently it goes back to normal again. We're going to have to do that, aren't we, as a, as We're a featured gonna game? We're going to have to do Frogger. I do like a bit of Frogger. Mm. But because I can only get so far, it's only limited ever like four levels. That's all I can ever do, I think. Yeah, me too. Good game. Um, played on that. The nicest game was next to that was um, in his connection was Satan's Hollow, the light-tip flight stick. Oh, it looks good, that. Really nice game, but the hardware is really unreliable on that game. And Paul said he it had a very loud static on the sound, so he disconnected the sound on it. I still had a good go of it. Mm. Brilliant. It's such a great game. I really enjoyed playing that one for the um, the podcast when we did it as well. It is underrated, I think, that game. Yeah, I think Paul's got about 180,000. That's a really good score. And I think Ooh, I wow. saw Mr. Charlie Farr's go the other day. He had it on Facebook. He's got like 350,000 on it now. Right, really I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. Another one he had was um, Atari Night Driver, the really old o- black and white game. Original. He had a sit-down one. Oh, wow. Now, you know a Night Driver is quite a rare cab? Yeah. I saw two while I was in America. Yeah, so he had a, he had the sit-down one, but he's only, got heart, he's only got the seat area at the moment. The actual other bit is stored at a friend's house, but it's all fully working as far as he remembers. He keeps meaning to bring it back. So he had the seat area... And in front of it, he'd had a table with a, a CRT TV and a steering wheel. So him and his little boy could play the racing games. He plays like um, Gran Turismo and stuff. But they're basically yeah. like just crashing into stuff, basically. <laughs> That's quite fun. After that, we went out for dinner with Paul. And he took us, he took us in his car, uh, to Fry's Electronics. You've never been to a Fry's, have you? Neither have I until, no. until now. Fry it's up. like, it's a really big, you know, a lot of these stores are big. Not like little shops that we think of. They're usually like the size of our supermarkets, like Asda's or Tesco or something. They're big. So I went there. He said, oh, you've not been to a Fry's before? And he said, they're all themed. They've got different themes. And this one was like, um, I think it was like sort of Hawaiian themed. Yeah. Yeah, they're all different themed. And it's like it's like a, a miles better Maplin. So it sells electronics parts, crossed with a computer and electronics parts shop. And it's massive. And they've just got everything you need. They even sell arcade buttons there. Cheaper than Maplin, I hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a really good... It gets it sold TVs, air conditioners. And then you can go there one aisle. They've got capacitors and transistors and chips and stuff. And wow. then another place will sell vacuum cleaners. And just all sorts of stuff. Lights and you know, industrial stuff. But absolutely massive shop. Huge. It's a lot of fun walking around there, actually. So after that, uh, I can't remember what day it was after that, we went to Palm Springs. This is the place where all the famous people used to hang out in the summer. We used to go there for vacations. Uh, there's, there's pictures of everywhere of Frank Sinatra and Marilyn Monroe. It all stayed there and John Wayne, all these famous film stars and stuff. It was 38 degrees centigrade when I was there, 101F when I went there. Oh, that's hot. And that's off-season. It hot! I had a quickie look at a fun complex called Boomer's. Yes. Boomers. Uh, it had a, it had a crazy golf course, not crazy, 
crazy golf course there. With a W? Yeah. Well, no, crazy. Just, just in my mind. I actually wanted to play crazy golf. I quite fancied a game. But wife said, it's outside. There's no chance. Because mm. it, was, it was red hot. It was so hot there. It was unbelievable. It's like desert, basically, at Palm Springs. Really hot. You know when you're in a hot town, when, when you walk past shops, they're spraying out vapour, vapoured air across the shop fronts to keep it cool. It was Ooh. ridiculous there. So we wanted to survive the day, so we didn't play crazy golf. So the arcade indoors with air conditioning, thank goodness. Uh, it was basically, it's basically a nice Dave and Buster's, and Dave and Buster's arcades in the UK in the US aren't nice. This was quite a nice, actually looking place. We had a quick look round. It was like ninety percent redemption games and modern races, shoes, you know, the normal kind of thing of a modern arcade, just for yeah. the family kind, kids, kids sort of place. But they did, of course, have a Gallagher Stroke Pac-Man. Uh, a few old knackered 25-inch screen cabs playing fighting games, you know, Street Fighters and Mortal Kombat, that sort of stuff. Nothing to write home about. Mm. So, on to Oakland and Alameda. Uh, Alameda! Alameda! Slides off the tongue like a silky slide. Slidey, tonguey thing. Uh, I need to get me metaphors better, don't I? You do. These are cities near San Francisco, or as my geography teacher used to say, San Francisco. <laughs> That's how we used to say it. We used to take the mick out of him. What, did so, he say any other silly things? Uh, Ignatius Rock. He's <laughs> a geography teacher. What do you expect? Did he say, did he say interlocking spur? Interlocking spur. He probably <laughs> did, actually, yeah. And Oxbow Lake. <laughs> probably said something like that. So what we tried to do here was meet up with an old Brit... Oh, God. There's a guy who I don't think you'd know him actually because it was sort of before you got on the, the UK vaccine. A guy mm. called P Man, Andy Wellburn. He used to live uh, North London, I think, somewhere. I can't remember now. He used to live North London. I've met him a few times. But he is the ace repair guy. Yes, and, I've seen his Facebook page and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he moved to the stateside years ago. He's of andysarcade.net, and a lot of people in the US now know him because I think they send him the really difficult, you know, the old. Um, PCB to repair the ones that haven't got any schematics or any notes so he just repairs them he's really good so I, I met Andy before and I, I, I did get onto him a little bit late I mean I didn't realise he was in Oakland until so when we got to Oakland I thought I've, re- I've read that name somewhere I've heard that name of that place before and I realised he lives there so I sent him a, an email so do you want to meet up and he said oh yeah yeah I'll meet you at, I'll meet you at MADE which is the Museum for Art and Digital Media mm. uh, Digital Ent- Entertainment sorry M-A-D-E and um, in the end, he couldn't actually make it. And he was trying to get to meet a, a local arcade later on in the evening. But he was picking up a car the next day. Obviously a busy guy, interna- international man of mystery, that sort of yeah. stuff. So we didn't we didn't meet, unfortunately, which was just a bit of a bummer. But for the next three places I went to in Oakland, there was the MADE, Museum for Art and Digital Entertainment. These are all on the website. Basically, this is a cool museum full of a few arcade machines and tons of CRTs screens and consoles set up for you to play $10 per person for the whole day you can go in and out, you get a stamp or whatever go in and out um, there are shelves and shelves and shelves of discs, cartridges other media, that these really cheerful staff will swap around for you to play they said to me, if you want to play a game just point it out to us on the, on the thing we'll swap them all around for you, just play all day long they were fine about it uh, there's a few rare systems in glass cabinets which you couldn't play and a shed your shed, perhaps, full of CRT scattered around to display the, the systems on. There was no... I think there was a few LCD 
screens on the wall for the more modern machines. They had Xbox 360s and PS3 and 4s there to play. So like some of the kids were playing there, but main, mainly big CRTs. You know, like the 38-inch CRTs are really heavy, big ones. Yeah. They had tons of those, absolutely loads of them. So I got a chance to look at a Commodore SX64. You ever seen one of those? No. This is the one you could carry around. It looked like it basically looked like uh, the size of a sewing machine in a yeah. box. So you, you you pivot the front down, and that's a little little keyboard. And there's this like a four inch color screen behind it. But this thing is is like heavy. It's a couple of kilos. You know what I mean? It's quite. It's like ten kilos to carry. But that oh, was wow. portable back then. But I've never even seen one of those in, in real life up close. I've, I've seen them on pictures. I've never seen one. Also saw a Magnavox Odyssey. Ooh, um, 1972. Yeah, loads of stuff I've never even seen before. Um, but most, I'm talking, talking to some of the guys there, most of the items were donated by people. So I said mm. to him, well, do you ever sell any stuff? And he said, no, we don't really. We just sort of hoard it and keep it. But most stuff has been donated before. Rather like the uh, Cambridge Computer Museum. Yeah, they, they do donated. well that yeah. way, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah really good. Um, kids were going mad for the old games. Because so they had a... Atari home version of Video Pinball. Yeah. And it had Breakout on it. And they had that on a TV, and everyone was playing that. It was quite a good little game. Bloop, 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 bloop. Lots of blips and bloops going on. Mm. So that was quite fun. Wife was playing, I think she was playing N64. She was playing a game called Space Station something or other. How was it? I've never even seen it before. It was bizarre. She was, she was basically racing around a, con- a radio-controlled goat at one time. Space Channel 5, it might have been. can't remember. I don't know that. There's now a dead spider on my desk. We've well, had loads of spiders. There were a spider on me, on my keyboard. I killed it. I killed it with an Atari flashback. <laughs> I wonder if a spider's ever been killed live on air by an Atari flashback before. It's the first for the spider. Well, it's the yeah, last spi- for the spider. It's definitely the last for the spider. Any road up. Second... Around there, this is in Alameda, which is not too far away. We just drove a little places, just a couple of miles away. The Pacific Pinball Museum. This mm, place this is looks awesome. good. It's oh god! If you like pinballs, you've got to go there. There were no video games there at all, apart from where you could say Baby Pac-Man and Caveman, which is mm. a pinball with video on it. A super friendly, knowledgeable guy on the door. Really, really nice guy. Knew everything about pinballs. This was a little bit more expensive to get in. This was $20 per person. But readmission throughout the whole day was free, including the price. You can go out, get coffee, get dinner, come back again, play all night, whatever. So that's pretty good. Um, There were some ancient pinballs, right up to brand new, spanking new pinballs there. They had a proto of Dialed In, the brand new one from Jersey Jacks. He said it's been there quite a few few months, or weeks or months now, and they're just you know, working out some stuff. It's a prototype, and he's hoping they were going to let them have it. Mm. But that's the place to put it, really. They had about eight pins at the very, very front, which you had to pay to play, because these are the more expensive ones, like the brand spanking new ones, like the nine, $10,000 ones. But I didn't yeah. bother playing those, so I played them before, a lot of them. The highlights there were an old electromechanical EM pinball called Spanish Eyes. You ever seen it? No. The artwork was really... It's like Art Deco artwork, and the game was a little bit different because the the bumpers at the front, the, the flippers, sorry, were a little bit higher up, and it was weird how it played. I have to look on the, um, on I'm the, looking the now. notes. Yeah. It was a really weird flipper set. It worked really nicely. I like playing that one. I, oh, also I see a, what you mean, yeah. It's odd, isn't it? I have to probably put a picture on for that, I think. I think it's, it's on the notes again with the pictures. It is, yeah. Um, I got to go on the super rare weird Gottlieb game called Caveman. 
This is a half video, half pinball game. And it's fun. And next to that was a three-quarter... You get you do get three-quarter size tables. And this is a mm. real odd thing called Punchy the Clown. Now, it's freaky because it's got a clown on it, and nobody likes clowns, do mm. they? But this one was really weird. Never even knew it existed. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it isn't that old either. It was like 90s, I think. Um, but it didn't even put, you know, normally you've got a little plunger or you have a button or a, or a gun lever to launch the ball. This thing didn't yeah. even have one. It just launched it out of the middle of the game from behind yeah. the pin, from behind the, the flippers. Yeah. I had a quick go on Mr. Holly's favorite eight ball deluxe. Saw that one. Quit talking and start chalking. Blip, 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 blip. That's the fella. Mm. That's quite fun. I had to go on Baby Pac-Man and realised it's a terrible game. Awful. Mm-hmm. I do not like Baby Pac-Man. The pinball on it is re- even, even like half-sized pinball. It's really small. And it reminds me of one of those ones you get for gobstoppers. You know you, you put money in a gobstopper before that and you play it around the pinball before you win the gobstopper? Yeah. It reminds me of that. So it's just junk. didn't like it. And when you... when I think when you lose the ball, you play Pac-Man. Or you play Pac-Man first. Then when you, when you lose in Pac-Man, then you go back onto the table... But it's such a really, really bad version of Pac-Man. I, I don't believe the original people who did Pac-Man had anything to do with it. Because you, you've played Baby Pac-Man before, have you? I haven't, no. Well, the sprites on it are a single-coloured sprite, and it doesn't even look like proper Pac-Man. It's just a really horrible game. I really didn't like that. It's just a novelty, I think. And apparently they break down for a pastime as well. Right. It was not a fun game. I, I waited ages to get on it because there's loads of kids playing on it. I was like, oh, go away, kids, go away, go away. And then they went away, and I basically played it and went, oh, this is just junk. But Caveman was better. It was a lot better game. Yeah, so I'm glad there's not many of those around anymore, that baby Pac-Man. Awful. Well, wife really enjoyed Centaur, which seemed to be quite a popular one, and High Speed. Uh, High Speed was ported to the NES as a video game, which she had when she was a kid. So she quite enjoyed right. that one. It's got a red light on the top, which is quite cool. Uh, I couldn't find Farpar. For Brendan <laughs> Whitney, of the, of the Broken Token guys, I was looking for one. But this place had uh, hundreds of machines they move around as well in storage. Mm. So they had loads. I'm sure they got one. There's about four or five rooms in the whole place, and it seemed to just go on forever. It's a really big place, really big. Just loads of different halls of pinballs. There's a separate party area, all sorts of stuff. You just, I just kept finding other rooms. Oh, this is brilliant. They even had the very first lower flipper pinball by Gottlieb from 1950. Game called Spot Bowler. Right. These old pinballs, you have to actually pull a lever under the ball launcher to spit the ball out. It doesn't do it automatically. You've got to bring the ball into play yourself and then use the plunger, which was on a few of these 50s pinballs. I'd never even seen that before. I didn't realise that's how pinballs evolved. Do you know, there's you're on about Pacific Pinball Museum, and there's also one in California called the Museum of Pinball, which was in Banning. Yeah. Yes, I didn't get to see that. I think, I think the one in Banning... Is a private collection, and they they open it a bit, and Walter Day's involved a bit, I think, with it. As I'd well. love to have gone to that, and if I ever went again, I'd ask Paul Nerman because I think he knows the guy who owns it, and he's been in, and he said it is good because they've got like tons and tons and tons of pinballs, and they've got a little, I say a little in American room at the back with like four hundred games in it or something stupid. Yeah, yeah. Like video games. I mean, there's loads. Mm-hmm. So that'd be another one to go to in the future because. I'm sure I'll go back to California, because I do like it. California, Oregon, brilliant. So mm. I probably will go back. But these EM games, very, very simple. They sound great. You can hear the buzzing of elect. When you hold the 
the flipper buttons and you can actually hear it buzzing with electric. Yeah. So you think, this is, if I put my hand in there, it'd be really dangerous. So I just won't. So it's just buzzing <laughs> and, you know, the bells, the pings. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. Though. I really enjoyed that place. Really nice. But this is, pinball's just, I know they are older than video games. They just, the old ones seem really old. It's like mm. you don't want to hit them too hard because you, know, you don't want to break them. Mm. But there were some really nice ones there. But they're very, very similar, the gameplay. It's like a single layer, a few bumpers, a few ramps and stuff. So it's not really rules you got into, or not to an ignorant pinball person like myself. But later on in this trip, I could get to learn a bit more about pinball. And it gets complicated. Oh, yeah. Far the, too complicated yeah. to brains of our stature. Far yeah, too complicated. Multipliers and all sorts. And oh, it gets even more complicated than that. Seriously. Really does, but I think if you learn one game at a time, you can probably do good, quite well at it. But it's just, yeah, it's multiple different rules and stuff. Yeah, so that was really nice. They even had, and it's it's on um, Wiki about this. They had a clear electromechanical pinball. They'd actually done it all sides of perspex, mm-hmm. so you can actually see all the bits inside of it. And there's tons and tons of wires, switches, tons of bits. Yeah, tons of bits inside. Leaf yeah. switches going off, you know, solenoids everywhere. It's actually quite interesting watching it all move around. You can see sparks going on and stuff because it's you know, quite high voltage and stuff in there. It's good fun. Mm. Next one is the, the High Scores Arcade, which is less than a mile away from this place. And this is a really cool place. A beautiful arcade, only a few miles away. They also have another location in Haywood too, which is not that far from Alameda. I only found out this after we left there. Didn't realise there was two sites. Mm-hmm. So we only stayed for an hour as we were just cream crackered by then. It was just hot and we were worn out. But an hour is five dollars. And oh, $10 gets you an all-day pass. All the games are on free play, and a young guy on the door was a really nice bloke, friendly, knowledgeable. He was sort of telling me how to run the machines. I said, I run a I run a podcast in the UK. He went, Oh, okay. And he just okay. Just let me get on with it. I think he knew what I was talking about. Well, sort of, a bit. Uh, the first the first game you see as you walk in the door, it's a very narrow arcade again. They're quite thin. Mm. first one you see as you walk in the door, and I'm sure we've reported on it ages ago when it came out, they had it made for them. It's a Nintendo Zelda cab. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. made out of a Nintendo Mario Brothers wide body, you know, the wider cab than the normal Nintendo one. Yeah, and it's it's playing different Zelda games. It's not perfect for the arcade, but it was a really beautiful novelty. Mm. Really nice. There's a load of games you could play on it, I think via emulation. But it was a really lovely looking thing. It's beautiful. I took a few pictures of that one. And next to that, they had a Fixit Felix Nintendo like cab, and a really nice Nintendo row about another five cabs. You know the usual Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Junior, Mario Brothers, uh, Super Mario World versus cab that sort of stuff. So that was mm. really nice. Right, they had a Star Wars cockpit, which I played on. That was good fun. I actually did about three loops of that. It's better, better than I normally do on that game. Star, uh, they had a, a Tron and a Discs of Tron Upright. You don't see many of them very often. Ooh, an E-Dot. Yeah, no, it wasn't an E-Dot. It was a normal stand-up one. Just an Upright. Yeah, right. yeah I did see a, an E-Dot later on on the trip, but yeah, that was the normal one. Uh, Robotron Cabaret. That was a nice cow. I tried to steal that. They, they saw me unplugging it. Uh, what else was in there? There was about 40 games or so to play in there. All excellent condition. Everything I played functioned perfectly as well. Everything was working really nicely. I actually put a lot of time... I think I spent nearly an hour there, actually nearly the whole hour. On, they had a 
in one cab, you know, like a sort of um, like sixty in one kind of thing. Yeah, but it was a better version of that. Um, and I was I was playing. Uh, it's in an original Pac Man cab with a few extra buttons. And I put on a score on Shaolin's Road Kicker. Yeah. I put on nine 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 zero zero. So when it saves the high score, it, it saves the high score, but not your name. No one could beat that <laughs> on the, on the actual thing there because it would, when it rolls over to a million, it would still say nine 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 zero zero on there. And I, I told the nice. guys, he went out, he went, nice job. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wife was playing Dr. Mario. She played that for yonks because she's really good at that still. It's one of those games that she can just play almost indefinitely. If Ooh, I went into fun. an arcade and there was nothing for her except that, she could just sit there, play that until I'd done everything and come out again. So she played that for a bit. Oh, you've yeah. got to be right quick thinker for that, haven't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not bad at it. I can play it for quite a while, but she can just play it like just indefinitely. She gets bored of it before she gets killed. So, yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, just, before we, just before we left... I had a quick shifty down the end of the place and found another small room of games I didn't even knew existed. So mm. I went down the end and didn't realise there's a little offshoot to the side. So there's more games in there. A decent go on a dedicated Q-Bert as well. I saw quite a few Q-Berts. And this one had the knocker in it. Yeah, yeah. Ka-dunk. Ka-dunk. Yeah. Love that. So much I've enjoyed Q-Bert on this trip going to different places. I've got a few Isis cabs, a little sub-electro Isis chip shop cabs, the mini ones. I'm going to do, I think, a dedicated one with Cuba in. Nice. And it's a great game. I'm going to really run good. the FPGA rather than emulation. You know the one, the, the Millstar one that's got the different games yeah. on? Because I can also play Mad Planets on there. If I make a different panel up for it, I can play Mad Planets. A spinner and a stick. Yeah. That is such a good game. I could make the stick out of a just like a sort of reused... Twig. No, not a twig. That would no. be a bit too sticky. Yeah, sticky twigs. Yeah. yeah, you can use um, an old 8-bit joystick, like a quick shot joystick. Yeah, right. Just use one of them. Just repurpose it. You just sort of take the bottom off and use that, I think. Because I think those 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 joysticks are actually really expensive to buy. But I can sort of mm. make one up. So it's only home use. It's not going to break down or anything. And I love the Q-Bert. I love the Q-Bert. I'm not I, very good I, at I, it. And I, I do get a little bit better when I play it. I can sort of work out where Coily's going to go. And I really like the game. And I think I think to play that, you do need, obviously, the dedicated cabs. You need the 45-degree the orientated joystick. Yeah, you could. What could you do in emulation? You could change the directions in emulation so you do diagonals. Yeah, that Millstar software, hardware, sorry, it's like a multi-PCB, but it uses FPGA. So it's, it's emulating the hardware, not the software as well. Mm. So it's really, really good. And I think there is a setting on that. So on that you can use, there's a setting so you can use the, the, the screen vertically as well as horizontally. Because there's yep. a few games on that are horizontal. I think um, Reactor is on there, which is a horizontal screen. And I think so is Krull. But you can use, you can make the, the software use the screen as it is. So you don't have to turn the monitor around. They're all different control panels, aren't they? Reactor yeah, that's would be a the thing. You, you'd need different control panels. Is Kroll twin stick? Apparently, Kroll is a twin stick. Yeah, because the the Pie Factory guys did it recently. It's a yes. twin stick game. Yeah, so there's lots of different panels. But if I was to get that, I'd want to play Cuba Mad Planets. That's such a mm. good. We, I played Mad Planets when I went to Kado's meet a few weeks ago, or a few months ago now. Sorry, and that's a really nice game. But you do it's need great, that panel. It? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to get that. I think in the future, I'm definitely going to get that. So I do like a bit of Cuba. So on to the next town which is Eugene in the next state, actually, in Oregon. We got to Oregon by then. 
Ew. First one we saw, Game Pub. Says it all, really, doesn't it? Game, Game. Pub. Nice. Yeah, so this was an arcade stroke console stroke card game bar. All sorts of gaming going on in here. I think they even had board games in there. And here is some audio from there. Well, I'm in a place uh, in Oregon called Eugene. I'm in a place called Game Pub. I just want a quick look around now myself. There's a big massive um, uh, projector on the wall playing a modern game, Dark Souls 2. I think it's quite a modern one. There's a big DJ set up there, it's pretty cool. It's a four-player Simpsons by the looks of it. It's a stand-up one where you stand at a pedestal. It's got a big old 39-inch CRT. It's a Capcom machine, apparently. It's nice. There's loads and loads of um, modern TVs on the walls, like flat screens. So I think the first one here has got like a X-Men Mutant Apocalypse by Capcom, which is... Uh, there's an N64 near it, and there's a Retron, I think, so it's one of the older machines playing the newer games. Halo on the original Xbox, there's another N64 there, PS2, uh, playing, what game that is actually, it looks like Soul Calibur, yeah it is, Soul Calibur 2, N64, with a Donkey Kong game on it by the looks of it, uh, Mario Kart 64 staple, obviously, loads and loads of controllers by the side of it, Mario Brothers 3 on the end, and loads of games you can sit down to, there's an Atari 2600 uh, remake there, a NES, Another Retron. Oh, Super Mario Kart on the big screen. I'm surprised my wife isn't playing that, but she's a bit ill. Aww. Uh, and there's some modern game here on the wall, which is another LCD. Super Mario Brothers U, which is on the Wii U. Looks pretty cool. Mario Kart 8, which is a Wii U as well. Lovely sofas here as well. There's loads of, obviously, beers and stuff. There's an arcade section at the end. Uh, it's a Shoryuken League, which is quite big machines, 25-inch screens. All CRTs, which is nice as well. Uh, it's a sort of beat them up there. I don't know which one that is. There's a Dig Dug, which has been stretched, unfortunately. Knights of the Round. These are all in Dynamo cabs, like big 25-inch screens. And there's another big one, Dungeons & Dragons, on the wall here, which is a four, another four-player pedestal game with a huge CRT screen. Metal Slug 3, another Dynamo, big screen. Looks like they've got flat-screen TVs in, but CRT flat-screens. Uh, and they've all got Shoryuken League on them. So this is another... Capcom beat him up at the end. It looks like a sort of uh, X-Men versus something or other. And another one playing another beat em up because it's got six buttons per game. And one I played on a minute ago which I really liked was Elevator Action 2. Cool game. So yeah, we spoke going to eat in a minute and try and find some other stuff later on. Awesome place. Uh, loads of flat screen TVs as well as a number of CRTs all around the place. Running all sorts of modern repro consoles like Retrons, you know the one that can play Mega Drive, Game Boy, yeah. SNES, NES, all that. They had loads of those in there. They had, they had a mess mini, which they'd set up just by the door, which I thought was silly because anyone could just pinch that and be off with it. You know, the NES minis are quite hard to find. Mm. So they did all that. They had a little arcade section down the end. It was all exactly the same kind of cab. Um, but I also saw a bunch of N64s, which are expensive in America. You want to buy a N64 in America, you're looking at $90 for one. Oh. You can get them in car boot sales for like 10 quid in the UK. It must have been more well-received in the U- in the US, because like the N64 is probably known as the probably the worst Nintendo console. There's some good stuff on it, Mike, mm. but, you know, it, generally... Yeah, it's just the 3D's dated a bit on it, isn't it? Yeah, the, the screens were never very good. I think the the Japanese and the, and the American ones can be modded to RGB easier. Yeah. I don't think the UK, US ones can, actually. So a bunch of those there. Um, there was GameCube's Wii's, all that sort of modern games as well as older ones. But loads of people were like giving Mario Kart a good bashing. 
you know, four-player mm. Mario Kart on the N64, which is brilliant. Uh, yeah, so I sort of went down there, saw the dynamos, and the Dig Dug on there, I'm not sure if they were using emulation or PCBs in there, but the Dig Dug was definitely emulated. Mm. Definitely, because it was like a 25-inch horizontal screen, and they'd actually stretched the screen. You know it's a vertical game. Yeah. They'd stretched it all the way across the screen. It looked terrible. As soon as I walked in, I went, that isn't right. You know, you know you've got your arcade eyes on it, that isn't right. I played it and I just could not play it. It's just weird playing like that. It's like someone's someone's fed him a diet of donuts and he's just got fat across the screen. So that Dig wasn't the donut remix. Yeah, it wasn't good that that bit was a bit meh. actually I wasn't happy about that. Very ugly. But there's some of the games there which work well on horizontal. Vampire Saviour, Elevator Action Two. You ever played that? No, I've not played the first one much, to be honest. I really like Elevator Action. Elevator mm. Action 2 is like a modern take on it, and it's really good. Nice little game, not really nice animation and sound effects. I really enjoyed playing that one. I've never really put much time into it. I think it's a Taito F3 hardware. Right. So it's quite an expensive game to buy an original of. Um, they had Knights of the Round, a few four-player games running on a bigger cab, like the Dungeons & Dragons one, you know, the, the CPS2 Dungeons & Dragons Mister Shadows over Mistara. And, yeah, and there's yeah. another one. Those ones. They yeah. those on there, which are really popular in America. The four-player games, like the basketball one, the, the Turtles, Ninja Turtle one. I think they had Sunset Riders. You know that one I don't like? Oh, good game. <laughs> they're, they're, all, they're really popular there. And, and their cabinets are nicer-looking four-player ones than ours. Because ours are like really weird pedestal things with a huge mm. control panel. These just look like a normal 25-inch screen with a slightly larger panel. So they, they seem quite nice, but there was loads of games there anyway. It's quite good. I'm not sure if they're running original PCBs or not. I've no idea. Uh, the bar was free to get into. Obviously, you buy drinks. There's loads of tons of drinks and that there, and all the games are free to play. So I presume if you're eating or drinker there, you, you sort of stay there all day and just do what you want. Cool. So next place, Level Up Arcade, or or Level Down perhaps. Mm. Mm. This is a barcade or a bar arcade because that word's been. Copyrighted. Uh, a bunch of original cabs, pinballs, ski ball, pool tables, and air hockey tables. You can imagine how big this place is with all that lot in it. It was huge. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, there was big TVs all over the place playing American sports. It was like a sports bar. Mm. I do not dig on American sports. I don't like sports. Yeah, I don't like seeing them. I, you know, when you go in somewhere, like you go to a restaurant and they've got football on. It, whether you're a football supporter or not, your eyes are drawn to the TVs all the time. You should be talking to your wife, talking to your friends, having a drink, eating your dinner, whatever. You don't want screens on in the background. They're just they're distracting. I really hate it. And when there's arcade games on, you don't need more entertainment, do you? Not really. You're not going to be playing Zaxxon whilst looking at American football. It's just awful. Really didn't like that bit. And here is some more audio. I'm now at the Level Up Arcade. Um, I've had a walk around, and there's a lot of machines not working, actually. Miss Pac-Man's out of order. Got on there. Gallagher next to it. You can't get any coins in it for some reason. Uh, they've got Terminator Salvation by the door. Big thing. It looks lovely, this place. Really nice. There's a place to sit around drinking and stuff. Big Buck Wild, another gun game. There's a Justice League Heroes United. Looks brand new, this thing. It's global VR, apparently. Looks all new. It's a nice-looking cab. Uh, got a Let's Go Bowling Centipede Missile Command and Millipede all together. Which is quite good. Got a big track ball on it. It's quite a good little game. Dig Dug is sadly missing a colour for some reason. And you can't play beyond about level 6 because it's too dark. Um, had a good go of it. Uh, Frogger. Nice Frogger cab. Bit of a bendy screen though, unfortunately. 
uh, Strikers 1945 Player One Fire wasn't working properly. Asteroids has got a LCD screen in it. It's not a proper vector. Space Invaders, I played that, which is a Taito anniversary one. And it just doesn't play like real Space Invaders. So it's doing stuff that it shouldn't have done, like shooting through the uh, barriers and stuff, which is really weird. Uh, Four-player versus Pac-Man, which is really cool. Uh, Street Fighter Anniversary Edition, which is uh, a big LCD by the looks of it. Loads of different Street Fighters on there. Proper Joust, proper Defender. The Defender is really weird. When you press reverse, you've got to hold reverse down to keep going in that direction, and thrust goes the opposite direction. Well, normally you press reverse to turn around, and then hold thrust down to go. It's really weird. I couldn't understand that. I reckon that must be a hack on there, or they're using maybe a FPGA board. I'm not sure about that. But the PS2 resistance display is a killer queen. They've got a 10 player killer queen, and nobody's playing it. Unfortunately, it looks really cool. There's tournaments apparently from 9 till 11 pm. And in the corner, you've got a Nintendo setup. You've got Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, Kong Jr., and Kong, which will work pretty well. Uh, Star Wars Trilogy, nice big bar. When you go around the back, you've got loads and loads of pinballs. There must be about 20 odd pinballs. Let me just count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, it's got to be 20 plus. And you've got four lots of Mario Kart Arcade GP DX together. You've got a uh, tank, 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 Namco double play. Someone's just got a thing there. They've got some really new pinballs. Like Game of Thrones, Kiss, Walking Dead, Metallica, WrestleMania, Star Wars, Medieval Madness, Transformers, ACDC, Batman. The brand new Batman isn't working. God, how annoying is that? Those are so expensive. X-Men, Ghostbusters, Star Trek, Aerosmith, uh, Family Guy, shut up Meg, Lord of the Rings, South Park, Monopoly, Tron, Avengers, Austin Powers, Creature from Black Lagoon, oh, a lot of these have got coloured DMDs which is quite nice, Doctor Who, old Bally one, NASCAR, uh, there's a Gauntlet Dark Legacy, that's a nice looking cab, huge thing but it looks lovely, really nice screen on it as well, lovely looking thing, Guitar Hero Arcade, oh some new arcade games, they Connect 4, uh, and Doodle Jump Arcade, I think it's an old phone game. And you've got a Mortal Kombat 2, Tekken 4, oh, Simpsons Big Cab, but not as ugly as our ones, the Grid. Oh, there's a, a gauntlet, a proper gauntlet there as well, normal gauntlet. In the corner, you've got a, an Aero City playing one of the Tetris games. I think it's the Atari Tetris, but it's actually on a little platform, make it higher than normal. Poor thing. Oh, I'd love to take that home with me, love that cab. And you've got some other sign of games. You've got like, three pool tables, two pool tables, and a couple of those hockey games. It's a really big place, though. It's massive. It's a shame a lot of the games aren't working properly. Booger. So there's some nice games in there, though. Uh, main problem with the breakdowns and the non-functioning games. This place wasn't as well looked after as any of the other places I went to. Right. Uh, some big gun games there. They're, they did have a 10-player Killer Queen, though. I didn't see anyone playing it. Have you played it? I haven't, no, because I wanted mm. to play it, but I think you do need to play a multi-game player with at least three or four players, maybe. Yeah. It seems a lot of fun. I looked at the rules. I was watching the track mode, and I really hope Andy gets one at Arcade Club. Because mm. I'll probably come and have a visit if he gets that, because he can get a bunch of us idiots together, us and our listeners. That'd be a lot of fun. It's just yeah. left, left, right, and a button, I think, or maybe two buttons. Mm. So it reminds me sort of of Joust. Right. Um, but you've got yeah. different things to do. You've got to help each other out. I'll have to talk to you about it because I can't really remember exactly what you do. But there's different, there's like three main objectives to win the game. You can do this, this, or this. 
and then sometimes you're helping each other out. Sometimes you're you're sort of defending people that are trying to do a certain thing slowly so that people don't get you. Can it's like a capture the flag type of thing. It seems a lot of fun. It does look good, and the, the cabinet's huge. It takes yeah. the place of like seven cabinets, right? But you can put them back to back, so it's a little bit smaller, but it's still massive. It really is big. There was twenty plus pinballs I've counted in there. They're the huge, you know, the really big space in there, the LED one. They had that there as well. Well, they've gone on the front. Yeah, which is yeah. mad. It, it's not my favourite big game. I like the Pac-Man Gallagher one better because it's more of an arcade game than a than a sort of redemption type thing. Uh, they, had a, they had a massive Connect Four though. Have you ever seen that in the arcades? I bet they got them in Blackpool. I've seen a, I've, I've seen a big Connect Four. I can't think where. Not a not a physical one. You put counters in. This is like a, a you know you, I think you touch the screen or whatever and you got. Oh play. no, no, I haven't. They had that. They had a thing called Doodle Jump, which was a popular phone game, I think. Yeah, converted. it's an old phone game, yeah. Uh, they had a gauntlet, an original gauntlet. Yeah. And also a gauntlet Dark Legacy, which is a really, really cool game. I've never played... I've seen the arcade version a few times. I've never actually played it in the arcade, because it's the kind of game I prefer to play on console. I had that on the Dreamcast. There was Dark Legacy... And there was a follow-up as well, very similar game, and it was up to four J- players at a time. Really James good R- game. Yeah, James RGP's got one. Oh, nice one. Yeah. Cool. Really good game, though. Because the events. Yeah, you can pick those cabinets up quite cheap because they're really large, and nobody seems to want them, so you can pick them up quite cheap. But if I had the room, I'd definitely have one. It's a brilliant game, especially with multiplayer. Really nice. It's sort of like a, a pseudo 3D type of gauntlet. It is, yeah. It, I yeah. loved it on the Dreamcast. I played it to death on the Dreamcast. Really, really cool game. They had a poor old... Aero City, you know the really old Sega Candy Cab? Yeah. They're one of those. It was sat on this really silly pedestal to make it higher. And it's playing Atari Tetris and the screen was all knackered. It was like drinks spilled all over it. Poor Ooh, thing. Poor I would have taken thing. that away and looked after it. Right. Uh, Defender had a really weird button issue on it. Maybe they were running the J-Rock Multi-Williams. Because I think you can change this on there. But, you know, on... on Defender, you, you you press thrust to move, and yeah. when you want to reverse, you hit reverse once and then press thrust again. Yeah. On this one, if you held thrust, you went to the right. If you held reverse down, you went to the left. And I couldn't <laughs> work it out. It's just, it seems natural to play like that. And if you're playing at home, you play on a joystick or whatever, and it go the way you told it to. But it didn't seem right on a proper arcade cabinet, because that's not how it works. And it just mm-hmm. didn't work. It was just weird, so I couldn't play that. So I reckon it's a hack on there, or it might be an option on the multi-Williams, maybe? Don't know. Because no. I think a lot of arcades don't run the original hardware for some of these weird games, because the hardware isn't very reliable. When you put like a J-Rock in there, it's it's like 0.00 whatever percent different, so it's a really good version of it. So that was a bit weird. Frogger had a huge curl on the screen because those monitors, I think, are quite notorious for having like a drop-off on one side of the screen. Mm. So when you're you're doing the edges of the game, you know you've got to get one on either side of the screen. It makes it difficult when there's a massive curl all over. You can't see what you're doing properly. So that was you know not very a bit grotty as well. And the Space Invaders Anniversary, which is a later reissue of Space Invaders, I think it's got kicks on there and different versions of Space Invaders. Yeah, it was fine. Left and right work button worked okay. But I noticed there was a really weird glitch on it where I kept getting shot through the barriers. Yeah. And I, that's not normal. So it must be emulation on arcade hardware on that. 
because it's a, like a reissue game. And it really bugged me because I was hiding behind a barrier to the side of it, and it kept shooting me through. I got hit twice. I was like, what? That doesn't happen on normal Space Invaders at all. Normal Space Invaders is rock solid. I mean, the collision detection on normal Space Invaders is absolutely spot-on perfect. It's really mm-hmm. good. And this just wasn't. And also the brand new Batman, it's Batman 1967, the new pinball, you know, that really expensive one. Yeah. Wasn't working. Turned off. It was the only one in the row that wasn't working. It's probably the, the newest one wasn't working. Not good. So that is level up arcade. Yeah. Yeah. Just really more a bar. And that's all they seem to care about because machines weren't brilliant. I mean, granted, when you, when you go to a big arcade or a show or whatever, things are going to break down, right? Hmm. No problem with that. They're 30, 40-year-old machines. Stuff breaks down. If you tell the person behind the bar, that's all you can do, really, and you should be encouraged to do it. If something goes wrong, find an official and say, excuse me, this button ain't working. They'll either give you your coin back or let you play on another one for free or whatever, and they'll hopefully fix it before you go there again. But these places, when they turn the machines on, it's obvious there's a problem. Like, Dig Dug is really dark. You can see it's a problem. You want to get your technician out, get it off the floor, put another game in, whatever, and get it sorted. Or just have a quick go of it, make sure the buttons are working. Or even go into test mode or whatever when you open the place up and make sure everything's working. Because most games have got a test mode. They'll tell you yep. left, right, up, down, the buttons are working, whatever. But they obviously don't care. They're more running a big bar and playing the sports and stuff. So that is a bit of a bummer, really, that one. It could be a lot, lot better. They just put a little bit of work into it. Mm. But you're going to get that. Right, this one is totally the opposite. This place was absolutely brilliant. This is Vector Volcano. I'm wearing the T-shirt right now. Yes. In Bend, Oregon. Good Bend. Name. Bend. Bendy Bend, Oregon. Bend is a really nice place. Really enjoyed Bend. Uh, VectorVolcanoArcade.com. All the show notes tell you everything that's going on with all these places, especially when you want to look at them, visit them, whatever. Easily one of the nicest, smaller arcades I've ever been into. It's a little place, but it's really good. Really long, quite a thin place. Arcade games both sides. $5 per hour again. A slightly higher price of fifteen dollars for the whole day, easily worth it. Mm. I'd pay twenty to stay in here all day. There's only three pinballs at the very front of the place that are on pay to play, and I think they were seventy five cents or a dollar. And these are new ones again. I think it's Metallica, the new version, the rerun of Attack from Mars, which is the most beautiful electronic thing I've ever seen in my life. You know when you I- see the old the old Wurlitzers. Like the old jukeboxes, yeah. and they're beautiful-looking, lighty up, you know, air bubbles in them, and all this. This is like that. It was that beautiful. It was so bright. It had the extra topper on top, the extra bit with the wobbly aliens on top, and yeah. it's such a bright, gorgeous thing. It's it's eight thousand two hundred dollars worth of gorgeous thing, which is a bit too mm. much expensive for my gorgeous things, but it was lovely looking, really, really nice. This is the top of the range version. It's got super bright LEDs. It's got a huge LCD back glass. Not an actual screen like the Jersey Jackman was, but it's just a really big screen, like twice mm. the size of a, of a normal um, dot matrix, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because the, the pinballs now, they've got the, the old solid state, which is just the, the, the scores. Then you add dot matrix. Then you add color dot matrix, which can be fitted as a kit. And now you've got these LCD ones, which are really huge. Yeah. So it's a really, really nice looking thing. Oh, and Roadshow with the Colour DMD, and they had Metallica as well. They were, they were the three or four that were on pay-to-play at the front. 
Everything else, including a bunch of pinballs as well, some new and expensive pinballs as well in the actual arcade, all free play. Everything's on free play. Nice. So some of the highlights of this place were Journey with a cassette player in it. Because I asked the guy who owned it, Brett, if it had it. He said, oh, yeah, it's got it in there. Um, and it plays okay, that game. It's, the gameplay and graphics are a bit odd, but it's actually quite a fun game. We might have to is cover it, it one day. It's it's like is it midway? Is it is there MCR graphics or I got that wrong? I think it is. It's very similar. You know they're very thin graphics. Yeah, I'm not so keen. And it's got yeah. it's got the heads of the band members from back in like the early eighties, black and white digitized. It's an odd game, but it's fun. It is a we, really fun game. Silly. We played it, didn't we? In we Eurocade. played it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 2015 Eurocade. I don't think we, we liked it that much. But I played it again here. I thought, I've got to play it. It's a rare game. You don't often see it out in the field. I actually got into it. It's really cheesy. It's really 80s cheesy. There's one level, right, where it's the drummer. Because you, you play five levels from the different members of the band, right? So yeah. you, you choose what game you want. And it was like the drummer, Dave Davidson, or whatever his name is, the drummer, or whatever his name is. And yeah. you start off at the bottom of the screen, and you're bouncing in midair, like in space. And there's these levels moving around, and they're... They're blue. When you jump on them, you bounce off again, and it goes red. And what you got to do is you got to, there's there's a set of drums at the top of the screen. You got to hit the set of drums, and it says to you, "Turn all platforms blue." So when you jump on them again, they turn blue and then they disappear. So you got to land on each one until they all disappear. And then what happens then is you get behind your drums kit, which is now a spaceship, obviously, and you're firing. Mm. I think you're firing drum drumsticks at these alien things coming out. And you've got to get to the bottom. So there's like a line at the bottom. So you've got to get your way down to the line. I think that's basically the whole game is you you do something first, rescue the character, then do something else to get out of that level. And then you go on to the, ne- the, the screen choosing game again and you choose the next level and you just got to do that. But it's like a series of like mini arcade games, really. Yeah. Quite enjoyed that, oddly. One of those things you think you're not going to enjoy and I did enjoy it. It's Cuba. This is again. obviously my new favourite game at the moment. Um, Dragon's Lair which isn't my favourite game it's one of my favourite games to watch because mm. the gameplay on most layers of this game is pants this one was beautiful and it had an old 80s TV on top of it which I've shown in the, in the show notes and when I was talking to Brett later on I said I congratulated on how nice is, is Dragon's Lair and I said is it running original hardware he said no it's actually running Dexter now but he said I took the, the original hardware out of there working he right. said. He said my one has always worked. It's never broke down. I think it had the later, the later laser disc player in it. But he said it worked, and it was working when I took the bits out and I put Dexter in just for in the arcade, and the actual TV on top. I said, "Where did you get the TV from?" He said, "I did have a '90s TV on there, but it didn't look the part. So he got like a wood-panelled '80s TV." Yeah. And he said the display on it was really grainy and horrible. So he actually did a tube swap. He put the internals of a '90s TV into it. And it still looks authentic, but it's got a really beautiful picture on it. And you can watch the game from afar. It's really nice. Every single Laserdisc game I saw in America this time had a TV of some sort on top. And that's what they used to do back in the day. I remember my local arcade, they had a TV on top. I think it was like an extra option you could buy when you bought the game. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Mm, Really, really nice. I don't like playing that game, but it was a work of art. I took a few pictures. Uh, an original, here we go, an original upright, Night Driver, again. Mm. I played it. It's such a good game. All it is is some white squares 
moving on the screen. That's all it is. Yeah, you've got your four gears as well, haven't you? You've got bit... four gears. I think there's there's a little switcher on there for easy, intermediate, and hard. And I think when you have it on easy, I think it's an automatic, which is what I like better. you just got a foot pedal and you just put your foot down, I think. Yeah. I was using the gears, and it didn't really seem to do much, so I just put my foot down and, and went for it. And all it is is the road is white markers. I had a game very similar on an Acetronic um, old console game I had. And it was playing, and it plays really nicely because your actual car you're driving is the sticker on the monitor screen. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So that's in the middle, and then the, the 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 track curves around you. Such a good game. I remember the Atari Twenty Six Hundred one being. I, I bet it's pretty, exactly the same. Yeah, pretty decent because there's not a lot to copy, really, is there? Well, this version I had on the Acetronic was like a knockoff of an Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and I think that played exactly the same. You just had a, a rolling road moving around. I don't even think you pass any cars. There's no cars. I think it's just a time trial. Yeah. It's such a good game. I really enjoyed that. And the machine was beautiful. Every single game in this place had a little bit of patina on a little bit of wear on some of the control panels and stuff. And But everything was perfect. There wasn't like massive scratches and paint all over them and, and cigarette burns. Everything was really nice, but in a used condition. Mm. But really nice versions of everything. That Night Driver, there's a massive history of that game. I don't know if you know about it. The It was written by some German guy, and then Atari went over and tried to get the rights to it. And oh, right. Who, I didn't know that, actually. The Datsun, two, Datsun Zap or something. 280's a Zap? Yeah. Oh, is that the original? Yeah, and there was another one. I did called, not know that. Called Midnight Racer, I think, by another company. So three companies had licensed this game. Oh, wow. From the same guy. Who, I think it was called Nürburgring or something, you know, the big... Yeah, yeah. That's named the big, after the big race yeah, track. Germany, yeah. It's a really interesting history. I think it's on, what's his name? I think he's called Keith Smith, the arcade historian site. Oh, I can't remember nice what thought. it is. But it's a real potted history about how this game came to the US, you know, mm. three three different people licensing it at once, but a bit like what happened with Tetris. It, it's such a simple old school game, but it works so well with the steering wheel. You know what I mean? It's just the, the movement, movement was really fluid on it. And when you play it, I don't know how to explain it really. It just seems so fluid. You wouldn't think something that old would work that nicely. But it plays yeah. really well. Really nice, that one. Hey, Vic. I'm having an, I'm having an IPA look. <gasps> I heard you opening it. I've got, nice. I've got Diet Coke with me. I'm getting addicted to this IPA. And you'll it get, gives you'll you, get man boobs. It, you will, won't you? Yeah. You it will. Happens. I won't. I don't it like IPA. It might be too late. <laughs> don't do that in the camera. I don't know. Don't want to see that. Sorry. Do you want to t- hear about Revenge from Mars? Revenge from Mars? They had, next to the Night Drive, was a Revenge from Mars. This is the Pinball 2000 version, the one with the screen in it. Yep. One of my favourite pinballs. I'd have, three, I'd, have, I'd have three pinballs now, if I could. I'd have World Cup 94 Soccer, which everyone knows. Really good game. I'd have Revenge from Mars. And I'd have an old EM, perhaps, like a Centaur or a Space Invaders. Not a good game, but beautiful-looking thing. Lovely artwork. And even Attack from Mars' new version. If I had enough money, I'd definitely buy one. It's absolutely brilliant game. So it's Revenge from Mars. This is such a great game. It's got these wobbly aliens on it, these rubbery aliens, which are really nice. Really yeah. enjoy playing that. They've got it at Arcade Club. It does my eyes in. <laughs> it sort of messes with me. Because it's almost like holographic, the back panel. Yeah, the actual screen, I think, is above. And it displays onto a half mirror. Because mm. I played one later on at another arcade. And it was really dark. And you could see the metal underneath it, which which is supposed to be hidden by the screen normally. 
I think the right. screen wasn't working properly. But yeah, that's that's a really nice game. That yeah, one of the ones I really like to own myself. So I talked to the owner Brett because I talked, start, just started talking to him at the front really, and he said I'll oh, use the owner and everything. And he's an absolute diamond of a guy. He took time to me to talk about his arcade, and when he had his break, he was showing me some of the rules and let me have a few free games of Attack from Mars. Because he just put some credits in because he was playing and he obviously owned them and he played them when he wants. But on his break, he was playing and we showed him how to play the game. He was telling me stories of past collecting, because he's more of a collector than an, an owner, really, than an arcade op. He was telling me about collecting people he knew. He knew Andy Wellburn as well. He actually mm. knew him because Andy did some work at Pixar Studios and Brett used to work at Pixar. Did he? Yeah, because I think it's in Alameda. It's quite cool. Really impressed. Really impressed. Um, the next day, because my wife wasn't very well, because we, for some reason we always get ill on holiday. I had stomach problems. She had a cold at one point. And I left her back at the, the motel we were staying at because it was only like about a 10-minute walk for me. But the next day I told her about it. She was quite interested. She likes the pinball. I took her back the next day. We just spent an hour or so there. Just went back to see Brett again, say hello, and played a few more games and stuff. She really liked Centaur because of the artwork. It's mm. a really sort of gothic metal, black and silver artwork. It's really cool. It's a really odd back glass, though, because the back glass is a motorbike, but it's like a it's like a minotaur, but a really evil-looking guy, and his back half is a motorbike rather than a cow. Oh, that's clever. It's really weird-looking. I mean, you look at it, you go, that doesn't look right. And it's odd, but it's a good game. It's a quite simple um, solid-state game, but it's a good game. It's nice, nice-looking. She enjoyed that. Uh, we had a few two-player games of Cuba as well. Jumped off the side. Dong! <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, if you look on the website, you can see a scoreboard. They've actually got a scoreboard, which is also on the wall there. It keeps update the scoreboards. And it's, it's obviously got a list of their games on there, because he does swap a few games in and out as well. Because I saw it on the website, there's a Wacko on there. You know that really slanted cabinet? Yeah, that weird I've played thing. one before, and it's a great game. I'm really, really miffed that he didn't have it there at the time, but you know he swaps them in and out now and again, which is nice. He's also a mega gamer himself. He's playing the pinballs on his break for the whole time. Uh, and told me how he loved his job as he gets to play all the time. That's what he likes to do. Yeah. And one of the downsides is he was there until midnight the other the, a few days before, just fixing stuff, repairing some machines, get a problem with one of the pinballs. But he seemed to like the repair as well as the gameplay. Mm. I, think, I think he's just a, a game player, like a collector, that's got his own place to do it in. And you can tell how brilliant the place is because the decoration of the place is that there's a really nice a jukebox in there and it was playing like 80s music all the time that sort of stuff really really cool but the walls were like they're brown walls and it's orange and yellow stripes all the way down to the end and he got the vector volcano like logo which he was saying is one of his favorite games it's battle zone it's like the vector of battle zone i wonder what it was yeah that's what he explained it to be yeah so that's really cool i bought a t-shirt you've got it on i've got it on it's brown it's got vector volcano on it with the very nice on to Portland, Oregon which is one of my favourite places to visit I wouldn't mind I actually wouldn't mind living there yeah really would right this first bit about ground control is a bit contentious I shall tell you why go on when I was in Portland a few years ago the first time I went there I think it was 2013, 2014 can't remember three or four years ago Uh, I can't I can't remember what podcast we did when we when I explained all about why I did one of these where we did a you know an American trip I think it's actually called an American trip it's a point five was it yeah I think so so if you listen to that you'll understand how how raved I was about Portland about ground control in Portland Oregon so 
it was the best arcade I've ever been to at the time. This is before I went mm. to Galloping Ghost, and they're all brilliant in their own way. But this was a lovely place, Galloping Ghost, uh, Ground Control. It's got it's along the same kind of quality and feel as Fun Spot, Galloping Ghost, Underground Retrocade. You know all the, the decent places I've been to. Mm. It's it's high up of one of my favourite arcade arcade club, obviously as well because it's in the UK. Really high up on my list of arcades that I've ever been to. But they've been remodelling. And they've moved to a larger site just around the corner from the old place. And when I went in, I had to pay three pound, three dollars to get in. I think it's because it's a weekend, and there was a DJ there playing music right. and stuff. So it's three dollars, nothing. Not worried about that at all, right? And you still have to play for games. They're on pay per play, quarter a game. Again, the pinballs are slightly more expensive, but less than a dollar. So you know, some mm. of the the newer pinballs are fifty. Some of the brand new ones are a dollar. Whatever, right? No problem. Problem is, there aren't many classic games in there anymore. And there's loads of modern racers, gun games, pinballs, a lot of space for drinking and sitting down. There's a 10-player Killer Queen in there again. Mm. Another one, side by side this time, which I couldn't get on as there were so many people in there playing. Because this was like a weekend as well. And when I went in there, I got in okay. But later on, I went outside to just wait for Kevin, because I was meeting Kevin Savitz, a, a podcasting friend in, in Portland I was meeting up with. And I heard the guy telling people they couldn't get in because they were at capacity. He had one of those right. clickers on him to tell him how many people had been in there. And when yeah. people were coming out, he was saying, are you going home? And they would say, yeah, we're finished. And he'd let someone else in. Because you can right. get in and out with a stamp on your hand, you see. So if they were going out to mm. smoke or you know, go meet someone, they can come back in. It was that busy. They, were, they weren't turning people away, but people were waiting in a line. Or in a queue, as we say. So I picked up more Americanisms. But mm-hmm. in, in Portland, Oregon, there's so many good places to eat and drink and do things. There's always a queue of people outside waiting to get in because things are that good. And they've obviously got capacities. They, they're legally not allowed to let so many people in there. And there was a yeah. lot of room in this place. And I found out later on when I talked to Clay Galgill, one of the owners, why that was. Because I thought oh, you could put more machines in there and stuff. But there is a reason. So I only put one. There's, there's a game in there called Panic Park, as well, which is a lot of fun. Andy needs to get that arcade club. It's a silly game, but it's fun. Modern one. Yep. It's. I don't. It might be two thousands. It only came out in Japan, so I think it's old for them, but new to us. I've only ever seen one. It's from nineteen ninety seven. Twenty years old. Mm. And it's like you have these handles. You have a handle each, and they sort of they slide backwards and forwards, and there's a bumper in the middle. And what it is it's like a racing game. Some there's little mini games, like it's a Namco game, like the mini games. And you're sort of racing along, and you steer your character with the, the the sort of big handle, and you can smash into the other player to knock him off the road. Yeah, and it, it seems quite fun in a sort of violent kind of way. But yeah, I had, a, I had to go single player, and it's just little silly games, little mini like WarioWare type of games. But it seems fun, a lot of fun. So I saw that as well. I only dropped like a quarter in in Kong. I had a quick game of Kong and went out again because I was meeting with uh, Kevin. The place was just too trendy for my liking. The lighting, the music, the clientele. It was all like 20-somethings people in there. But everyone mm. was playing games. It was just full up. Everyone was playing the new games. The 10-player Killer Queen, I couldn't. I actually wanted to play it. Couldn't get on it. Too many people playing. Right. And they obviously teams of people they know. Because I think they, they do have, like, like not leagues, but I'm not sure if that one's connected via the internet with high scores and stuff, because it's a modern game. It probably is. Could be. But they have like um, teams of players, and they have like competitions and stuff. 
because that's that's what the game's for. Really. It's a big, massive multiplayer, ten at a time game. I think you don't have to have ten people playing it, but I think you have to have like teams of you know certain two two per side or whatever. I don't know, but I really need to play that game. I need to get on there and get it and play it. Just haven't mm-hmm. had a chance to really. So yeah, but this part of ground control is to be continued later on. So don't take it as a negative. Right. So the next thing we did, uh, this isn't exactly arcade related, but sort of video game related, is hanging out with Kevin Savitz. Now Kevin Savitz is the one of the podcasters from Antic Atari 8-Bit Podcast. Uh, yes. A friend of mine, I met him last time there, met up with him. And he also does the Eaten by a Guru podcast with Carrington Vanston. It's a text adventure. Uh, one. yeah. I like text adventures, but the Infocom games, which they, they do a podcast on, they do lots of Infocom games, I never played as a kid because we didn't have disc drives in this case, in, in the UK very often. And all mm. the games came on discs. They were big games. So I should play them nowadays, really, because I haven't got time to get into them because they're, they're quite hard games. Oh, yeah, working them out. Yeah, but you, yeah. Can play, you can play them on like phones now and tablets and stuff. They've all been released on modern things, the old games on modern devices and stuff. Yeah, but no bullets, Vic. There's no bullets. There is no, there's bullets, and unfortunately for you, thinking. Oh, no. Yeah, we're not good at that, are we? Uh, not great at thinking. No, no. No, I don't like it. So, I met up with Kevin the first time in, in Portland, and we actually met at the old ground control, funnily enough, because I used to listen to the Atari 8-bit podcast, and I've got an Atari 8-bit, and I had one as a kid and stuff, and he's massive into that. And we got on really well. Met the next day, met his wife, went out for dinner and stuff, went on tours doing like arcade and video game stuff and second-hand shops. So it was brilliant, really enjoyed it. So had to meet up with Kevin next time. So it was good to meet him again. Yeah, and, and that time we went out with him before, he actually took us to this place called Powell's Bookshop, which wife really raves about. It's the biggest bookshop in the world. Mm. It takes the space of a whole block. You know how big blocks are in America? You've seen them. It's like a street. Uh, yeah, yeah. It takes up a whole block. This bookshop. It's massive. Right. It's huge. I got lost in there twice. <laughs> I went to look for the toilet and I couldn't find why. When I went to try and get out, I couldn't get out. I got lost. It's that big. It's massive. Oh it's ridiculous. Anyway. Did you did you hide in a corner and cover yourself in books? Yeah, I just laid on the floor and just covered myself in magazines. They just threw, they threw and, me and out. And slept. I bet you people have been locked in there before. I bet you. It's mm. such a massive place. It's huge. It's really good as well. We visited Kevin and his wife, Peace. Peace, her parents, they're from California. Her parents were hippies. She's really, really nice. Really nice woman. Because uh, Kevin, we also went to the house first, because Kevin had kindly accepted some parcels for me to be mm. delivered there. Oh, and, and wife, actually. Wife got some stuff delivered there as well. Um, it also so happens, we got there in the morning, he made us pancakes, which was nice. His mm. pancakes are well known. Um, I, I I guessed it on the Antique Podcast with him because he was doing a recording that morning, so I jumped in as well. And I think mm-hmm. the last one they did, Mike McGuinness from No Quarter, Drop Three Inches, and the Apple II Podcast, I'm forgetting the name of. Open Apple with Quinn Dunkey and Mike McGuinness. Mm. He was there. Uh, he had a wedding in town, and he met up with Kevin as well because they know each other. And he he, podca- he guested the month before. It's getting a regular thing now, people visiting Kevin and, and doing the podcast. So um, we did that. I felt a little bit outqualified compared to the actual host because they know a lot more about Atari than I do. But I did put a few ten pences worth in. Yeah. Hopefully, I brought something to the Atari table. Um, but Kevin assured me that ground control is still a cool place, 
and it's going through a transition at the moment. Uh, and this is what lots of other people I talked to were saying. When I talked to Brett, he said, oh, yeah, they're doing another place at the moment. You know, it's, it's going to be, there'll be two of them eventually. So he told me about that. We drove to a place that day uh, in Beaverton. Giggity. Yeah. Uh, to an exceptional shop called Retro Game Trader. This is probably the biggest collection of consoles and computers and software I've ever seen. It Massive. Good prices on most things there, but some of the American prices really do exceed ours. Like I said earlier about the N64s. Yeah. And they've got a NES in the US, a later version of the NES. They had a top loader. It's the one yeah. they had with the, the, they call the dog bone controllers. Yeah. They're like $130 for a NES. Oh, I did ask, because I saw it in one shop, I thought, oh, this is just an overpriced shop. And then later on, I saw it at the same price again, and I said to the guys in, in this place, I said, they're really expensive, it's just the market. It's just they're the more reliable version, and people prefer to have that one. Because the original NES yeah. had that little hinge in it, didn't it, which sort of goes wrong after a while. Yeah. So he said, that's just the price. And, and the N64, she says, that's the market. She said, if you go to another state in America, you can get it for $20. Like in the UK, you can get them at car boot sales for like five quid because no one wants them anymore. So it was that. Yeah, I, I nearly bought an Atari 400 computer in that boxed one, which is the one with a really nasty membrane keyboard. Yeah. But it's got such a beautiful industrial design to it. It's like chunky old sort of brownish-looking plastic. Really nice little machine. It was boxed. That was like $100. So I think it's probably a bit of a bargain, actually. But I was thinking, am I going to get that in my, in my suitcase? Hmm. So I left it. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to buy myself something, but I, there was nothing I really fancied. There was tons of stuff I'd never even seen before in there. They had like um, a Casio Loopy. It's a weird right. console. Um, and uh, a Bandai Pippin, which is yeah. a really rare. One. I think Apple made a version of that as well. That's really rare. And some of the, they actually, one thing I've noticed now, I've actually got upstairs in the loft, they had Philips CDIs. You know, they didn't do very well. Mm. And there was, there was three Zelda games released on the CDI. It's more for Zelda collectors than anything. And the one I've got is worth $150. What, the game? Or yeah, the... just the game. I was like, no way, I thought it was junk, that game. Because I gave my CDI away years ago, because I didn't think I had a controller for it or something. I never really played it. I gave it to someone. And for some reason, I kept some discs. And this is the only disc I kept. That was Andy, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's sort of yeah, quite a bit They've not got a good reputation, have they? No, they weren't good at all, I don't think. So yeah, it was that. Um, he also showed me Kevin when we got back to his house. We showed him his basement. Why aren't there many basements in the UK? I'd love a basement. Yeah, it'd be good. Wouldn't They're it? so cool. It's like the site. He had loads of bits to the basement. It wasn't completely done. He had certain rooms done under the floor, but a lot of it was just his storage area, which wasn't done. It's just like under the house kind of thing. But the bits he did show me, he's got all his his, his arcade games. He's got a few arcade games. Um, he had. A Missile Command Cabaret with the multi-game, um, which is the, the normal and the Super Missile Command multi-game. Yeah. That was... I actually quite like Missile Command. I'm not very good at it, but I like it, and I do like it on a cabaret as well. It's a lovely little machine. Same shape as my Asteroids. All right. Uh, he had a Tron home-use-only cab. This Tron had never been in an arcade. It's only ever had two owners, and Kevin's one of them. That was a really... I had a quick go. I don't like the game. But I appreciate the look of it. It looks lovely. Mm. It was work, working fully as well, which is unusual. He had a pole position upright with pole position two in, also working. Nice. Couldn't believe, that. Couldn't believe it. He also had a main cocktail cab that I think someone, it was like a home-built thing, but it was a professional one. And he won it in a competition. Yeah. The lucky nice. get. 
Uh, and also in the garage downstairs, uh, there was some of his, his not working machines. They had a poorly centipede cocktail cabinet. And he, I think he said up and down weren't working very well. I think it's just a, a mechanical thing with the rollers. Because the game, the game was working, so just up and down is really slow compared to left and right. So if, if I'd had time, I'd have to look at it for him. I think it's just the, the rollers need replacing. But he also had, this is the pièce de résistance of his collection. He had a battle zone, an upright battle zone. And you know when you say upright battle zone, you think of the one where you look through the little periscope. Yeah. You put your eyes on it. You play. This is one with the full face ones. Hasn't got that on it. It's the same cabinet as a Red Baron. Right. It's a full face. It's got a 19-inch screen in it. And you don't look through the thing. It's just a full face. You just play it normally. And Tony Temple did a little bit on his arcade blogger site a little while back about there was a weird hole in the side of Battlezone machines. And he was talking about that and what the hole was for and stuff. And then he also mentioned the full face Battlezones. And there's there's none in the UK as far as I know. I've never seen one in the UK. Yeah. And I sort of looked around the front of it. I said to Kevin, do you know what this is? He said, yeah, Battlezone. I said, no, this is a full face Battlezone. He went, what? He didn't realise. He's not really an arcade guy. He's an Atari guy, but he's not really an arcade guy. Yeah. He, he said, oh, yeah. And I said, it's really, really rare. I've never seen one before. He went, oh, right, cool. It wasn't working at the time. I think he said there was a board fault or maybe the monitor wasn't working. But he has got a guy who fixes machines for him. He knows a sort of a, a regular guy who comes around to your house and fixes stuff. So hopefully he's going to get it fixed and enjoy it. But really nice game. Never seen one before. Rare as rocking horse poo, as far as I'm concerned. Just ridiculous. But wow. now I've said now I've said how rare that game is, you probably know what's coming later on. No. Well, you'll find out, son. So You bought that. it. No, I didn't buy that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we had a ball hanging out with Kevin and his wife. We met for breakfast, went on a wine tour later on. He sorted out a meat with Clay Gout Cowgill for me at the ground control. So we'll be talking about that a bit later on as well. So next thing, a couple of days later, or whatever it was, we needed to do some laundry, Sean. Yes. And where would you do your laundry in America, Sean? I would do it at Spin Laundromat Portland. Do you know what we did? Yes. We did our laundry at Spin Laundromat. Wife just randomly looked up the internet, right, where we were staying. The closest, on Yelp or whatever, the closest laundromat. We had to wash our stuff because we didn't take many clothes. We'd already washed some in California, California. Uh, uh, wherever it was, and we want to do a bit of washing, right? No problem. We thought, oh, boring. We'll get on our internet or whatever. Just washing takes an hour or so. So oh, this place called Spin Laundry. Oh, it's a fancy one. It's got its own cafe, which yeah. which isn't unusual in America. We've been to a laundromat before with just like, you know, muffins and coffee and tea and drinks and stuff, whatever, because they usually got a person working there. Oh, brilliant. We can just sit down and, you know, do what we want. No problem. So, you know, we sort of went in there and that. So we left a lot of the room in the luggage for pickups and stuff. So just went to this place, right? So went in there, and as soon as I went in there, you know what the arcade eyes are like, and your arcade, your arcade spidey senses come on. Mm. Walked in the door, looked upwards, mezzanine floor. As soon as I stepped in the place, a floor of beautiful arcade games. In a laundromat. <sighs> in a laundromat. It's a huge place. With these, you know, the really big industrial laundry machines, washing machines, and dryers and stuff. So I sort of said to her, right, I'm off. She goes, go on then. It's like a kid, you know, go on, get me under my feet, off you go. So I went up there. Um, I took a video of this. I didn't really do a walk around. I just did a video of it. Um, so I put that on the website as well. I enjoyed Frogger. Again, another Frogger. Um, a DK, which is on an SD MAME converted 
cabinet. There's a scramble cocktail cabinet been converted to run this, I think it's MAME SD or Arcade SD board, which is yeah. a really good emulation version. So I played Donkey Kong there for a while. All sorts of stuff. Three-player Rampage. Probably I played Rampage on there for a little bit. They may have had a street fight. There was an NFL game and a football game together. Pinballs. There's an Indiana Jones Shrek and another pinball was there. There was about 10 machines in this sort of mezzanine. And all the machines, oddly enough, were supplied by ground control. Yeah. Would you, Adam, and believe it? No. Yes. So it's that. Next one is Quarter World in Portland, Oregon. This was the other well-known arcade there, because everyone said to me, you know, if you've been to Grand Control, yeah, if you've been to Quarter World. Went, no, not heard of it. And it wasn't that far from where we were staying. So this is uh, an arcade stroke bar, bar arcade. You go in the front of it. It's sort of like a, a strip of shops down a road. Loads of really nice, really nice sign outside, like an old-fashioned cinema sign with mm. loads of neons around. It's lovely. It's on the website. Really nice. So I went in there. Uh, the, the guy at the front, he sort of ruined it a little bit. The guy... I don't think he was the owner, but he was working behind the little counter. It looked like an old cinema. I think it might have been, you know. Because it's like an old counter, you know, with a glass front on it, a little sort of area you put your money in and stuff. And as a point of practice in America generally, they always look at your IDs. If there's alcohol on there, they really have to cover themselves and look at your ID, however old you are. So give them the IDs and everything. And he was having difficulty with our IDs because it was like we gave him UK driving licences. And obviously they're not used to what they look like. And he's looking, well, where is it? And I said, my wife was getting a bit, and she's number three, which is your age, your birthday. And he looked, oh, yeah. Oh, I can't see it on these. It was like, yeah. So, and then he's getting a bit sort of, he was very surly, which wasn't very welcoming to somewhere where you're paying money to get into. So we sort of paid him the $3 or whatever. There was a charge on the door for something that was going on in there anyway. And it was just $3, nothing. And everything in there was pay to play um, but it's 50 cents a game which is double but still not a lot of money to play awesome arcade games no problems there and then he sort of said to wife, oh can I have a look in the bag she had a tiny little bag which she'd only just get her phone and a wallet in and mm. he looked in with a, with a sort of light and that and I was thinking what do you think we've got in there anthrax <laughs> dynamite what it's just what so I don't know but you know they've got to do what they've got to do but do I really look younger than 21? No. You do, Vic. Thank yes, you, sir. you do. You do. Check, check is in the post. <laughs> but the reason, I think the reason why it's pound the door, there was this really bloody annoying inverted comment band playing in there. Mm. It was basically someone playing Tesla coils. Yeah. And these are like, as far as what I remember with the Tesla coils, it's a really, really, really high-powered voltage thing. And he's making... Like, parpy noises come out of it. Really bleeding loud. Yeah. I actually, I was playing Dig Dug, right? Which is at the front of it. And they got the main hall at the back. And I was at the front. And I heard him say over the microphone, can everyone put in their earplugs now? Which is never a good sign when you haven't got any earplugs on you. So I was thinking, what's this going on? And these things are so bloody loud. It's like, Jesus. And he was playing the... the the theme tune to Zelda, which was clever. He was playing these parpy noises in tune to a Zelda theme tune. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so stupidly loud. I couldn't concentrate what I was doing. I was like, oh, for God's sake. And luckily, it only went on for 15 minutes. I think the, the things either wear themselves out or you can't play them for long, or basically everyone was dying of noise fever. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was so bad. I, I mean, I would have gone a bit later if I know. It's like 9 o'clock at night. 
and it said something about Tesla coil ban. I was like, what's that? I realised how, ugh, it was not good. I'm not good with loud noises anyway. I was very not good with that. Pah. Yeah. Any road. Didn't last for long. Fine. I think the Earth's core was like fracturing or something. That's why they had to stop. I don't know. Oh, my word. So I managed to get like 250,000 points on Digda. I was getting better at it again. I think it was 280,000. I can't remember. Despite having to text Kevin while I was playing it. And you don't get a lot of time between levels to text someone to tell him you were there. So the games in there were really nice. All fully working. Everything I played was fully working. Great shape. As I said, double the price. Still not a problem. Nothing. The main hall was chock full of classics. And some slightly newer games as well. And a shed load of pinballs. Loads of pinballs. Usually slightly higher again. 75 to a dollar. And Kevin proceeded to beat me on every single game we played. <laughs> he's not an arcade guy, but he's a good player. He beat me on Tapper. He just about beat me on the, you know the huge Pac-Man Gallagher with the LED. Yeah. We're playing doubles on that, and it's such a lot of fun. I mean, that was a dollar each, so it's two dollars a game. Um, but we got to like level ten. I think you keep going if you don't die, and we we did quite well on it. And you sort of every time you you get a ghost or a power pill or more more pills. You get certain scores, then it tops up your score every level, and then whoever wins gets the level. And he beat me by one round. Oh. The booger. And then we played Revenge from Mars again. This is the one that didn't have a very good screen on it. And yeah. I, I, I did really well on it. I got 17 million. I had a really good run. I got the multi-ball. And he was like, I'm about a million. Hi, you're not going to beat me now. And he beat me by a million points. Ooh. Ooh, swine. And then he proceeded to beat me on Tapper as well. He's obviously played it before. And it was the one with the actual... The bar pullers. Proper levers. And, yeah. as far as I'm... Yeah, in Vector Volcano, they have one of those as well. You know, the one with the really nice... Because Brett was saying, I got I, I sold on those like years ago for $200. It was nothing. And now they're worth like 3000 or whatever. And he had one as well. Really nice looking one. With the actual brass bar and the bits where you put your drinks and with the levers and everything. Yeah. So it's quite... You know, in America, they've obviously got more of these things. They're still quite sought after, but there's more of them to go around. So that was pretty good. Even though he beat me on everything. We drank a bit of beer as well and sat around talking for quite a bit. But I managed to sneak off when, when them three, wife, Kevin's wife, himself, were all talking. I sneaked off. I saw this game I've never seen before. And it's a game called by, Will, uh, by Midway, or Bally, called um, Strike Command. And I think this is when Bally Midway took over Williams. I think they owned Williams. And this mm. is a kind of follow-up to Defender or Stargate. With better graphics, yeah. it's really... And you can pick up different weapons. It's like three buttons. Fire, shoot your weapon, and change weapon. And you've got to collect the little guys coming out of the ship, and there's loads of things. And it's like a left-right scrolly thing, just like Defender. But it's a really good little game. Like a modern a modern 90s version of Defender, if you know what I mean. Is it not Strike Force? Is that what I said? Yeah, sorry, Strike Force. Yeah, I've got the name wrong. Hang strike on. Force. They've, got, they've just got one at Arcade Club. I'm oh, trying to think cool. what it's called. I think it is might it, be Strike Force, yeah. It, yeah, Alpha One was saying it is a definitely an official follow-up to Defender because Eugene it, yeah. Jarvis was involved with it. Oh, I can't remember. I think it's Strike it's Force. It's on the pictures anyway. I took a picture of that particular cab, so it's on, on the pictures on the website. Have a look at that. But it's a good game. Enjoyed that. Never seen it before. I, I thought it might have been quite a rare game. It's obviously in Maine, but I've never seen one before. Yes, 1991 Midway. Yeah, that's the one. Nice one. Other games to know in there were Donkey Kong Pauline Edition which is from Ground Control, because that's the one that Clay Cowgill did, which is the pink and purple Donkey Kong, where you, you, you control Pauline rather than 
than Mario. Or yeah. Jumpman, sorry. That's good. Good fun playing that. Another huge Space Invaders LED. All these big arcades tend to have these big games. I think they're quite popular. It's a mm. mad game. Good fun, but I, I didn't really like the Space Invaders that much because it's, it's more like a sort of Missile Command shooty game than Space Invaders, but it's themed on Space Invaders, if you know what I mean. Mm. So people playing that. Dragon's Lair 2, they had in there, with a TV above it. You don't see many of them around. They also had Ninja Baseball Batman. <laughs> that really weird game. That, that looked quite fun. Great name. That's a, is that at Time Warp? I think it's at Time Warp Arcade, that, isn't it? Yeah. They also had a Contra. I've never seen a Contra cab before. It was it was a, a conversion, but it was a dedicated conversion. You had the kit put on it. You know, the side art, control panel, marquee, and bezel, and all that. It looked quite nice. It's quite a popular game, that one. They had a tubin, which I've never played before. That's a mm. weird game. I sucked very, at it as well. Kevin beat very, hands very down. thin. It's like me in it. Very thin. Very You're thin, thin with a big head. Yeah. And a beard. Yes. It's a good little game. Two-player game. We played two players. When you get into it, you've got to sort of flap your arms and legs about with the four buttons. There's like two hand buttons, two leg buttons, and, mm. and a throw. So it's if you imagine like Crazy Climber, where you use your limbs together, like that, but yeah. you're flapping around on a little on a tube. On a tube. Yeah. A tube. Steer yourself, can't you? Yeah, but it's quite a good game when you get into it. It's quite fun. I was rubbish at it, though. Kevin beat me hands down. Fix It Felix Jr. had one of them at the front as well. Dr. Mario, which wife got bored of and she played for like half an hour. Uh, I did a very quick video of this as well, just to have a look at the games. Have a look at that. Check that out. Right, this is the second part of the ground control bit. So Kevin knows Clay Cowgill personally, and he's been there loads of times. He's had parties at, at, at um, ground control, all sorts of stuff going on. So he actually got in contact with Clay, and Clay luckily had a few hours. He was delivering some parts that night. And he got me an interview with him. Met with a guy, really, really nice guy. The audio I did with him is not the best. It was my fault. I was only using the mic on my MacBook, so I, didn't, I couldn't take all the loads of gear with me. And Clay was sitting a little bit further away, but I've, I've managed to level it out quite nicely, and it's really listenable. Um, there's quite a lot of chat at the start of it where he's talking about how the place is being constructed with the older one around the corner and the new one. Basically, they're going to have a tunnel in between, so there's going to be two places... With yeah. different vibes, and he put my mind at rest about ground control. Put it that way, it's going to be mm. it's going to be the old place is going to be up and running again, just as good as it was before, maybe better. And you've got the new bigger place as well, so it's nice two arcades for the price of one. So yeah, it's really really good. Right, I'm here at ground control, the old ground control with Clay Gallagher. Hi Clay, how you doing? Howdy, gentlemen. How's it going? Good, thanks. Um, well. To tell a story, I've already told you already, but I'll tell the listeners again as well. I first came to Ground Control a few years ago, and we, tr we tried to meet up there, and we couldn't manage it. You were in Seattle getting games, oddly <laughs> enough. And, um, we are apt to do. Yep. And we sort of missed each other, because I was going to Seattle at the time and all that sort of stuff. And I was here uh, a couple of days ago as well, and I met Kevin Savitz again. And um, I went to the new place, which is around the corner. Everyone's been saying about the big ground control chain. You're going to knock it through and everything. And I thought it was just a new place. It's a lot larger in there. 20-somethings, uh, barcade, classic games, new games, loads of pinballs. And I went in there, and it's all fancy lighted, and you know, people enjoying themselves. It's full to capacity. And I was like, where have all the classic games gone? What have they done to my ground control? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um I sort of said, I, I went outside later on, and I was meeting up with Kevin later on, and I said, they've ruined gun control. What have they done? He said, no, you're wrong. Don't worry. And he explained everything to me. And um, everyone I've met 
other arcade operators, people at games places, and yourself, obviously. So don't worry, we're doing the old place. We're going to have both. Yeah, yeah. Best of both worlds. <laughs> so we're sat in the old place now. And I'm sitting roughly where I sat years ago. And I can see just machines covered in dust. Um, you showed me some of the construction going on. Can you tell me sort of what is going to be going on and if you know when it's going to be done by? The question that I was always asking, we've, yeah, we're so reluctant to even guess anymore just because, I mean, this literally, and, and not an exaggeration, is going on three years now. Wow. And it must be just after I came, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we, we had sort of started yeah, the, the original, quote-unquote, big, uh, I guess, remodel that we did. Mm -hmm. um, that's, I think, about six years now. So about halfway into that process, we started thinking, okay, yeah, we need to start doing something. And we had originally uh, been talking with the landlord who happens to own both of the buildings. So oh, the, cool. the yeah. expansion that we were just in is actually a separate building. Mm -hmm. um, there is a gap between them, and this is you know the old space and the new space. Uh, but he was willing to work with us and essentially combine those two buildings together. Absolutely, um, yeah. And we went through the whole process, architects and interior designers, and jumped through every single possible hoop. Uh, Portland's very, very big on bureaucracy, and really? <laughs> lots of lots of little bureaus that have to add their two cents. And we, we literally walked into the final meeting uh, with the city that we thought was just going to be a rubber stamp. Um, yeah. just, just, okay, yep, you're done. And just completely got blindsided. They said, oh, well, yeah, okay, uh, we're going to need, I think it was $15,000 U.S. to do a full seismic reevaluation and uh, study, basically, on the space that we were wanting to occupy. A seismic. Yeah. So You're talking that, volcanoes. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is the Pacific Northwest. There are yeah, the yeah, yeah, active volcano and, uh, and earthquakes and stuff. Um, and effectively, uh, what the risk was there is that for the landlord, uh, that meant, oh, they can completely review you know, 75 years worth of exemptions that this building may have had. Oh. And he's thinking, oh, he's going to have to do seismic upgrades and probably have to have the whole thing sprinklered and all oh, sorts yeah, of yeah. You know, elevators, who knows. Um, so he panicked, we panicked, and everybody said, oh, yeah, okay, uh, bad mm. idea, bad idea, let's not do it. Um, so about a year goes by, and again, the space was just empty. Uh, he couldn't do anything with it. Oh, we had sort of written it off as being a non-starter. A non and yeah, I guess say, like I said, after about 12, maybe 14 months, we kind of get a call back from the landlord. He says, okay, if I was willing to have all this stuff done, uh, would you guys still be interested in the space? Okay. And we said, yeah. I mean, we haven't, we haven't really come up with anything better. You know, we're at a point where essentially it was, do you do another location or do you just kind of rest on your laurels and mm. you know, try to make do with what you have? Or uh, what our preference was, was, okay, we know that our model works here in this area. Let's just be bigger at the same, yeah. same spot. Um, so what it came down to be was, all right, yep, he had to do a you know, massive new sprinkler system. We had to do a bunch of structural improvements there was turned out to be an old elevator shaft and an old steam boiler underneath the thing that everybody forgotten for hours. Let's some of the goonies. Yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, very, very uh, steampunk stuff uh, underneath these old, old Portland buildings. Wow. Um, and essentially just kind of plotting through this thing and lots of back and forth. There's all sorts of 
rules and regulations about occupancy and how many people can be in a certain space depending on what that space is used for. And mm. we, you know, it's a, it's a rule book essentially that yeah. um, some of the bureaucrats like to just point at the line and say, oh, nope, this is the rule, and without really considering it. So one of the things, uh, we sort of blow the city's mind a little bit because uh, you're either a restaurant mm-hmm. or you're a gaming floor. And a gaming floor to them meaning uh, uh, poker machines and, yeah. and gambling, uh-huh. and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so the number of people you can have in a given area for those two different types of activities are different. Yeah. Uh, you can have more people in a restaurant per square foot than you can in the gambling floor. So we were essentially being told that, oh, nope, your numbers have to be treated like you're a casino. And yeah. what it was turning out to be was, oh, we'd have this giant space that we could only have a very small number of people in. Mm. Uh, so what it ended up being was, oh, well, yeah, half of this massive uh, area we'd have to just have as storage or yeah. offices or something like that. So a lot, a lot, a lot of back and forth. and reconfiguring things so a lot of what we ended up with as far as how big the bar is and the table and the seating area that is area that counts as being you know restaurant space essentially ah, there's no see. you'll notice there's no games in that particular area because that's not what we ah, are allowed what kind of thing. okay yeah. so we, we we again got the same interior design uh folks that, that did the remodel uh designs for us at ground control they sort of did space planning and all these long processes and we just sort of threw money at the problem for 18 months, give or take, and finally, 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 uh, did enough stuff that made all the right people happy. You have to appease the fire marshals and everyone. If you know, there's yeah. that that kind of front room with a big wall in there, and we've got the little weird windows. Everything in there was done for a reason. That right. wall is a is a 10 hour firewall. The uh-huh. glass is half inch thick. Tempered glass is a sprinkler in front of every single piece of glass for oh, wow. fire suppression. You can only have thirty percent of the wall be glass area, which you know, so <laughs> just every little thing. But yeah. you, you only found these things out with every successive, you know, oh, a month later. Oh yeah, no, you can't do this. You know, uh. so it was just an agonizingly long process. But uh, we got that side done. That was you know massive undertaking, but it's up. It's running. Yeah, I like it. It's all completely different theme than the ground control was. Um, <clears throat> so now we've been picking away at the other half, you know, which yeah. is essentially the old ground yeah. control. And that was, we, we opened up on the new side in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now the end of September. We're, as you can see, still under construction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's not for a lot of, lot of change. I mean, it will look relatively minor differences to people that just come in, but you've actually have connected two entirely separate buildings made out of, you know, 75-year-old brick with no rebar reinforcements. So there's structural engineering and tunneling and all sorts of digging and, you know, you saw the floor cuts in there where they're laying pipe and having to figure out how to do all the HVAC without dropping giant new, you know, tubes and everything in here to sort of ruin some of the aesthetics. So a lot of it is just jumping through hoops, but we're, we're giving it a refresh. You know, the lighting is going to be new, but again, sort of in the same vein, yeah. uh, we're, we've learned over time, you know, what things take a particular large amount of wear and tear. So a lot of that stuff that just got worn out or broken, that's getting made out of metal and wood. Yeah. And, uh, you know, bars refinished and, mm. you know, new walk-in cooler, new HVAC system, you know, all these things just cost yeah. tons of money. So 
in that regard, you know, it's kind of good having it stretch out into such a long project because yeah. oh, you can keep making money and pay off some of this stuff. Yeah, that's, that's the great off, thing. Right? Yeah, if you'd stop for that long, you know, who pays the right. bills? Right, Because right. exactly. this building we're in here, I remember it sort of as it was, mm -hmm. and it is quite funky. Yes, and yeah, it is unique, yes. We're looking at some sort of geometric 3D shapes with lights in, the your top lights, and it had cool light in, there's a mezzanine floor with all the pinballs in. I mean, it was really cool before. And as you say, you don't really have to do much structurally to this, but it's getting a refresh and different games yeah. are coming in, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, and the, the key to this space was working with what you had. So yeah. you know, we've got these kind of archways that, yeah, okay, actually that was that was sort of cool. That sort of looked like... They're really tall as well. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good size ceiling. I don't even yeah. know if I guess it's probably 16 or 18 feet, I would guess. Yeah, it's a really uh, tall ceiling, yeah. And, uh, you know, so the, the archways, okay, that kind of looked like Flynn's Arcade and mm, Tron, you know, absolutely. so it's a lot of our blue and white sort of lighting in here sort of started to, to come out of that. There's a, a curved wooden staircase, lots of, you know, these sort of rich old wood colorations, almost sort of cherry tones, yeah. you know. Wood paneling so, is good. Yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, dark and, and interesting. Like, so the thing was, yeah, it, it didn't make sense to fight the space. It was sort of mm. embrace what it has. It has a cool look to it. We can do neat stuff with it. And it would also be phenomenally expensive to rip it out and do it over. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot to be said for, for some of the character that it has. But this will be, you know, like I said, sort of the a little more mellow side, even just down to the, the coloration and stuff. We've got those blues and sort of whites and, and grays, and here on the news side, it's the reds and oranges and yeah. a little bit livelier. So it's almost sort of a, a you know upside down of the other side, right? Yeah, it's but it's getting the, the best. The of, I think it now. Um, I was I was sort of being a bit miserable and going, "Change all the games." But I mean, that is great. I mean, everyone was having a cool time yep. there. Yeah. People were on the ten-player killer mm. queen machine having a ball. People are still playing the old games, yep. and there's Pac-Mans yep. and Donkey Kongs and all that stuff, stuff. and there's brand new pinballs in there, and it was full to capacity at the time. When I went out to get, a, I was waiting for Kevin, the guy with the ticker at the front couldn't let people in. Yeah, he had to say, "Are you going home?" Yes, yes I'm going home. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, let yeah. someone else in, as which has got to be a good sign. As they say, a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah and that, that was a big, a big push for us was. Friday and Saturday nights, uh, big nights for any bar or, mm. or, or restaurant, certainly. But we would we would have a line, um, and we still do. You know, and that's that's kind of good because it is sort of a, an indication of popularity. I mean, so it's sort yeah. of advertising out front. It's like, oh, there's a line. It must be something really I've cool. been in Portland a week now, and we've eaten here at all the best places. Yes, yeah. There's always a line. Yes. There's yeah. always a – it's just – how long do I have to wait in a line? 20 minutes? Yeah, no problem. I'll go and get a drink. Exactly. But some of them are two, two hours. hours. Yeah, yeah. They really are like... Draw, some, draw some a line the... there, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so the, the opportunity for us is it's essentially, because it was our, our primary location for so long, it is a standalone environment. I mean, it has everything it needs to be run completely separately. So it, it gives us some opportunity for... Uh, for example, we can have a, a private party on one half yeah. and not have to turn people away because we've closed it down. For so a good, yeah. yeah. Which which isn't great, you know, especially people out of town and oh, this is their one chance to come in and yeah, oh, absolutely. it's closed because there's conference in town. And they want to. That's, what, that's the thing I got when I saw the other places. Oh, where's all the classic game gone? Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so on on this side, like I said, we have a <clears throat> uh, we can have a second entrance. We can run different things. The uh, way the liquor stuff works in, in Oregon, it's run by the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, and they have their own set of rules. And where uh, the plan that we submitted for actually how we control access to alcohol and, and 
keep miners out and everything, they actually use that as their example plan now that they provide oh, for people yeah. to do it right. So we're on we're on really good terms with them, but they are very, very strict. And one of the things that yeah. they worry about is video games attract young people. Mm-hmm. And young people would like to drink if given the opportunity. And, yeah. oh, you put those two together and you're going to have issues with underage servers. So yeah. that's why we have the person at the door that is checking you out. You have nothing to worry about. Yeah. The guy did my ID. I'm 40. Yeah. <laughs> I do not look 21. I was quite happy <laughs> yeah, to get yeah, my yeah. ID. We, we do have a, a pretty strict policy because one of the, the things with uh, that bureau in particular, they love to test. You know, they, they'll send out people that Oh, they're 19, but they look older and see yeah. if they can catch people. Uh, yeah, every know. single person was getting ID. Yeah, yeah. We, we are fairly ruthless. And, and you know, honestly, we get, a lot of, yeah. we get a lot of nasty Yelp reviews and comments like, oh, you know, door guy, blah, blah, blah. But well, yeah, for it us, takes it's two it, seconds. Yeah, and, and yeah. for us, it's the difference between, you know, getting one strike and getting two strikes and getting your liquor license pulled. And Ooh. then you've got a real problem. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, so we're, we're super careful about it. But um, what we're hoping moving forward is that we're going to be able to actually have minors at all hours. Yeah, I've seen that in a lot of places in, yeah, in, in yeah. Portland, Oregon. It and says minors are allowed into a site at about 5 o'clock in the evening right. and then it's adults. So it's, it's great. Yeah, and, and a lot of the places too, the uh, restaurants and and even other sort of arcadish kind of places, they're allowed to have alcohol on site, 21 and over, mm-hmm. as well as minors at the same time. Oh, and we've, okay. we've not really been able to do that. They they see us primarily as a bar. Yeah. Um, so we kind of have to dispel that, oh, it's, it's actually family-friendly and, and yeah. games and everything, um, and kind of get over it. But the easiest way for us to do that is to say, oh, we can control ingress and egress at one point. You know, so the, the hallway that connects these two spaces, yeah. we can have another person there with ID. Oh, and say, All right, yep, sorry if you're not over 21, you're restricted to this yeah. half for now, but yeah. at least it's better than no, you can't come in because it's 21 yeah. and over only. So there's there's a lot of practical business stuff that goes into it. And then, you know, we're longtime video game nerds and fans and mm-hmm. influenced by all the films and everything else. So there's a big yeah. attraction to making something that's just cool looking inside <laughs> an environment that we like and remember from back in the day. Because this side, uh, the old side, um, there's only a small bar here. Yes. And this would be the sort of ideal sort of family side. When I was in here before, a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, I could hardly hear myself think because yes. there was some ladies next to me playing centipedes so loudly. <laughs> they were really enjoying themselves. Some people get into their games. She, sure. They really were. Um, and the other place is more sort of a party area for the older people, mm-hmm. which is, it's got a huge bar over there. Yeah. And I'm sure you've got some of the really good Portland beers. I mean, yeah. there's yeah, yeah. hundreds of... Microbreweries here. Absolutely. I'm sure a ground control beer has got to be on the cards. We definitely, yeah, we tried to really step that up. I, in the, the space we're in now, we had six beers on tap, which mm-hmm. by Portland standard is, you know, you're one step above a convenience store or something. Yeah. It's, it's pitiful compared to yeah. you walk into some of these places. Oh, it's 100 taps long. Yeah, so, we have a ton um, of them, yeah. The new side, we, we doubled that up. So we've got 12, 12 beers on tap, usually a, kind of a fixed roster and then some seasonal stuff that mm-hmm. comes through and we'll take one or two one or two taps. And then we'll have another six on this side. So potentially cool. eighteen plus everything bottled in ciders and, and all sorts of stuff. So Oops. yeah, it gives people, you know, an opportunity. And then like I said as well, having two different bars, uh, hopefully not no you know, if there's a line at one go to the other one, you don't have to that's cut one, down yeah, some of the waiting. That's one more thing. If you've got one entrance and yeah. you've got another entrance around the corner, it's another catch to get people yeah. in, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. I think everyone everyone who knows <laughs> the kind of things we do mm-hmm. Knows ground controls here. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's we're five blocks in power. Circles, the big certain circles yeah, we're pretty well known. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But with a huge one out the front as well on yeah. that main road, yeah. it's going to be great. It's interesting. One of the things uh, 
we we switched over our, our point of sale systems and are using Square. I don't I don't know if that's something that's over on the UK or not, but um, one of the statistics they basically provide in reporting is whether or not a card that has been run has been used here before. So it's okay. essentially a pretty good indication of which people are returning, which yeah. people are first time or new new visitors and stuff. Okay. And you know, to our surprise. Um, Majority, I mean, by a good good portion, maybe seventy, eighty percent, uh, were either first time or first time in a long time, such that we oh, haven't wow. had had record of them. So yeah. I think yeah, we're we're well enough known. We're sort of in that that triangle, like you mentioned, of Powell's books and yeah. Voodoo Donut and Ground yeah. Control. We're sort All of just excellent things you've got to go and do. When <laughs> yeah, kind of Portland. it is it is sort of the and Portland Chinese Gardens or you know everything yeah. is pretty close. So we're sort of the walking tourist path. It's a good and, area. And we, we notice the numbers in particular in the summer and the spring when you got spring break in the U.S. and then summer tourist season. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of a lot of first time or one time visitors are here in town and they looking for something to do in the evening and there's just so much development going on. A lot of the the construction and cranes that are within the next you know three block radius. There is a ton compared yeah. to when I was there a couple yeah. of years ago. There's a ton of construction yeah. going on. And that's arguably that's one of the things that has been slowing us down is just getting construction people. No. Everybody is yeah. working and everybody's got a full schedule. So if one guy slips, oh you lost the slot with the next no. people and yeah, you know yeah. the plumbers can't come in because you know da, 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 but um yeah, there's there's going to be a ton of new hotels around and stuff, and that's another awesome. big source of yeah, yeah. Yep, kind of you know business people and one-time visitors and everything. So yeah, it, it's good for us. I think it, it gives us kind of a constant stream of people. And we do we do have a good clientele of regulars that come in. Mm. I mean, there's people I've seen ten years or more, you know, wow. that come in and play the same games, and that's sort of their their routine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, certainly just as the city's grown, we need to kind of grow to keep up with yeah. and yeah, keep cool. things on the level. So talking about the games, mm-hmm. have you any idea how many games you've got in there? How many are going to be in here? It's going to be difficult. Yeah, I know you, yeah, you were yeah. talking earlier and you yeah. had like 112 in your overflow storage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're saying yeah, the, uh, the US scale of game hoarding is significantly different. Than it the, certainly the, is, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, so we're, you know, right now um, our operational game count over there is a little bit lower than what we had over here. I think we're more area. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, we opened it up. It gives people a little bit more elbow room, a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, less less crowded in there. But I think we're probably, eh, I want to say between sixty-eight and seventy-five, something around there. Yeah, sort of pinballs and videos. Yeah, combined, yeah. combined game total. Um, on this side, we'll probably have about the same, so like a seventy-five okay. again. So essentially, it, it doubles the the number of games and variety that we have available nice. at the time, which is nice because uh, the way things work, you know, we. There's four of us that, that own and run ground control as, as owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all kind of engineering backgrounds, so we've got very, very, very data-driven decisions as far as things go. So <laughs> yeah. uh, we have our own networking and everything that tells us when coins come in. We have a there's a SQL database that has a st- time stamp of every single quarter that has been dropped in ground control. So wow. we literally know where every single thing goes. So oh, that's really cool. When we have to make decisions, uh, it usually comes down to you know, what a game brings in income-wise, yeah. and then we sort of normalize for how much space it takes up. Because you can have a, a game that uh, does huge numbers, oh, but if it's like Killer Queen, it yeah. takes up the space of seven or eight stand-up yeah, games. So you, you kind of have to have this, this little formula where you divide things out. But yeah. um, the just kind of by the nature of the beast, you know, a lot of the classic games, one player, maybe two players simultaneous, but probably yeah. alternating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
compared to the newer stuff where it's oh it's four players or it's yeah. you know more anymore. Um, so the the classics tend to get pushed down on the earnings pile to a certain yeah. degree. They're sort of you know you've seen the a lot of the stuff we have in the front room. It's it's the you know top ten collected yeah. kind of stuff. It's Donkey Kong's, Miss Pac-Man's, exactly. Yeah. Occasional yeah. centipede and you know. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, Tempest, a couple of vector games. Um, yeah. And those are, you know, people recognize those, they know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were born, you know, 15 years after that came and went from the arcades, yeah. they still know it from all the collections and it'll get played. Yeah. Um, the stuff that, you know, would be high on collector lists, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times is not known by name or yeah. brand anymore. So a little bit harder to get people that are younger than 40 to play it. And when you're used to, you know, games where you can get hit ten times and you've got a health bar. Yeah. You know, if you walk up to Stargate or Defender and no <laughs> lose, yeah, exactly three, three. This game sucks. I can't play it. Three lives in forty seconds. Yeah, yeah, it turns them off. So a lot of the stuff that you know it'd be cool to have out just because. Oh yeah, you want a Defender out. Yeah, you want yeah. a Sinistar. You want know, all these yeah. these things that we remember fondly as collectors. They just get crushed as far as earning money. <laughs> so in, in here, I think people would know this is the classic section. Yeah, yeah. and know. and you know, we even. We give a nod to that, just in that we will put stuff out purely for a few more lives in it, maybe, you know, Yeah, yeah, stuff. and you can yeah, you can play with some some settings and stuff. But you know, half the time uh, we we have we have again these you know stuff that we haven't brought out necessarily in a while. But we've got one of the the four player the cocktail quadrupongs, you know, which is oh, all cool. super seventies brushed aluminum, you know, yeah, this gorgeous smoke plastic on the top. Uh, we have a Starship One, you know, which is this giant vacuum formed black wow. and white raster thing from uh, back in the day. <clears throat> and, you know, Space Invaders, some of these older things, yeah. they're almost, you know, just an art installation anymore that sometimes yeah. people will come up and put yeah. a corner in. But uh, it, it looks cool and it, and it gives you some some credibility on, yeah, this is a proper arcade and yeah. not just... I haven't oh, seen one of those for 20 years. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll hear people say, oh, they have this. Um, Dragon's Lair, a good example. Oh, they have Dragon's Lair. A working which, one as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Which they will You've play. got one out of two. <laughs> yeah, they will play... Once, but you know, at least they play it. Yeah. Um, and the, I guess the other thing for us is just, it's something that we can kind of rotate through. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have sort of a we had a, a long-running thing we called Raiders of the Lost Arcade, uh, which was Good sort night. of a, a monthly. Oh, here's some game that you know you would have seen and you would have played if it was 1984, or 1989, or 91, yeah. whenever it was. But it doesn't really do well enough for us to leave it out all year long. But we'll cycle it in and rotate it through. Idea, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's, it's a little corner yeah. of them. Exactly. Yeah, it's Phoenix and it's Mr. Do and it's I've you got know. Phoenix. It's such a good game. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, so they're the ones and, and people there you put out a new game and there's a spike, you know. People mm. people will try it out and, and some will take a like and do it and want to get better and, and replay it. But it'll taper off after a while yeah. and you end up okay, you just kinda keep doing one. those. So yeah, for, for us, um, <clears throat> we have <laughs> we're sort of the you know, the canonical game pack rats. They're squirreled away under basements all over downtown Portland yeah. and up in, in Vancouver on the Washington side of the river and stuff. So we probably have, and I, I told you earlier, I was trying to estimate it, we probably have 300 machines in storage. I'm just wow. off the top of my head. I'm, I was kind of a guess, but I would Goodness. not be surprised. Um, not everything is you know 100% operable and ready to roll out, but a goodly portion of them is. So we, we won't have problem coming yeah. up with all the machines to fill this space for sure. Do you do the, cause I'm sure you're a repair guy from back in the day, yeah, or a tinkerer. Yeah. Cause didn't you do the, the Pauline version of Donkey Kong? Yeah, that yeah I did. That was me. Because <laughs> I played that a few years ago. I was like, wow, because I knew someone did it on NES. 
yeah, you did yeah, that yeah. version. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike I, I just, I just yeah. bought, and it came the other day to Portland, mm -hmm. the Donkey Kong remix. Game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that looks fun. My friend's got the junior one. But yeah, so you, you and your other friends who run the place and own the place, do your own repairs? You have time to do them? Yeah, when we first started off, um, we did a lot of it. Um, and we were running very, very lean and, and very, very, very not making any money for, right. for a good long time. Um, but as things got, it, it used to be you could come into ground control and on a Sunday uh, we could pull a game out and tinker around on it and, and not be a problem. Uh, now, Sundays are busy. Yeah, every day is busy. You've got to you, you can't drag it out, exactly. find another one in the room, so, and then tug it back. And it, it, precisely. Yeah. So on on our expansion side now, we walk through a little area that was sort of it's a temporary kitchen and office and everything. But yeah, uh, moving forward, that's actually a dedicated tech area. Oh, cool. So as I said, we have a, a 24 hour rule. Nothing stays broken for more than 24 hours. That is brilliant. Um, if, it, really good. if it stays broken longer than that, it means it needs to come off the floor and be repaired and swapped mm -hmm. with something else. Uh, but what we'll be able to do is just uh, pull it through that little door and oh, yeah, it goes cool. into the tech area and, and it can be worked on it's right pretty away. well thought out then. <clears throat> yeah, we, like, so we've been doing it long enough that you know the things that you wish you would have had here, yeah. add it to the next iteration and then you come up with yeah. some more things yeah. that you know, you'd rather do. So mm -hmm. um, anymore, we've got three guys that, uh, and I say guys and that they're all guys, males, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they are pretty much full-time techs. Um, wow. We lose about a machine a day to some problem. Yeah, uh, that's normal. Yeah, 90% yeah. of the time it's a switch or a coin jam or you know, mm -hmm. something like that. But um, the harder problems, I should say, uh, if it comes down to a board level issue, yeah. um, a lot of times, you know, I've got 30 years of collecting arcade game parts under my belt. So, yeah. that, you know, we have a lot of spare stuff that we just, oh, we'll swap it and deal with it later. Cool. Um, you know, it comes down to, you know, if, if we do the easy stuff, you know, you check your power supplies, you check yeah. your clocks, you check your ROMs, you reset chips, you know, you do all Some the bits kind of, that even I can do right, just exactly. about anything yeah, more. You, you, do, no you do the, the basic stuff, you, you pick off 90% of the problems. That remaining 10%, it'll it'll kind of drop down as, as luck would have it. Um, two of us are sort of video game people and two of us are sort of pinball people. So oh, cool, when yeah. it comes down to, oh, this is a really weird problem that we don't know how to fix, yeah. eventually... They will perkle up to one of us. And it's okay. good that you've got a couple of you doing it. Yeah. I was yeah. talking to um, Brett at Vector Volcano on uh, Bend. Yeah, yeah, sure. And he was oh, saying yeah. you know, he loves it. He's a, he's a collector and an mm -hmm. operator. And you can tell by his arcade, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah and he was saying, oh, I was here the other night till midnight. Yeah. yeah. Fixing this stupid pinball. He found a ground wire. and he's, But you could tell he, he still loves it. Yes, even the yeah. pain in the backside bits. <laughs> right. And you guys must be exactly the same. Yeah, I think so. I mean, any more, the parts that, that I like, I do all the construction of the, the lighting and the bar and all that kind of stuff was was by hand so i, I like doing that because my you know quote unquote day job I, i'm an engineering consultant so i mm -hmm. spend a lot of time on the computer you have another so job as well as this oh yeah, yeah i'm one of those really i don't like having all the eggs in one basket how do you <laughs> got have a lot so of time <laughs> well uh, we don't have kids and, yeah one and, big uh, thing yeah. yeah i don't have a lot of Hobbies that aren't things I wouldn't end up doing. You have a silly podcast to edit and stuff as well. <laughs> right. So oh, wow, is, you must be super busy there. Yeah, yeah. No, Thank I, you for making the time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, no. Like I said, it's it's. I don't mean to be rude, but you know, people. Oh yeah, you were coming down. It's like. Okay, you know, I've got, I got like this hour I can come yeah, yeah, I'm not just making yeah, things up. I probably literally do have this hour that I can come wow. down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so we do. I still have my my arcade game kits and enhancement kind of stuff I do on the side. We mm -hmm. uh, Over the years, we've done a lot of consulting. Uh, one of the other 
owners at Ground Control here, Neil Bradley. Neil was a longtime emulation guy back in the day, pre-MAME, uh, oh, wow. uh, Retrocade, if you remember that. Yes. That early yeah, that's yeah, Neil. He's one of the partners here. Cool. Um, so Neil and I still work together. We do uh, some commercial stuff. We did the, oh, the Arcade Legends 2 and the... Oh, Tato, wow. the Tato multi-game, and the, any or the Neo Geo stuff from a few years back, and the Extreme Arcade, and a whole bunch of these, mm. you know, kind of commercial multi-game stuff. So we, we do that wow, on, cool. on the side, so to speak, or as the main. I don't know which. Um, and <laughs> on one I, of your sides. Yeah, yeah, one of the, one of the multiple sides. Um, and you know, for me, I like I like I've always said I like playing with the games probably more than I like actually playing the games. Yeah, so, it goes that way after a while. Right, right. So you know, I, I do like tearing into the guts of the old stuff and doing little bits and pieces and you know we, we've hidden an awful lot of easter eggs and stuff in our games either in form of little ROM edits or you know little, little <laughs> cool. changes to the instruction cards <laughs> whatever just little things I don't know if anyone ever actually notices them but it, it keeps us entertained so um, we've got this sort of endless supply of cool older games there's sitting next to us here is an environmental disc of Tron under a yeah, tarp wow. and uh, a couple of few pieces you know so there's always something that we're kind of working on bringing up or uh, restoring. A lot of the issue for us, you know, just because we are kind of a high traffic area, we take a lot of wear and tear. I'll bet. So yeah, I'll bet. it's, you know, as a collector, it's really painful sometimes to put out something rare that yeah, you know, it's going to be about hard that. to get parts for and yeah. just have it get beat on. So um, we'll tend to put out something that, you know, and any you hear that sometimes, you have collectors come in, it's like, oh, well, the games were, you know, kind of average looking. Well, yeah, that's because, you know, I've, I've often used the example that, you know, a week in here is probably equal to a year of somebody's yeah, house. Bet. I mean, I just the, the things that can happen, yeah, if we've had a spy hunter, and I, I like telling this story because it still amazes me, spy hunter on the, the steering yoke, uh, metal plates. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty well made, those, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. stout. You know, they're, they're know, probably 16-gauge steel that's spot welded together. There's two of them back-to-back. And then it has a spring, so it does the centering. Yeah. <clears throat> and the springs on our spy hunter wheel, in a short matter of time, I mean, a few months, uh, pulled through the steel. Spring steel is a little harder than mild steel, and just constant back oh, and wow. forth, it just sawed through the metal until it broke free, and then, of course, it's flopping around. So just things that, you know, like you said, you would never worry about at home become yeah. an issue of, oh, that's probably going to break if we don't have something half itself. a million left and right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm an engineer. I understand oh, these yeah, right things. Yeah, 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 exactly. so. yeah, there's a difference between uh, 500 cycles and, and 5 million. But that yeah. is one of my, I, I keep swearing I'm going to do it, and I, maybe I will this year. Just want to make a little microcontroller and stick yeah. it on, like, the fire button of Galaga. Yeah. And just count. And yeah. you know, have a little contest. So who can guess the number of times that Galaga's fire button gets because, pressed? Because micro switches are only guaranteed like a million, oh, exactly. ten million for the better yeah, gauge. It's, it's, it's I wonder how many would actually work until it stopped right. working. Right, precisely. It, it someone said like the button's not working, man. Yeah, very, very much so. so. But yeah, just the yeah the things that happen, and we were you know the, there's a the term over here for knockout, which is a KO, yeah. and we're ground control, so we refer to things as being GKO'd. Ground control <laughs> um, and it's just you know stuff that it, you kind of laugh sometimes. I mean, you, you can't be super super protective of some of the games. Uh, the Tron, I quit counting the number of times that the reproduction blue oh yeah hand size gets snapped off just in half. How do they manage that? Yeah, exactly. It's a metal shaft on the You're right. Yeah, it's, it's steel in, in inside. It's got you know four screws in it that we lock tight close. Yeah. And 
you know, it's just a little, I think it's a little formulation difference in the reproduction plastics. Yeah. And it's a little more supple, maybe, that it can, you know, and we finally just took Battlezone off the floor for the same reason, just snapping the, the yeah. plastic. My, my Battlezone doesn't work, by the way. At home. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they never work. So we, we have enough Battlezones that we've often talked about, like, just writing a modern multiplayer head-to-head battles <laughs> having a little well, combat yeah, version. You, 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 well, if you ever have any time, I'm sure you don't need to sleep. Could be a spare time. <laughs> um, stuff, I mean, you've done them before, I presume. Yeah. It's stuff like a battle zone reproduction. Yeah. Because they yeah, never work. Sure. Right, right. The pole position one's becoming a thing now just about. Mm-hmm. It's just coming through. Yep. Like the Tron is another one that mm-hmm. everything breaks down. And, and stuff like the Astro Blast with the five yep. PCBs in that little cage. And no, FPGA is great now. Mm-hmm. And, yep. I mean, of, most people wouldn't even have it. Wouldn't you know, tell the difference. Yep. I, I literally shipped Adam the first of the pole position FPGA boards oh, cool. Monday. Oh, really? <laughs> yep, so he's got it. Oh, I didn't know you got Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah so yes. I, um, I know so many people that were just on the, <laughs> on the edge with their, with their bank tears. Please, come on. Come on. Yeah, no, he's been working on that for a decade or more. Yeah, yeah so, I remember yeah. seeing it years ago. Yep, yeah. and uh, yeah, so I... I Helped out on the hardware side and did the PCB oh, layout nice and stuff one. for him. So he's got that. He told me he's got the video up and running cool. today. So we're, we're it's moving. <laughs> it's one oh, of those things. Nice. That, it's a phenomenal amount of work. Is the, the amount that he's put in that is really incredible. Bet, so, yeah. But yeah, no, we have we have a lot of a lot of little things that we we do along those lines and stuff that we run. That uh, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm a electrical and. CS guy, so it's nice being able to make circuit boards. Yeah. And make it's really boards nice that people like yourself and others are reproducing these old things that you just can't find. Someone, someone redid a whole Major Havoc PCB. Yeah, yeah. You can buy, which is great, you know, because yeah, those yeah, machines are so rare. And yeah, it's it's really cool. Because I mean, I, I'm I'm fine with. It's a reproduction, not an emulation anymore. FPGA is mm-hmm. reproducing these old chips and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Functional so, equivalent at a gate level. Because before long, it's going to have to be. Because the old stuff is going to fail yeah. in and stuff like that. It's interesting. I mean, I think there, you kind of get those, you know, the collector purists that, you know, right now nah. are wanting to yeah. run the original power supplies and, and yeah. everything. Unless and you do world records, you don't need to do I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, there's a lot of, yeah, the whole high score record thing is entirely oh, thing I don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but do you, that's another thing I was going to talk to you about. Um, Obviously, have people can have personal parties here mm-hmm. and that sorts of hire you out. But do you do stuff along the lines of like have certain days where you'll have like I don't know a Ninja Turtle day or, right or you know, a Star Wars day or something or your high score competition with local people or some of the players or yeah, we we do occasional things like that if we have something interesting. Like a promotion, so, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. we've kind of tend to have a. A Google Calendar that we put any interesting dates on, you know, so anniversaries or cool, you know yeah. this guy's birthday that was a designer of this game, and it will run yeah. some little promotion, come up with some uh-huh. special drinks or something. Um, otherwise, you know, we've we've done high score, world record kind of stuff in oh. the past. Um, and it's one of those things, you know, from a, it's kind of neat, but it has very high, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, cost to us, just because you end up having to make special accommodations and paying yeah. people to be around. You need, you need a guy or a girl running it all money, the time yeah. and updating stuff. And, and you yeah. know, honestly, high score people for arcades are not the best customers ever because they will play for <laughs> hours. For hours. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, that machine that may have been making, you know, X dollars an hour might make it's 25 cents a day. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where it's kind of interesting. It's, it's nothing we particularly gone into. Yeah. And then the other thing is that it's just a, uh, you know, it's a labor and 
kind of overhead thing. We we are going to do a high scoreboard finally. Yeah, the um, chalkboards look great. Right, yeah, it's and, old school. And, and again, yeah, I see that's and it comes down to us like, ah, well, we don't want to do the chalkboard because that's a lot of busy work. Yeah. So we want to do our big video wall on the new oh, side yeah, and cool. put it up there. And have some it. poor person's got to get on a step ladder and rub yeah, it off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. So I think it'll be a you know web form probably entered by the bartender or game you know game warden as we call them and yep show them the picture on your phone and what's your name and they'll cool. just type it in and it goes on the board but people love that oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm gonna high school I'm gonna high school oh yeah I mean how many times in the you know, in 1983, did I go into the Electric Palace back home and go and make sure that my score was still up on you know, this game or that game? So, yeah, cool. no, it's definitely a draw. It's fun. That's brilliant. Well, um, I could ask you a million questions. But you are a busy guy, and I let you <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, so, thank you very much for making the time for me. Glad for sure. And it's been wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's been fun. Uh, the video I did is just a very quick look around because there wasn't many people there because it was early in the night. And it was a weekday as well. So I had a quick look around, but there's no one there, so I could see everything. Only a quickie look around, so just so people can see what's there. But remember, Ground Controller got 300 machines stored away as well. So when mm -hmm. the new place, the old new place gets reopened, which we don't know when it is yet because of construction, there's a ton of machines going back in there. And he did say in there that he, he does swap a few machines around now and again, just for novelty, people to play. Yeah. But he was also saying in the vid, in the audio, he has a machine a day goes down. One machine a day goes down in there. Yeah, well, you can or whatever. understand that, can't you? But the thing is, he was because uh, when I was there, the first day the time was on the weekend when it's full. Donkey Kong was off; it was turned off. But when I went back there this time, it was back on again, working. Mm. So they don't take very long fixing them there because there's this four guys. I think they're all repair guys as well. Know what they're doing? Yeah. Really know what they're doing. So I think that some of the things that Clay has done himself, Clay Cowgill, because that name, I knew it already, not just as one of the owners of Ground Control. I knew he did stuff with arcades before, because he's an electronics engineer, he's a clever guy. And um, these are some of the things he's done, he's had a hand in, he was telling me on the audio, Arcade Legends 2, which I think was the Midway one. Oh, I think I had that. Yep, one yeah. of those. He was had, Him and one of his uh, mates there had something to do with that. Uh, the Taito multi-game, you know the little tiny board they did with all the, the decent Taito, like Zookeeper and some of the Space Wind and Bubble Bubble, an original board? Because that was right. released on an original machine. They did like an anniversary machine. He did the, the hardware for that. Wow. Um, he's done some Neo Geo multi-games, Extreme Arcade, and there's a little list on, on his web. His website's quite dated now, but it's got loads of stuff he did. He did the Atari Star Wars Empire Strikes Back multi-game. Yeah. These are the ones you actually put onto original boards to give you extra games on there. He did the Tempest Vortex Aliens multi-game. And our friend Chris CMP has just got a Tempest machine, and it's got that board in it. You can actually play Breakout on there on Vectors. What's Vortex? It's the original name of Tempest, apparently. Right. Yeah. So it's got the old version, like the old um, pre-production version. He did a, a, a Sega Vector multi-game that played Star Trek, Space Fury, Tax Scan, Eliminate, and Zector on the original hardware. He did the first Williams multi-game, which was actually a bolt-on to original board that played Robotron, Defender, Joust, Stargate, Splat, and Bubbles. He did the Cuba multi-game before the uh, Millstar version came out. And that yeah. was actually had to, had to go on a proper Cuba board. It played Cuba faster, harder, more challenging Cuba, Cubert's Cubes. 
He did some stuff for Wells Gardner Vector monitor displays, replacement Ms. Pac-Man and Pac-Man daughter cards. He did some Atari AVG chip stuff for the you know the, the Vector games, all sorts. And the guy who works with him was one of the owners, Neil. Uh, did Retrocade before MAME even came out. He was into the emulation really far back in the day. So these guys wow. know what they're doing with arcades and stuff. And also, he has a day job. He mentioned just yeah. offhand he's got a day job. I went, what? Have you not got enough to do here? He's like, he sort of laughed and said, you know, when does his man sleep? When does he sleep? I don't think he sleeps. He must be a vampire or something. Did he not do the arcade SD board? I don't think so. Because oh, I looked right. on there, I think someone else did that, but oh, right. it really wouldn't surprise me. He's done all sorts of stuff. I did ask him if he could do a Battlezone one for me, to redo Battlezone yeah. on FPGA. That'd be nice. Because I, I did mention, you know, these these reproduction boards, and he said, yeah, they're a really good idea. You know, the old hardware is dying, eventually it will die, all that sort of stuff. And I said to him, oh, yeah, you know, the, the pole position FPGA board is eventually coming out soon, because it's been in production for like 10 years. And everyone was always on about it because pole positions never work. And he sort of laughed and said, "Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I just recently sent the 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 PCB designs off." And I was like, "You've had high?" And he said, "Yeah, I, I, he was part of the design team on that as well." Wow! How cool is that? <laughs> Have you seen that um, pole position multi board yet? No. It's tiny. It's got because pole position's got two connectors on it. Like a little one and a big one. And it's got mm. the two connectors, and then on the back of the big connector is the board, and it's about four inches square. Really? And, and wow. pole position is like about a foot and a half long, and there's two boards, yeah. and two AR2s, and two power supplies. This new thing is tiny. It, it, it runs off like five volts. That's it. Excellent. And it's perfect, apparently. Also on, on the audio, he was mentioning that people regularly break into... Tron and Battlezone arcade sticks, you know, the trigger sticks. Yeah. They regularly break, they just break them in two. How the heck do you break a joystick in two like that? It's insane. I don't know. I don't know. So that is sort of mainly the places we went to. We went to different uh, video game shops. There's one called World 8 in LA, which is a really, really cool place. And obviously, it's all sorts of places to buy stuff. So that's my what I've been doing the past three weeks, I suppose. Not a lot, really. There's probably more, you know, but uh, you know, yeah. we did all sorts of stuff. I've forgotten half the stuff we did because it's been so long away. You need a few weeks, don't you, if you go into America? Arcade news. These are some nice links, really, not news. First one's from Tony Temple, the arcade blogger. A great. This is fun. I love this because it's sort of a list that you can put in a spreadsheet. It's a complete list of Nintendo-developed arcade games. Nintendo-developed, so stuff like R-Type, and that's not in. But they have put the Ikigami stuff in. Oh, right. They weren't Nintendo-developed at all. I know, but they are in. But apart from that, yeah, everything. it's a great list. Some good games in there as well. I like I like the Nintendo games, especially the early ones. Mm. Next oh, one. nice one. Yeah, Galloping Ghost. You might have missed this because you were away. Galloping Ghost Monday Mystery Game because they release a game every Monday, and we we see it here. It's five p.m. their time. It's sort of eleven p.m. our time. Yeah. It was a dedicated titles. A mother titles. I love a titles. Me, love a titles. Yeah. Next one from Cat Despira, the retro bitch. Pac-Man shaped headstone on a grave in Michigan. I'm sure this is old news, you know. I'm sure we is talked it? about it. It's been a while back I saw that, and we oh. probably mentioned it back then. 
this is fr- this is a post from 22nd of September. It might have just been picked up. But yeah, it's a it's a Pac-Man cab gravestone. <laughs> Someone died and, and wanted Pac-Man on there. It's huge. Yeah. Nice. And also another another piece of news: Mame developers are cracking open arcade chips to get around DRM. We know this, but this is a nice article on it. This is literally cracking, not cracking the code, literally cracking the tops off the chips to get at the bits underneath. Yeah, yeah, weird. Mm. And then getting rid of all the what do they call them? Suicide chips and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, all that nonsense to get the stuff off them. And. It's a speedy arcade news this week. The the best bit of news: Revival 2018 dates. Excellent. I'll probably Revi- go into that. I think Revival events 19th and 20th of May 2018. Facebook page is already buzzing with news on it and stuff. So that's brilliant. So get yourself there. Revival and Nerg. I love those two, and they're now both confirmed for 2018. Nice one. I'm definitely going to Revival. Because it's closer to me. I don't yeah. think I'll be going to the northern ones this year. Next year. Not, not Nerg? Don't think so. And that's it, Nick. That's it for the news kids. It's just a load of links. But they're good links. Good links. Mm. Without further ado... Arcade pickups. You better do your pickups. Oh, come on. Have you got any pickups? You never. I've got two what? substantial pickups. Hold, hold the phone. <laughs> Shut the front door. Yes. I have got... This is fantastic. I have got a Linux arcade gaming mini PC running Groovy Arcade, courtesy of the very brilliant Rich Chunksin. Chunks in space! Space. I travelled to Sutton Coldfield yesterday, Saturday, to pick it up. Yeah. It's like a small form factor PC sitting on my desk now. Your, Your spinny telly's there. Nice. Spinny LCD with a stick in front of it, and it plays 3,000. It's, it's a no-clone set, MAME 185 or anything. No screen tear. Nice. Hardly any lag. I don't think it's very, very tiny bit of lag. So what, can... what's that running? What um, version of MAME is it running? Just Linux MAME? Or it's, MAME for all? Or I think Groovy Arcade is the Linux version of Groovy MAME. <gasps> and it's got an ATI graphics card in, and he said you could literally just put it with a J-Pack, yeah. you can literally just put it in your cab and it will work. Oh, my Lord. That has got me re- really interested. you know why? Yes. I am, I've been looking or thinking about replacing the PC in my main machine because at the moment it's not in there because it's a big old PC. You know how big they are. And mm. it was in the bottom of my Naomi cab. But I wanted to put the Naomi hardware back in the cab so I could play Rhythm Tengoku. So I put it back in there, and there's no room for the PC on there. And the PC obviously attaches to a J-Pack or whatever, or a mini. I think mine's got an iPack in there and that. And I couldn't fit it all in, so I took the main PC out, and I haven't been able to play MAME on a cabinet since I did that. Because the games we've done recently, I've played them on a PC in here, on a normal screen with just a stick, a portable stick, or I've played them on the cabinets. So I wanted, and when, we went, when I went to that MADE museum... They mm. had a load of little computers there, and they were called Intel NUCs, NUCs, Intel NUCs. And I said to the guy, yeah. oh, what are they? And he said, oh, Intel actually donated them to us, and we use them for running emulation software. They think they have an emulation station on running different things on little screens. They had a load of them, and they're about you know, four or five inches square and about inch and a half tall, and there's a full PC inside. 
I don't know if they run on SSD drives or memory cards or whatever, I don't know, but they, they were nice enough to run decent emulation. And I really want to get hold of what you've just told me you've got. That sounds awesome, especially with Groovy Mame on there. Yeah, well, it's Groovy Arcade, and I think it is Groovy Mame because you can. There's loads of settings that you can change, and just literally, you said you could just put it in your cab. Wow! So but, that is are that working on a on a hard drive, not a memory stick like a Pi. It's actually running a proper hard drive on a proper Linux computer. PC. Yeah, there's a hard drive, but all the all the games he's put on a USB stick. So all you need to do is take remove the USB stick, put more games on, put it back in. <gasps> And is, there's a fantastic little front end running with a little little animated. Wow, well, there must be gifs, but there's music. In, hang on, can you have music in gifs? You can't, can you? No, but you can run music videos and stuff to, as a, like a little background or whatever. Yeah, uh, I, think, fa- I think Rich may be getting a, a private tweet from me soon about this. It's fantastic, and there's no screen tear on an LCD screen, and there's hardly nice. no lag. Excellent. And but I am not going to put it in my cab because do you know what? It's in my cab at the moment, sir. I don't know. You sound excited about it though. What's in your cab at the moment? A pie to jammer board, <gasps> which I have purchased off Mr. Lewis back. Hold the fork still. Yes. This is another pickup. Yeah. Proper arcadey stuff pickup. It just both of these just happened sort of out of the blue, and he and it's an absolute bargain he gave it me for. So I'm I'm very very impressed with that Pyta Jammer. I've got it running yeah. in vert, vertical mode at the moment. So what games have you been playing on it that are better, just as good as the arcade? I've, I've not played it a lot. I've only played it for about an hour, just flicking through. But the games I know really well from having the PCBs, 1942, obviously. How good is it compared to your PCB? I don't think I can tell the difference, you know. Ooh, I really, I that re- good. I don't, yeah. And what else? You lent me that game Gunbird, didn't you? Gunbird. So I've yeah. been playing that, and that is just spot on. There's, wow. there, it really is amazing. All you have to do, everything's configured for me because he's put a, a mint micro SD card in. You just have to mess with the resolutions yeah. of the games. If you haven't played them before, then it saves them. Okay. That sounds so, awesome. That's exactly what I want as a setup. A setup so small, it can mm. fit anywhere and be portable. So you can pull it out of a machine, take it around your mate's house, put it in another machine maybe, and use it rather than hoiking a massive great big PC out, pulling a load of different cables and wires out, having to plug other stuff in. I don't want that. I just want it to be able to just shove in a slot, off you go. That's exactly yes. that's exactly the setup I need, and I've been after it for a long time trying to work out what I want. And when I saw those Intel NUCs, before I even knew you, you got these myself, I was thinking I'm going to get one of those or something similar, because it's like I think you can get like a Pentium. No, sorry, it's it's a a multi-threaded processor. So it's like a you know an i5 or whatever. I mm. think anything above i3 is going to be more than good enough for all the arcade games we ever want to play. So it doesn't have to be a really high-up spec computer. Well, I think this arcade one's an i3, from what Rich was saying. That sounds more than good enough, then. And it, it's running like I was put. I put on Dodon Patchy Daifukatsu, which is one of the later ones. And that's, that that's your benchmark, isn't it? That doesn't run on my laptop very well. It runs right. at maybe seventy percent speed. On there, it's perfect, hundred percent speed. Hello. Yes. And has he got any more left? I don't know. He, he gets oh, them from his work. He, he says he steals them from his work out the back door, but don't tell anybody because shh, shh, 
No, he doesn't. Of course he doesn't. But uh, Lewis has also let me borrow a JPack, mm. And I said, to be honest, I'm not going to be using it for a bit because I'm going to keep the PC linked to the LCD. But I've got a JPack, so I've now, I can now put that, that Linux Groovy well. Mame yeah, in the cab. But I'm leaving do you know, Python Jam Do you know what this is all coming towards? A crescendo. Crescendo. You know what it's coming towards? Go on. You've got one cabinet. Yeah. Two pieces Mm. that can go in a cabinet. You know what you need Mm. next, don't you? Another cabinet. I'm a lazy git, though. I can't be bothered to maintain them. That's my problem. Yeah, but they're not that difficult to run. We've only got two. And they do work Mm. pretty well, especially home use. They're not going to break down very often. Mm. And also, you know loads of people that can fix stuff if if you need help. I do. I do. <gasps> so, so two fantastic pickups. They, they lo- actually, lovely, lovely people. They are really nice pickups. Nice one. And one of them I want myself. Mm, it's great. It's mm, so good. Sounds awesome, actually. There's some video. A, uh, we have to yeah. do some video uh, footage of it for us. There's a little speaker also. A little, a little tiny speaker in the PC, which is just enough for me to hear the games. Great. Well, yeah, it's perfect for a little home use. Cool. Mm. That's really nice. So, yeah, I do want a little computer like that. It sounds perfect. I might have to get on to Rich if, he, if he's got time. Oh, he's AC, isn't he? He's great. Just a minute. Let's give him. Oh, well, not that one. Just give him a. A resonant ping. Resonant ping for being cool. I agree. Nice one. Right then. Let me just swap over to my other notes because my pickups are, how we should say, excessive. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm like? Actually, it's not that bad, but there's some there's some good stuff in here. Yeah, Scroll through all the junk I was talking about earlier. Right then, I'm going to show you pictures of them, and I probably might put some pictures on Tinternet. Right, first one. Let me just reach over here. This one is a Frogger Arcade Classics by Bridge Direct. Oh, These are the ones that Willie's been buying. Yeah. Uh, have I got it set up to work? We were talking about these the other week, weren't we? Yep. It's a little cabinet with the LCD, I think, NES version of Frogger. And it plays really nicely. It actually plays well. You can play a good game on it. Uh, these were $20 each. But these ones, they're numbered as well. This is number six. They're Walmart exclusive, which is Walmart own Asda. It's their huge. Mm. It's not a brilliant shop to go into. Not very nice. But it's massive. You get anything you want in there. And they're exclusive to Walmart because these are the color versions. All the other shops... I've got the the VFD versions of them. Like they're not very mm. good crystal display ones, and they're not very good. I played. There's there's a black and white pack one which is terrible. The color one exclusive to Walmart's a bit better, but it's not a proper screen. Yeah. And the asteroids is pants. It's really bad. We have a Cuba version. Yeah. Which is a really nice little game. Oh, hold on. That's a little track mode. It's loading up. Good old Cuba. That's that's coil again, and the thing will shut up in a minute. I hope. Mm. <laughs> there's, a, there's a little but there's a little sort of um, hole in the polythene on the, on the screen at the front of it in the box. You can put your finger in and press the button. It, it puts in a track mode on for a few seconds, which is what that was. And the last one of those, I've got three of them. The last one is Skentipede. Oh. Oh, hello. We've got something on this as well. Oh, look at the artwork on that. Excellent. That's really nice. They're really nice. So when you come down, we'll play these. Yeah. We'll have a little, we'll have a little play off. 
So that was... It's not a trackball, is it, in that, that small? No, is it? it isn't, unfortunately. And the, the I think the joystick in Cuba isn't a four-way rotatable, but it plays really nicely. Mm. So I think I think on the NES version, you just you press the diagonal you want to go, the place you want to go. So it works quite nicely. So there's that. What else we got here? Uh, I think they're all NES versions, but I think they work quite nicely. I got a DK, Danky Kang. We talked about this when we did Danky Kang a few weeks ago. Mm. This is Remix Kit, the PCB Remix. Well, that's Diddy, isn't it? Look at that, teeny weeny. Yeah. But I got the version, this is the DK Remix Deranged Trainer and Pace version. So you've got the game on there with the extra levels. You've got the deranged one, which is the harder version of it as well. The trainer will allow you to, to practice certain levels. There's a great big um, write-up about it in, on, on the piece of paper I've got. This has got all the versions of it on, because I think there's different software versions. I've got the, the better version. And you can actually put cheats on with it. I know, right. so, I know someone who won't like that. God. But you can also put a pace version on it. It'll tell you uh, when, you like. I think they put some little numbers above, like when your hammer's going to run out. So you can work yeah. out your pace. It also tell you when the springs are coming. You know when the, the springs we talked about, and it tells oh. you all sort of information. So you can make you can play the game and practice and make it better. It's really cool. I haven't installed it yet. As you can see, it's right in front of me. I had a chance to really go in the arcade yet. I've been doing busy, being tired actually because of the, the travel and stuff. There is a Bonk seventy eight hundred cart from Atari Age. This is a homebrew version for the Atari 700 of, of um, Qbert. I haven't even right. played it yet. There it is. It's got a really nice <laughs> nice know. label on it. It looks professional. Really, really nice bit of kit. I think it was $30, that. And I also got Scramble for the Atari 700, because I love Scramble. And their, yeah. their, their homebrew version is absolutely perfect. It's really good. I bought some Intellivision cartridges for a dollar, a whole dollar each. Yeah. I got Frogbog and Spacehawk. So I thought, oh, I haven't got those. I don't recognise those names. Got home. I've got both of them already. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be giving them to someone who wants them. Uh, Atari Flashback Portables, uh, which is the, the little portable with its own screen. You know, you know the App Games did a, a Flashback Portable? Yeah, Mega Drive. They did Mega Drives. They did a lot of Atari 2600. Loads of games built in and stuff. Yeah. Well, this is the handheld version with its own little screen. And I bought three of these. I bought one for me, one for Bobby Idod, because I knew he wanted one. And I gave the third one to Kevin Savitz, because uh, you know, he's really into into Atari and stuff, so I thought I'd give it to him. Um, the good thing about this one is it's got an SD card. So it's like 50 games on it, I think. Yeah. Which are not... Some of them aren't brilliant. Some are quite good, but not the ones you remember. It hasn't got Space Invaders. I don't yeah. think it's even got Pac-Man on there. You know, the, the, the good crappy versions which we loved back in the day so there's a there's an sd card in it and some clever people on atari age have released loads of games that work on it like bin files like images yeah well, i've now got over 500 games on there and it plays loads of them really well so what i was going to just put on there quickly i suppose it looks all right on a small screen because those graphics were so large weren't they really yeah on the old atari. real chunky but i mean it, it works quite nicely a bit of action. You know what game this is? You should know by the sounds. Oh, I don't know. This, believe it or not, it's Pac-Man. <laughs> it's the really rubbish version, the really rubbish Atari 2600 version. 
have enough of that show. It's just noisy nurture ears. Ow! But I really like nice flowery sounds. Really nice little game, isn't it? Yeah. It's a cool little what's thing. The, what's the control of the thumbstick like? Because the I had a I've had a couple of the Sega Mega Drive at games one, and the thumbsticks were just not good. It's okay, but it's not brilliant for four way games. That's the same kind of thing with normal normal D pads, isn't it? You, you need yeah. proper. You can play Pac Man okay on it. I mean, playing Cubat's a bit risque. You can sort of fall off a bit. It's nice. Can't live that. But when I was talking to Kevin on the Antic podcast, he mentioned another one of those that's coming out. But it's only coming out in Europe. We're not sure if America and North America are getting it. And it's like a wood grain effect looking thing. I think it's only got like 30 games on it or something. And there's no SD card in it. So this one you can get in America for $50. I got them for 30 because these are refurbished ones. Yeah. You can tell no difference. There's no difference between them at all. Um, and you can put an SD card in and put loads of games on. This new one that's coming out, it looks really nice. It's like a wood grain effect thing. But it's only got like 30 games on it, and you can't put an SD card in. So how are they going to sell them? Is that your phone? It's all right. So what we were talking about on the... Um, the Atari Antic podcast, he's saying about it, and Kevin said, yeah, it looks nice, but will they just stop bringing out 2600 ones? Because mm. there's about, I think there's seven different versions of the Atari Flashback, which is the little console they plug into your TV with games in it. Yeah. And then that's like the eighth version, and then there's this new one coming out, and he said, why don't they make a 5200 version, or a 7800 version, which has got really good games on, or mm-hmm. even Atari 8-bit games on, because there's some really cool Atari 8-bit games. And yeah. it's only done with emulation, so they could do it. They could do it easily. A 7800 one would be really cool. There's some great games on the 7800. So, yeah. Uh, I also bought 10, count them, 10, small-capacity SD cards for, for using on that thing, and also other SD card emulators I've got. You know, like yeah. I've got one for the Commodore 64, one for the VIC-20, one for the Spectrum. You know, ones that take SD, normal size SD cards, but they don't need to be large capacity because nowadays you can. I think you can only get minimum I've seen lately is an eight gig one. Mm. I think you can get up to like 512 gigabytes now in an SD card. They're yeah. massive. They're bigger than hard drives. So I bought some small capacity ones, but the smallest one I got, I got in this really cool thrift store called um, Free Geek. And mm. it's like a charity. They they do like cheap computers that they have donated, they do them up for selling to students and, and charities and just people. So, you know, they're a really good ethical place that does good. And there's loads of people volunteer to help out and stuff. And I've got them in there. I said to the guy, have you got any small capacity SD cards, like megabyte ones? He's like, oh, yeah, I've got a... And he had like 200 of them in a box yeah. of them. And I found an 8 meg one. God. That's, that's the, the space of four floppy disks. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's in here and it's got 500 games on it yeah. that's all I needed for it and they were a, a wallet splitting $1 each Oof! so I bought 10 I think I'm going to get Kevin to send me another 10 because I will use them um, a squishy Pac-Man ghost I've got to show you this where is it a oh, squishy it's, Pac-Man ghost it's not ghost. in here I haven't got it with me at the moment it's a little you know what you get these little toys like the Funko Pop ones where yeah. you don't know what's inside them these ones are sealed, and they're Pac-Man, so you can get the four different coloured ghost, the scaredy ghost, and Pac-Man. There's six different ones you can get, and you just buy one, and you randomly get one inside. And I got the light blue one. Uh, I think his name's Philip, isn't it? The blue one on Pac-Man? Philip? Yep, yep. I'm sure it's Philip. 
and they're so squidgy, like rubbery things. You just put them on, you know, as a little ornament type thing. Really cool little thing. I think it was about two dollars. That won a lot of money. I also bought a TI ninety nine four A US version boxed computer. You did. Did really? you ever play a TI ninety nine back in there? I didn't ever play no. one. No. They're, they're really neat looking computers. A nice form factor, you know. Nice little keyboard on them. They take cartridges. I think you can put cassettes in them as well, but I haven't got any. And um, when I went to Kevin's, he said, oh, "I've got a TI," and I actually, you know, went round there with it and we tried it out. And he gave me some cartridges. Do you not? These are really exciting cartridges. Shall I tell you what they are? Go on. Well, the first one is an extended basic for TI, so you can write your own real and exciting games, Sean. Yes. Right, and we have video chess. (gasps) Wow, you got Othello. No, early learning fun. Oh. Which I I can I can tell you, it's fun. (laughs) Have you got backgammon? No. More exciting than that. Yeah. Home financial decisions. Uh, decisions you can make in your home about finance. Shall I tell you what decisions I made? Go on. It asked me. It gives you. It's all. They're all done in basic, by the way. Hmm. And it says it's like home financial decisions. It even beeps at you. Wow. Yes. It said, "What do you want to do?" And you can work out your checking system, your bank balance, buying a car. Buying a car. Or some other super tedious things. We At Kevin's, we bought a car. It asked you, how much is the car? <laughs> $25,000. What are the, the monthly repayments on the car? $250. What is the rate of inflation? Whatever percent. Here are your monthly payments. It's worked it out for you. Yeah. Without you yeah. doing it. Yeah. On no calculators, nothing. Yep, that is worth the price of the free cartridges alone. Wow. That's amazing. I know. He also sent me some pointy joysticks. Look how pointy these joysticks are. They remind me of the spike on the original Scramble. Well, that one don't work either. It's knackered. Listen. Listen to the squeak. (laughs) Oh, a squeaky TI-99 joystick. Yes. They can't be very comfortable. I haven't That's tried good. them yet, but you could probably impale yourself on it if you sat on it. Oh, um, is a good one. This, these were I, I got these yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. When I got back yesterday, about eleven a.m., we landed. And we got back about twelve one o'clock. I went out the door again. So I had to go into London to pick this up. If I didn't pick it up yesterday, they would have resold it because they only held it for forty-eight hours for me, and mm-hmm. they resell it, and I wouldn't get my money back. I'd only get my money back as a, a store credit. This is a SNES Mini. Mm. Where is it? Oh, it's in the other room. Oh, I can show you what it looks like on, on to webcam so no one else can see it. Look at it. Look at it. Look at oh, it. it's a cutie. Look how small it is. It's smaller than my massive head. I've played it. It's really good. Really like it. That's all we've got. The other console people will talk about it. It's a really nice little piece of kit. Two, two sticks. Really nice feel. They feel just like original SNES sticks. So I had to go into London to get it right. Mm-hmm. But when we got back... That morning, we had a load of posts through the door, as you imagine, been away for three weeks. And there was a red card from the postman. Or, sorry, post lady, perhaps. And it said, we've got a, a thing that needs to be signed. It's a parcel. Come down to Hounslow. Come and get it. And I got to go to Hounslow anyway on the bus to get the tube into town. Because there was some problem with the overground train. So I did that. I went, right, I'll do two birds, one stone. Nip down there. I was tired. I had a bag on me. I was hot. Headphones, stuff. Went in there, got the parcel, and I thought, right, I'm not going to open the parcel. It looked like an Amazon kind of, you know, those thin 
cardboard packets they put around. So it looked like that. And I thought, yeah. what have I ordered? And I thought, I've got some stuff ordered to work off eBay and stuff. I didn't realise I ordered anything to the house. Because I normally get it sent to work. So I'm, you know, I'm always, someone's always at work. It'll get delivered. So I was like, well, come work away. Like, I'm not going to open it now. I need to get the flipping train. So I walked onto the train. I just held it under my arm. I got to the train. I got on the train. Couldn't sit down on the train because it was busy time. Because I couldn't open it. I was like, oh, what is this? Don't really worry about it. Got into game in Wardour Street. It was that particular one I ordered it from. That's where I had to pick it up from. The guy had it for me. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Paid the extra money. I had to pay for it because I paid a deposit on it. Paid it for me. Thank you very much. Went down the road and I found somewhere to sit and have a glass of Coke and, and a sandwich and stuff. I sit down and have a look at this thing. Open it up. Another SNES Mini. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, eh? What? I haven't ordered a SNES Mini. I was like, did I order a SNES Mini? Another one? I thought, hold on a minute. I've done that before. I've ordered two things at once. and some. I was like, hey? So I texted Andy at Arcade Club, because I knew Andy had bought a load for people and reserved them. And I thought, oh, he must have got it sent to my house. Rather than, because I was going to pick it up next week. I said, I'll give you the money next week and I'll pick it up. And I thought, maybe he's had it sent to my house, because he knows my address. And I didn't get a reply from him, so I don't know where this SNES Mini's come from. I think it's that. Yeah. But I'm not sure. It just turned up. Wow. So I've got two now. And what I'm going to do is sell it for millions of pounds. <laughs> You're going to scalp it. No, I'm not. I'm going to sell it to someone for exactly the same price as it's worth. They're, so, they're, apparently, they're exactly the same hardware as the NES Mini inside, aren't they? It doesn't surprise me. The actual menu system, which is really neat and tidy, looks very similar. And yeah, you, can, you can save state, you can save like three different positions, and it, you just press reset. And it's a really nice little bit of kit. It's really, really nicely done, just like mm. the NES Mini was. And I really like it. I'll, I'll, I'll work out what one of my friends hasn't got one, and I'll sell it to them for the same price. I don't need two. It's pointless. Very nice. So that's a good one. Nice little thing, though. I haven't had a chance to play much. I have a quick go of some few things on it, but not much. Also got the Vector Volcano T-shirt I'm wearing. From the arcade, I also yes. bought an Atari, a Japanese Atari, uh, sort of like a faded-looking T-shirt from Think Geek. That's a nice bit of kit as well. Here is a new one for both of us. Here is a new one. I found a new arcade snack. Yeah, apart from biscuits. Apart from biscuits, which we know are an arcade snack. Yes. Cheese its Cheese it grooves. Chips made with one hundred percent real cheese. Yes. You ever had a cheese it? Like a what's it? Are they like a what's it? No, 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 no. They're small, crackery things. They're square with a hole in the middle, and they are cheesy. Oh, is that them things you put on and I said, are they like just crunchy ravioli? No, they're much nicer than crunchy. They look a bit like crunchy ravioli, actually. Yeah. This is the the video game stroke arcading snack. Has the finest genetically modified cheese dust and crunchiness. So can you only the get side. them in America, though? I think so. Yeah, I think you can get them on Amazon. But don't worry, Sean. I yeah. bought a box for us. I'm sending you a pack soon. Yes! Yes! <laughs> there is a perfect amount of toxic cheese powder to stick to your fingers and gives much-needed grip and accuracy on game controls. Oh, I've tried it. It works. Also, another snack I haven't even got into. I might open some when I finish doing this. Goldfish crackers. Goldfish crackers. Peace Savitz, Kevin's lovely wife, thought I'd like them. As, she, she, as I knew, I told her I love cheese. She said, they're similar to them, you'll like these. She said, if you had goldfish crackers, I went, what? No, I'll get you some. So, yeah. And also, I may have done a deal on another cabinet. Or two. 
Right. So, yes. We're going to need to extend that garage. I'm going to have to move the big table in there with the wall mounts on it and put the wall mounts into storage somewhere. Mm. That's what's going to happen, I think, because I need to get some more little cabinets in there. <laughs> also, I did go to that massive um, video shop in Beaverton <laughs> and miraculously didn't buy anything from there. I did not buy anything. I did look and I tried, but I didn't get anything from there. Yes. So that's about it from the ke- from the, uh, the the pickups, I think. Quite a few. Yeah, we've both done well there. We have done well for a change, both yeah. of us. I'm really interested in your pickups, believe it or not. Normally, normally, <laughs> normally you've got like a stool or something or a less squeaky chair. But this yeah. time I'm really interested in that um, in that mini PC that, that Rich did for you. Yeah. So I really need a little solution to my arcade emulation to go in a cabinet. So yeah. I probably will have, before long, a little... Um, I don't think I'm going to keep stuff in, in the Naomi. I don't want to play Naomi games in there. I will probably have a little, like a sub-electro ISIS cab done with Mame in it. Mm. So that'd be quite nice to play on a proper arcade cab. Nice yeah. one. Nice. Okay, let's let's pace through this a little bit. Listener feedback. We have loads of feedback. Right, you ready? I'm ready for this. Do you want each, shall we? Yep. Jeremy Riley, great show. Really inspiring me to get back on my cabinet, but I must be missing something and I can't find it on the forum. Where do you post the scores and interact with the show? I answered his email, um, but for the benefit of everyone else as well, you can send us scores and any kind of feedback you want. Well, the scores will be strictly on hashtag 10p scores. 10psCORE. That's it, isn't it? 10p score. Yeah. Yeah, 10p score. Any other kind of feedback, or if you want to send you, if you're not on Twitter and you want to send us your scores and your pictures and stuff, Facebook, 10 pence arcade podcast on Facebook. You can email me at vertvic at 10 pence arcade.co.uk. Uh, you can Twitter us at Sean Holly at 10 pence arcade. Uh, see us in the street, send us a letter, shout out your window really loud so we can hear. <laughs> yeah. There's loads of ways of getting in contact with us, and you can send us your scores if you want to take part in our score thing. Just get in contact. Loads of different ways. Yeah. Really easy. Really easy. So, Robert McNally Rafferty, good name, found someone to make me some of those NFC amiibo cards for cheap you were on about. Didn't even know that was possible until hear it on your podcast. No problem. No worries. Mick73, another great episode, boys. My favourite part was me saying, uh, 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 and then you saying, you see, listeners, this is what happens when you give pensioners technology. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Pensioner. Well. Mm. Yeah. Have to agree with everything Neil said about Donkey Kong. It's a game I've always loved, but also I'm really bad at it. I can't get past the second screen bad. I've heard about all about influencing barrels, etc., but I've never put time into it. Absolutely love this game now, even though I can only get to level five, but will definitely keep putting time into it. Definitely a stone cold classic. I have to be honest and say that I've not enjoyed the last few games and was wondering if I just wasn't enjoying them because I was crap at them. Is there an enjoyment ability paradigm going on? Well, Donkey Kong blew that theory right out at water. Zero ability at first, but a lot of enjoyment. Just goes to show a turd is a turd and a classic is a classic. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. On a more selfish note, I finally got around to picking up my first cab. Nothing oh, oh, just a minute. 
Well done, sir. Ding! Nothing fancy, but I love it. A jammer cab with the original Circus Charlie PCB. <gasps> nice. Oh, 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 have you seen this? I've seen a picture of this. Yes, I've got have. a really, really lovely jammy cab. Jammy cab? Let's jammy call. Cab. Let's call decent jammer cabs jammy cabs in future. You got a really nice jammy cab. And, and so it, looks, it is written. It looks really nice with Circus Charles in it. All those really tech nice. tips will come in handy, he says, especially the proper use of preserves. On the negative side, my new toy syndrome is meant to have had no time to play Space Harrier. So no score for me. Do not worry, sir. Just play your cab. Play some Circus mm. Charles in it and get some... Mm. I suggest getting a 60 in one for that. Because that'd be a nice little uh, PCB. You can just pop in there when you want. Nice. Mm. Uh, Peter Cosmic Cat, which we're going to call him from now on. Mm. Uh, Vert, virtual Victor was hilarious. Oh, we'll be seeing him next week. Yes, cool. we will, won't we? Right, we've had lots of comments about Virtual Vic that I didn't last time. <laughs> yes, you've got a lot to answer for, Mr. Holly. Uh, Maverick G, Chris CMP, Lance Thompson, Alex Crowley, Bobby Idard, Matthew Bridge and Lewis Batcave all loved Virtual Vic, saying it was hilarious. Mm. Funniest thing ever, very amusing. Mm. Alex says, does Virtual Vic come as a toy? <laughs> you could probably get one made up. Yeah. What you can do is have one of the little pull cords in the back of me and I just shout swear words out of it. And Lewis is saying, is this how you made Virtual Vic, which is that bit out of Superman where they met the robot girl? He's he's linked a little link. I looked like last night when I was quite tired last night. Mine got... I couldn't remember the, the Superman film very much. I think I remember the first one. They're done in the like late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. The eyes cannot unsee that clip of that film. A five-year-old could have written, directed, and produced a better film than that. It's so cheesy, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit cheesy. I've never really liked the Superman films. God, that's bad. Mm-hmm. But Zipper says, actually, Vert Vic was brilliant. Virtual Vic was brilliant. Can we pair him up with Sean Hollygram? That's good, Oh, isn't nice. It? Sean Hollygram for a fully automated episode. Well, he can do that if he likes. He can piece together clips from us making stupid noises and make up a Yeah. So this is some proper feedback from Sol. Soldable. Uh, and I'm going to read it in a Yorkshire accent. Why? I think it just sounds better coming from an 85-year-old Yorkshire pensioner. Okay. Hey up, lads. Aside from high score tweety things, I've never dropped any feedback, so it's tight time I reflected that. Since CNP... He loves his shout-out, he does. Put me on to you. I've spent the last three months listening to every single podcast from once at present day. From the sad departure, Alex, to the augmentation of Sean Olley. Victor's Marathon America pod, the gargantuan 60-in-one episode. The wonderful interviews with Victor and John Studley, surely the frost niction at UK arcade scene. The Tenpence Arcade Orchestra, it can only be described as an <clears throat> experience. The confusion of a golden tease popularity, Pandora's flaps, Sean's 1941 achievement, Sean's transition from mame cab to full-on cab owner to Victor's harumps, it really is put blast. As a lifelong arcade player and long-term mame player, yet sadly current non-cabinet owner, Although CMP is trying to change it by forcing me to look on UK VAC and point it shiny things, <laughs> shouting, buy it, buy it. In lesser hands than even their arcade hardware chatter would be dry nonsense, but it's far from it. 
a spaces premium. You've even got me thinking about plasterboard into garage out, and we all know what happens next. Any road. Keep the, keep up the sterling work, and I'll see you and whoever else at Play Expo in Manchester. You're doing the arcade lord's work. <laughs> Sorry about that, Sol. <laughs> he might be Yorkshire. I don't know. He is now. Yeah. In my mind. Ian Ski. Great podcast as ever, gents, and a big thanks for the shout-out. Thanks again for the 10p massive duo coming to the Cambridge event. It was great to see you both and have another good chinwag. I was really pleased for the love for Jungle King. We like that, don't we? We, we really like enjoyed it. that, yeah, yeah. We like it. There's, there's a few we're going to have to do, a few games. Mm. It was a lot of work for Phil, Will and I, but worth it. And I'm, I'm sure my whole collection... Oh, I'm not sure if I'll take my whole collection out again. Yeah. I'm not sure my nerves will take it. Mm. DK is, of course, a classic. I first played it in a Little Chef or Happy Eater. The name Donkey did amuse me. Great game, but it's a shame I can't play it that well. It's definitely better played on an upright instead of a cocktail. Van Van Car. Oh, we mentioned that, didn't we? Oh, dear, that is a bad game. It's the runt of the 60 and 1, I reckon. I think he's sorry. No, he's wrong there. Uh, <laughs> Crush Roller, Dig Dug 2, Gunsmoke, Kicks, and Zaxxon are the runts on the 60 and 1. Crush Roller's all right. Nah. They've got it. It's painful. They've got it at Arcade Club, Make, make Tracks. Why? It's a painful game. It looks it's... like someone drew it in paint. Microsoft yeah, the, the music's really garish and the graphics are not that it's good. Not but a good game. It's quite an interesting maze game, I think. Yeah. Anyway, it's put, hope to see you both at the VAC meet. I will be so there. Well. Are you there, Vic? Yes. Yep, lovely. Oh, this is Flinster. He thinks he's nailed the jam standard. He sent a picture of an expensive arcade board with two pots of jam resting on the side of it. It's nice. Well you know what done. that is? You know what that is, Sean? Balanced. Balanced jams, yes. Uh, He says, I missed out on Space Harrier. No, the Deluxe Cab was a real favourite of mine back in the day. Virtual Victor, stroke Atomic Robo Victor, also cracked me up a good one. Will you be taking him to any events? No. I had no idea my drunken Megatwins rant would be broadcast to the arcade verse in full. I am so sorry, guys. It was all right. Yeah. DJYT, just listening to this now. Good work, chaps. When do you need someone to drone on about Outrun for hours? Strictly, there's no limit on podcast length, right? We've still... I reckon we should close now the votes for the top 50 arcade games. where People have been voting for the top five. Yeah, we've got enough. We, we need to do some research about the game soon, and that's going to take a little while. So, yes, we've got enough, yeah. I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it open on the site. Because mm-hmm. every so often people will like put their votes in. I can just keep adding to it. Yeah, so no event- eventually everyone in the world probably would have voted. Yeah. And we'll have a definitive list. Cool. Anyway, so true about what your guys are saying about Space Harrier, when sometimes you'll blitz through the first few stages and progressively get worse. I think my reaction stamina wears out pretty fast these days. Yep, I definitely think Space Harrier, and to even more of an extent Afterburner, are both games that need the original analog stick. I think I agree there. Space Harrier on the 3DS is visually fantastic in true 3D, however, and makes some aspects of the game easier, but it feels so weird playing on a small analog stick. Digital controls feel bizarre. Afterburner feels a completely different game on hardware compared with MAME 2. Definitely, yeah. So, DJYT, I've met this guy, and he knows mm. a lot about the Sega hardware. So mm. it would be good to have him on, actually, talking about some stuff. Maybe on the on the uh, top games. Mm. So, Jodo, I uh, would love to have been part of this particular cast. And hi- him and DJYT have a massive chat about Space Harrier, about the auto fire and... 
the bosses and because Jodo knows so much about Jodo it. Jodo is the world champion, by the way. Oh, right. Well, 42 no, million, I think his no world record is. Yeah, he knows a lot about it. And I think he's got five Space Harry machines. Is he? Different versions. Yeah, he's got a load of them. Wow. I'm not sure why he buys so many of them, but he's, he's, I think his house is full of them. <laughs> yeah, excellent. He's got a lot. So next one, uh, here's Jimmy. Hey, Sean, well done on holding the fort whilst Victor gallivants his way around America. Virtual Victor was hilarious. You know that you're in big trouble when the real Victor gets back. Yes, you are. <laughs> and great support from the Tagster and the Daz. We were so close to getting slap pipe for the next game. Going back an episode, many thanks for Donkey Kong tips. I had no idea you could control barrels. Shame you can't control those pesky strings. Love the excuse of space, space area, but I have no idea how you manage such a big score without an analog stick. I agree that you need to be on the ball for Space Hour. Whenever I played, it was always my first game that was the best. After that, fatigue kicks in and concentration dips. And it's one of those games you only rack up the big scores when you're in the zone. Should that be fantasy zone? But as soon as you become conscious, you are in the zone. A big oval spinning thing hits you in the face. What's that all about? Massive Smarties, that's what they look like. Mm. A conversion that's worth mentioning is in in a near-arcade perfect conversion, can be found in an Easter egg in Shenmue. Shenmue was a Japanese open-world action adventure video game that was released about the year 2000. In the game, you could find an arcade at a Space Harry game that was fully playable. If I remember correctly, you could only play with one credit. Good practice for 10 pence challenge. Keep on podding. Nice. Neil, 20 to 5. Overall, this was a great podcast. Not only did it have the handsome Holly holding the helm, but a couple of cheeky characters co-hosting to boot. The laughter throughout was quite infectious, but I have overlooked the real start of the show. Yay! Yet again, it's Virtual Vic. Now I love you, Vic, the real Vic, as you harumph your way from one game to another, and you could never be replaced. But oh, how I laughed at your virtual parody. Simply awesome, Sean. Yes! Yes, we're going to have to bring him back no do you know if we put you and the virtual vic on the same podcast it might cause a rift in the space-time continuum yeah we just cancel each other out and the universe will explode Mm -hmm. we can't do that then there is space area a game we have never gave much time to and it's still and i still get annoyed by colliding with something i have never seen obscured by my space ass but it grew on me until next time mr 20 to 5 p.s one more virtual Vic Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, and Tagster, that cheeky dingo, has sent us a picture of some Space Harrier shoes. Are these ones he did or are they actually coming out? Are they official? No, yeah, they're, they're ones that are actually coming out or did come out. Oh, wow. They look like vans, actually. Mm. They're by a company called Anipon. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Damien Thompson, lol, that crazy dictator guy called Trump a dotard, which is a very old insult, a very old insult in response to Trump's Rocket Man insult. Perhaps he's a Missile Command fan. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Yeah, he thinks he think Trump's doing Victorian insults. Thinks he's copying us. Mm, no, him. sorry, Kim John King Kim whatever his name King, is King John Kim John King King John the Third. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, keep it the great podcast, Damien. Thank you, Damien. Uh, Troll Nads, Virtual Victor was genius. Who would have thought that you could have improved upon the real thing? Tagster and Daz did a very good standing job. I enjoyed this one just as much as always, and I made it my long drive back from Northampton pass much quicker. I even chose to listen to this before the Video Game Outsiders podcast. I also had waiting to be listened to. Mm. Alan Delta Lima has put a book... uh, picture of a bulk an English dictionary on Twitter and says new Victorian insults to keep you going attention silly and nicknames that's us 
This is Forgotten Words Dictionary. There'll be loads of insults in there. Oh, love to get that. Ooh. Benson Rad, great podcast, chaps. Can't believe you've not heard the word to corpse before. This is you lot, not me. Yeah, corpsing. You, yeah. YouTube's and Pete and Dud for prime examples. It's when you start like bursting out laughing. Right. When, when, you, should, when you should be serious. Uh, corpsing in British theatrical slang for unintentionally breaking character by laughing. In North American TV and film, this is commonly referred to as breaking, and it is generally categorised as a blooper. The origin of the term corpse in itself is unclear, but may come from provoking an act into breaking character by laughing while portraying a corpse, as the name suggests. Many examples of corpse can be created from actors performing this role or related roles, such as a sleeping or unconscious character. Space Harry is a game I've never really had much love for. I find the trigger trigger kills my finger after a while. Same with games like Afterburn and more recently Star Wars Trilogy. I can see how an autofire option might help with things like that, but I think they would take away the skill, so we'd be against that. But on Space Harry machine, either side of the joystick you, you can use the trigger on, there are fire buttons, so you use your other hand to press fire. That's what I do. Yeah, that's what I used to do back in the day. You didn't used to use the um, trigger at all, because mm. it does wear your thing, finger out. Mm. Ian Cullen's put a picture on of some lovely mini street waffles and some Amsterdam. I can't read that. I've put the picture too small. Tiny Amst- biscuits. Amsterdam biscuits. He said, I can't crack these open without submitting a pick to the number one biscuit podcast. <laughs> Ooh, we love a street waffle. Uh, Sal Buglerissi, he says about Space Harry, not a bad game, but I grew tired of the music and could really use auto fire. And he sent his scoring. Thank you, Sal. Mm. Mick Berry via Twitter wants a list of good arcade ports for the snares. We'll have to get, go through some, I suppose. I, don't, I haven't played snares for a while. And my mm. mini game, my mini snares has only got Street Fighter 2 on it. I think that's the only arcade port it's got on there. I have to look. Mm-hmm. Mm. Shout out. Shout outs. I'm going to give a shout out to my friend John Stewart, who I've known for quite a few years, I think now. Met him at the original arcade club, I think. And he does. Is he the captain of the USS Enterprise? No, that's John. That's Patrick Stewart. Is it? Yeah, I think so. He does good memes, him. Oh, hello. He does dope, doesn't he? Does that. Yeah, I think it is him, yeah. Yeah. It could, uh, it's great, isn't it? Star Trek Next Generation. That's my, that my favourite one. Go on. Who, what, is, what does John Stewart do? Yeah, so John Stewart, he does. He's got a website called retroreloader.itch.io, and he does. Hang on, let's read the bit at the top. Researcher, writer, designer, inspiring change through media, games, documentaries, research, posters, illustrations, etc. And he's done a download, a downloadable PDF of the top fifty. Arcade cabs. This is more design than game. That's worth a read. Uh-huh. Can put a link in the show notes. And another one about arcade-inspired mini games on the Tinterwebs. That's another good one. Cool. And he also he's also put us on. You know the Walter Day trading card kind of things. Yeah. He's put us on one of them. Ten pence arcade. Oh. And he he prints them off and everything, so we could have one of them. I might have to have one framed on my wall. So it's a kind of a UK version of the Walter Day trading cards. Ooh, I like that. I think I should be on front there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> With your stupid beard. Stupid, stupid beard. And also, a, a, another mention and a shout-out to the lovely Lewis Batcave and the lovely Rich Junction for these fantastic new gaming devices I have in my possession. I'm slightly envious. Those two are lovely-looking fellas. <laughs> Shaped like sleek deer hounds. Are they? Yeah. They probably are, yeah. Oh, it's so quick. 
Right, a few shout-outs to me. Uh, Paul Nermanen, Nermix, uh, friend in Intellivision stroke in Vision's podcaster. He entertained us while we was in LA. Shame he was out of the country himself for a bit, because he didn't get back until we had been there a few days. He was off in Italy. Um, if we had a bit more time, we could have been a bit, some, some more nerd stuff. But I did enjoy his own arcade and his awesome studio. I also enjoyed talking to his wife and his super inquisitive son. Asked a <laughs> billion questions, that lad. Uh, I don't think he'd seen the likes of me and wife before. That little one. Who has? Who has, exactly. <laughs> Next one for me, Kevin and Peace Savitz. Lovely meeting up with these Portland Angels again. Uh, we hang out with them a lot. Uh, and I got to guest him at Guest Face on Antic Podcast, which is out now, I believe. Oh, I'll listen to that. Yeah, I've listened to that one. Number 46, I think it is. I can't remember what number it is now. Uh, yeah. I also enjoyed the pancakes we had before then. Oh, oh. Oh. Not like our skinny pancakes. The big fat ones they are. They're lovely. Nice. Uh, I went to video game shops, arcades, breakfast, brunch, and a wine to all these fine people. Uh, breaking news as of yesterday of recording, those two are now grandparents. Wow, that's Their eldest that's daughter just had a little one as well. Nice mm. one. Uh, Peace was running around like a mad thing most of the weekend helping the daughter get ready for the birth. Uh, and we love their, their soft Dalmatian they've got. They've got a really daft looking dog, Louis. Yeah. He, he made he got white hairs all over me, the monster. Uh, and the million of cats they got. And they got toidles. Toidles? Got two toidles. Oh. They look more like tortoises, but I think they're turtles. Is uh, it that same thing? No, I thought turtles went in the water and tortoises don't. Because mm. turtles are flappy things, aren't they? Whereas tortoises are plodding things. Turtles get chased around blue mazes by stuff. They do, actually, when you're trying to get the uh, the baby ones on your back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Oh, and also, thanks to Kevin for helping me out with the TI-994A I got, because the Americans, back in the day, had a really weird RF cable. It wasn't just like a round cable like we had. Mm. They had these weird, like, forky things with, with screw terminals and another weird-looking... Oh, weird-looking things. Odd. Oh. Never oh. really used them before. I didn't know what I was doing with it. Also, Brett, Vector Volcano Arcade, being super cool collector, player, arcade owner dude. He's a nice, nice. guy. Also, massive shouts to Clay Cowgill for giving up for some of his uh, his rather scarce free time to talk to me about ground control. Uh, so, huge good luck to him and his partners for the ongoing construction and upgrading work. Uh, and if Clay and your mates could just quickly knock up an FPGA Battlezone board for me, that'd be nice. I'm sure you've got about nine and a half minutes a week free to work on that. <laughs> Featured game review. Right, shall we do it? Shall we do something I know nothing about and you're going to Let's take the helm, it. sir? Let's do it. Let's do it, do it, do it. You this do is... it and I'll yeah. just put in some rubbish. Okay. That's, that's makes a change. I usually do that, don't well, I? Well, we do yeah. have a... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. This game is called Thundercade, a- a.k.a. Twin Formation from CETA or SATA. Licensed to Taito 1987. Eight-way stick for movement, two buttons, fire and bomb. Interestingly, the PCB was manufactured using leftover parts from a Morris Minor engine and a deep fat fryer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you been on System 16 to find that out? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't find the manufacturer of the deep fat fryer, but I don't think it matters. No. Need a bit of jam with it and you're cooking. Well, it's probably just a standard fryer. Yeah. The game game name can be changed in the dip switch settings, which is a bit strange. Pointless. Pointless. Do you know any other games that do that? Mm. 
I don't. Mm. I can't think of any. No, any language selection usually. The, the old Atari games, you could change the language, but I think the names were always the same. I don't yeah. know why they bothered having tw- two names actually. It's daft. Yeah, I think Twin Formation was supposed to be for American market, maybe. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> okay, gameplay. Tell me about the gameplay, sir. Well, our friend Sol describes this game as Commando on a bike, and he's not far off with that description, except where Commando is a push-scrolling shoot-em-up. Thundercade scrolls constantly, like most shoot-em-ups. Mm-hmm. You are a dude on a motorbike. Are you sure shoot- it's a dude? Yeah, have you seen the flyer? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> it shoots tanks, planes, gun placements and soldiers in a series of urban and rural military landscapes. That's right, good, Dan. Right, it? can we talk about the flyer now? No, you, uh, you've got to put it at the end. Okay. Well, do, you want to, do you want to? Well, go and look at it right now, everyone. Uh, have a look on the webpage. We've, we've put a link to it, and it's the very top one. It yeah. looks like a pig-tailed lady, but a buff lady... Yeah. Uh, with a lady chest out on a bizarre motorbike. It's very odd looking, isn't it? The artwork's terrible. This is the it's... American version. Yeah. But I think the Japanese one's a bit better. We've put a, a link for the, the other flyers as well. It, the artist really didn't know how to draw burly commandos on bikes with amazing pecs. <laughs> so, no, probably mm, not. Mm. So what I've done being very very clever i've done a little audio commentary describing the game because what i normally do play the game sit down to write a little bit about it forget half of it so Mm. i've done a little audio commentary seven minutes and 30 of your earth seconds of me playing the game talking about it so here it is does it actually sound like just you going hey oh crunch crunch i ain't see me eat pew pew shoot stuff in face oh bugger dead you bastard pew pew is that what it sounds like a little bit, yeah, but I, edit, I edited most of that stuff out, and there's there's quite a bit of content in there. Okay, I'll put it in then. Okay, I'm just about to attempt a playthrough of Thundercade, aka Twin Formation, in real time. Here we go, started. And so I don't have to batter the fire button to death, I'm putting auto fire on. And then try and explain it as we go. First thing you notice is you can't hear the music because the bullets are so fast, but it looks a bit like Commando. You're going up the screen, you're in a bike, on a bike even, and not walking. And there's the second thing you notice, you've picked up a little sidecar, and it's shooting sideways, so you can change the direction of fire depending on what you pick up. So I picked that sidecar up on the left side of my bike, so it's attached to the left. And now I've picked up a a gun that shoots forward on the right side of my bike, and that's shooting right. Uh, no, it's not up before. Next thing, which is quite cool, you can destroy everything. All of the backgrounds you can destroy. The trees, the buildings, everything. But you get an attack by tanks. Soldiers that look bigger than the tanks after they're huge. And when you shoot some of these ship uh, ships, when you shoot some of these buildings, they give up the little secrets and I've got another double firepower but I didn't pick it up. Well I picked it up on the same side as my other firepower so the firepower stays the same. So I can now touch another power up. So I've now got double firepower on each side of the sidecar. Helicopters attacks are quite hard to dodge. Picked up a bomb going into another area. You also learn where all the power ups are. They're hidden in buildings and stuff. The little pink guys fire, fire really fast. Music's not great. Coming up to the first end of level boss. There are no levels, just continues kind of thing. 
and it's a submarine that's backing into a dock. It's just the top of the submarine, but if you've got one of these little fire, little bullets on your sidecar that can fire to the left, you can just stay above his bullets and just sit there casually shooting him, and he's dead to death. Right, this is this is what I call level two, being attacked by tanks. This is one way you've really got to keep on top of the guys because they sort of creep up on you. There's two different colours of power-ups. There's the green, which is a standard, which the bullets don't fire a very long way. And there's the orange, or they fire for the whole length of the screen, either horizontally or vertically. And now I'm in an area that looks like I'm going through some suburbs or some where... Oh, you... Oh, where there's two levels, so you can't get up to one level. I'll talk about that in a bit. Oh! I've just been hit, but I survived because it hit one of my sidecars. So one of the sidecars is blown up, but I survived. So if you get hit on the side, sometimes you are eat. Being attacked by tanks. There's a bit coming up now where you get flooded with helicopters. So I just bomb them. Your bomb takes two forms. It just fires straight like a load of explosions either side of your cycle, or it sort of zigzags at the screen. But you are not immune when that is going on. It's not like a clear the screen thing. But all the bullets do disappear when you press it. And I've just picked up a little side shooter and I wanted a forward shooter by the stick. Now going through some kind of... Oh, dead. Lots of life. It's, it's one of them games it's hard to come back from if, if you die. You've got to pick up these foot, more powerful forward firing things as quick as you can. This is another little trick that the game does. I'm going down a small avenue so the play area is reduced by two thirds. So I'm in the middle of the screen going up like a, a road really. So the helicopter attacks are quite deadly. But with auto fire on it's a bit easier. Sorry trainers. Bronze tanks, green tanks. It's not that imaginative the back of the enemies. Right here comes the second end of level boss. Now I use my bombs to get him. It's just like a tank with six turret, five turrets on. They are quite actually hard to dodge if you don't get the first three turrets really quick. You can then pick off the top two on the back of the tank. Come on, got it. Right, there's now like a glowing orb in the middle of the tank. You just shoot that nine million times and the thing blows up, giving you about a 10,000 point bonus. But if you don't shoot it, it comes down the screen and you can go around the back of it so you don't die. As long as you dodge it, of course. I'm up to about 190,000. I would call this level three now. Destructible backgrounds are really cool, I like that, but you do have to shoot them a lot. And then all these buildings are used to hem you into certain areas of the map. Really, even with auto fire on, you can't destroy all the backgrounds. And so now that I'm not killing all the bad guys, so they're actually getting behind me. Ah, one shot me in back. Boogie. So I've lost all my weapons again. I've just picked one up, which is a green side fire. And there's a powerful forward firing one. I'm going through some trees. Now coming up to like a lake area, and this is another weird thing of the game, you can, you can jump. So if you hit the edge of something like that where you think you can't go any farther forward, you jump, so I've leaped over the lake. And while you're in mid-air, certain things can't shoot you, most things. I'm now fire fighting a big kind of, I don't know, crab thing in the desert, which is a bit out of context with the rest of the game because there are no other weird big aliens like that. I don't think so. I can't. Oh no, the next one's a helicopter, I think. Right, so now you've got gun turrets on top of hills. Oh, I've got real good firepower now. I've got two of the orange kind of people. I had to use that then, I would have died. So the only way you can get these guys on the hills is to go go up the ramp and, and sort of shoot them while you're in midair. But I'm coming up to an area where there's loads of sort of rocky cliffs and this ramp 
idea gets a bit weird because you can get stuck and you can't jump back off them. There's only certain points you can get back off them. It's so much easier if you clear the screen with massive firepower. If you don't have the firepower, you're really struggling. I've just picked up a side shooting thing by mistake. Now being attacked by stealth ships or whatever they are. It's another area where you can choose to go up the ramp. Oh, and die. I'm just trying to dodge everything so I don't have enough firepower to kill everything. And even the tanks that pass you by shoot at you from below because they're turrets. They're spinny turrets. I like a spinny turret. So some good ideas. The controls are not mega responsive. They're all right. And there's not that much variation. But oh, it's worth noting as well that the little pink orange guys that come down shoot really quick. But then when you get later on in the game, everything does. I'm going through some kind of rocket silo thing. Yeah, there's, there's certainly an element of picking the side side bullets at certain times to get yourself through certain areas. Don't always have the forward bullets. They're coming like three different. Oh, yeah, stuck on seniors. Well, they're coming like three different strengths as well, and they're in green and then orange. So you've got like six six different strengths of bullets. Really, the green the green side cars only shoot. Maybe two-thirds of the screen. Oh, I'm dead. That's it. Game over. Don't know what score I've got then. Not good. <laughs> right, so, yeah, a bit of an odd game, isn't it? Putting the, putting yeah. the shoot-em-up bits on the side of your bike. You've got to grab them on the side to put them on the side. Yeah, yeah. Because I haven't played this game. I haven't had time to play it since I got back. And I couldn't play it when I was away, either. So I haven't really played it at all. But I have looked at a quick video of it. And you can get it on the mm. NES, apparently. Yes, it is on the NES, and it's released as the game as the name Thundercade and not Twin Formation. So I don't know why the that Twin Formation name is mm. valid. Anyway, play tips and secrets. Okay. The obvious play tip is to keep hold of your powerful weapons for as long as possible, right. as as they make the game so much easier. Survival, as I said, and the in the audio becomes incredibly hard if you die in the middle of a tough area without that firepower to stroot just stroot to stroot people. It's like shooting, but with stroot waffles. Yeah, stroot waffling people. The stronger foes just end up overpowering you. You have to dodge everything instead of shoot them, and you are dead. This sounds like classic Gradius stroke Nemesis play flaws right there, doesn't it? Yeah, one life game, a lot of it. It mm. is. It can be in some places. Learn where the best weapons are hidden because they're all in the same places and align your bike to either the left or right of them ready to pick them up so you should blow up a tree, a building, then it appears and you get them. Mm-hmm. The bottlenecks in this air in the play area can sometimes be overcome by destroying the scenery and ploughing on through. You know, they sort of hem you, loads of buildings hem you into a small area, then the helicopters descend. Can but, you get squashed in an area? Do you have to keep out of the way or do you get crushed when the, when the scroll goes by? Does it scroll you off the screen and kill you? No, it pushes you to either the left or the right, pushes you forward, so you don't get oh, scrolled. That's pretty good. You don't get scrolled off the screen, which is all right. Mm-hmm. Remember where the sudden helicopters attack and swoop like a swift to dodge them. A swifty, swoopy thing. Yeah, another Swift. Don't be afraid of getting stuck beyond... Oh, yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm struggling, aren't I? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of getting stuck behind a building and scrolled off the bottom of the screen as the game will automatically move you along. That is unusual, because no, no other games do that. They usually get crushed if you go to the bottom of the screen. This is an unusual game, isn't mm, it? Bit of an odd one, this. 
graphics and sound. Graphics, enemies and backgrounds are unimaginative standard military fare. Mm. Enemies are pretty boring and even the desert crab thing has a very limited animation. That's the only weird kind of creature in it. Everything else is like military stuff. Yeah. M- music is meh and seems to be drowned out by the gunfire. Could just be a fault in MAME though, as we said. Mm, I wouldn't have thought so. No. MAME's pretty accurate on that sort of stuff normally. Yeah. So who's been playing... What are their scores? We've got loads of players, actually. Okay. Alan Delta Lima, 26,700. He just started playing. He says, oh, I'm going to get into this. And I says, you've got an hour left. (laughs) (laughs) You've only got an hour left to play it. Giggity, 41,500. Workmate Phil. Yeah. We hear more from Workmate Phil. He's a friend of Ed Horse. 79,100. Okay. Lewis Batcave had this running in a cab at his shop. What on Mame or a proper on PCB? on that thing I on that thing I purchased from him the pie to jammer. Aha. Uh-huh. Do you know? Just a quick aside. Do you know how many cabs Lewis has now got from owning one a couple of months ago? He's been buying a few up, haven't he? He's got eight. Eight. <laughs> He's got eight cabs. I was going to say like three or four. What He's kind got, of cabs are they? They're all sort of generic jammer stuff. He's got one Konami thing with the. You know, the blue player and red player control panel. That, can you remember that thing? Oh, Windy? What, a uh, uh, candy car? No, no, not a candy. All right. Don't it's not right this. thing. Yeah, Konami thing. Konami thing? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I remember, I remember seeing a blue and red control panel player thing. That sounds like an um, uh, Electrocoin version, but with a Konami artwork on it. You do get those. Could be. Hmm. There's eight. eight. Oh my eight, lord! Eight cabs, two at the actual back caves. So I'm going to play them next Saturday. Yes, yes, very good. He got eighty-one thousand four hundred. Mm-hmm. Mark insert many coins. Hundred and one five hundred. He's put not a game I'm familiar with and still undecided on it. Oh, tin brother of bronze. Hundred twenty-four thousand. Brian Hambo, 134,000. This game just makes me angry. The sound, music, graphics, the pink guy, and the continue countdown. I'll settle for a point. Ed Horse, 137,000. It's interesting, all right, but the helicopters make it, make it frantic. Stacey King, 50... Oh, what have I done here? I don't know what you've done there. I've got one out of order here. Stacey King, 55,400. I might have missed a digit off there. Ah, Okay. It's probably 155,000, isn't it? Could be. I think it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this is from the era of games I adore, he said. Trollnads, 172,000. I've had a couple of goes. Not sure my sound is right. I think it is. On the fence with this one so far. Yes. McCorwell, 173. Mark Happy Dude, 185. Arcade Hand, or rather Arcade four, Forearm. It only took two games to kick in. Thanks to the Ozzies, he said. <laughs> yeah, I think Darren does pick this more than Tagster. Yeah. Yeah, he had quite a few comments about Arcade Hand and the auto-fire is... You've got to batter the button on this, even more than space area. Sal Bugliarassi, 193. He is Jimmy, 204. Not loving this. Maybe better as two-player. Got past second boss, and that will do. Enough is enough. It is. Paul McCasty, 205. First go on this. Weird game. Seems to be quite easy at the start and then gets a bit crazy. Ross Ross, 206,300. Good fun when you have the power-ups, not fun when you don't. Can I add the? Can I add Get the Game Paradise, the list of featured games? What is that? I don't know. I think it's a shooter with a number of shooty games on it. Right. 
I'll have mm. to put that one on. Steve Tyke, 206, 600, my arm hurts. <laughs> Ian Cullen, 218. Daz Domination, 222, I'm done. Wrist is killing me. I might I might have suggested this game, but I'm crap at it. <laughs> okay. Chris Moon Cresta Bootleg. Done with this one. Did the graphics remind anyone else of Cannon Fodder? I think I had a look at this because I first impressions I thought this looks just like an Amiga game and Cannon Fodder's an Amiga game. Yes. So I looked up the hardware. It's not really made from bits of a deep fat fryer. But it's not it's not Amiga hardware. But I thought it could have been. Is it sixty sixty eight thousand hardware? It is, yeah. Ah, that's probably a similar thing then I suppose to the yeah. Amiga. Matthew Bridge, 226,000. Sol, 232, 500. Commando on a bike, he says. Retro Rick from RGDS, thank you for playing. 244, 800. Ah, oh, goddamn, my hand hurts. Coin Ops hand. Mm-hmm. Neil, 20 to 5, 245,000. First few goes, and my hand aches already. I think my bike is magnetic, attracting all the bullets towards it. Yeah, it does happen sometimes. And in third place is me. Third place of flipping again. Well, five hundred forty-seven thousand seven hundred. Wow, you doubled Ta- the the one below you. Yeah, Tags- Tagster has beaten me again. Oh, the swine! This is getting to be very embarrassing. Tagster has got six hundred fifty-six thousand two hundred, mm. which is a, v- a very good score. And if me and Tagster teamed out, put our scores together. We still would be short of Charlie <laughs> Charlie Farr's score of one point two million. Never heard of this game before, he's put. Now I know why. It's not awful, but there's no shortage of better shooters to play instead. Exactly. Uh, can I also say I did beat Tagster, but I put Auto Fire on. Uh oh. <laughs> and I got eight hundred and eighty one thousand with Auto Fire on. You know who's not going to accept that, don't you? Troll nads, yeah. Yep. So, so I'm going to. Mr. Have... Charlie, if I got 1.2 million in the end. Yeah. Oh my lord. I'm going to have to go with my 547 with no auto fire. Oh, nice one. So what do you reckon well of done, the uh, What do you reckon of the artwork on the game? Because there is there is like a kit made up. I think. I don't it's think it was an actual bad. machine. It was just a kit from Romstar. It's not that dreadful flyer, is it? So it's not bad, I think. Yeah, there's Quite nothing colourful. to do with that flyer on there, luckily enough. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, not too bad. Put a picture on the web notes. Yeah. I've got some Trivia. Trivia from Trivial Trivial Trev. Yeah, this is from Mame Info. The the Japanese name is Togotsuyu Butai Ueji. Ueji. Ueji stands for Unattached Grenadier. Okay. He's unattached. I think he's single. I think he's looking for ladies on on his bike, cruising through the desert with his flowing locks and manly chest. Mm. Maybe not. Right, in MAME info, right, it says you can get an auto fire, rep- repeatedly pressing firing button for a couple of seconds, then hold the button. Right. This doesn't doesn't work. You, you have a slow auto fire anyway. Yeah. And I tried this a lot, but it doesn't work. Oh. You don't get a, you don't get a fast auto fire. Maybe a different ROM version. Mm, I don't think there. Is. Oh, there's that just the Japanese one. That's it. There's only two ROM versions. Okay. If you defeat the giant tank boss with only default single-shot single, single shot weapon, you will get the laser power-up. That's, that's nice, isn't it? I don't know, is it? Is it a lazy power-up or a laser power-up? Laser power you get... It's a lazy one, it just shoots off every now and again. They sort of go up in power and you get like um, a, a pea shooter, then you get a double double shot, then you get a laser, then you get a double laser, then you get something like a... Like a big cannon. 
I don't think peas would be very effective against tanks. No, it's it's terrible. Just ping off. Pew pew ping ping pew pew. Do you know what I do on some games and this one as well? Because mm. you know the buttons, the fire buttons are quite large, aren't they? Is it thirty mil diameter or is it more than that? It's the thirty mil hole they go in, so they're a bit bigger yeah. than that. Well, I, if I can, I leave the stick and use two buttons to batter the fire button. And I do that on this game. So I sort of move to the right when I know there's a a power up. Right, there's a power up right at the beginning, which gives you one of the pinky, pinky color. Is it pinky color? Pinky orange color. So I batter the fire button really fast. Just move the joystick to dodge stuff. So that enables me to destroy a building to get the power up. So it's like a track and field thing I do sometimes. I do that on the button sometimes. Give them a, a, a sort of strum when you want to get them going. That's the one. There's also another bizarre bit of trivia. By using your bomb attack when the score reads seven 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 thousand, you get seven power ups. Oh right, so, oh, se- so seven lives, seven up power up. Yeah. Oh wow. I wonder if Mr. Charlie Farr did that because he's the only one who got that far. Yeah. Ah, maybe he did. Cheating get. He, he didn't one CC at the time of recording. He got right to the last boss, which is like a big kind of industrial factory thing with windows. Right, and windows are dangerous. Yeah. 20 guys shooting out of the windows. Okay. And also, about, I don't know, about five or six minutes into the game, there's this skyscraper, and it's the only one with writing on it. Got yeah. some ra- write, and the writing is Tel Rococo, T-E-L-R-O-C-O-C-O. I reckon it's some kind of in-game joke. But if you shoot that, you've got to have auto-fire for this, I think. If you shoot that a lot, the mm. top of the skyscraper blows up, and there's a little man sat in there. He looks like he's like one of them old bandits, you know, with a with a black and white striped jersey. Yeah. And he's like sat there. Like you, can't, you can't shoot him. Yeah. But you get ten thousand bonus for that. Okay. Odd little yeah. thing to put in there. Yeah. Sita or Sata went on to produce other shooters such as Twin Eagle, Revenge Joe's brother. <laughs> That's a great name, that. Poor old Joe. Revenge Joe's brother, very similar looking hardware. And Twin Eagle 2 Rescue Mission. They also did Arbalester, Metafox, and hopefully they're better games than this one. Mm. I also, because this came out in October 87 when shooters were getting near their peak of popularity, I'd look at the other shooters that were out in yeah. October 87. Time Soldiers by Alpha Denshi, Gemini Wing by Tecmo. I've played that one. The Mighty Kuyoko. Kuyu Kuyoku Tiger, which is we know as Twin Cobra mm-hmm. by Taito Toa Plan, that was out October '87, which will wipe the floor with this. Yeah. Super Real Darwin by Data East, not fake Darwin. The super Real dude. The super Real Darwin and Wonder Planet by Data East. All these vertical shooters. Mm. Ports, sequels, and Legacy. A NES version was released in 1989. That's about it, though, isn't it? Yeah. Can't Ooh. find anything else. That's because it was a bit dull. Mm, mm. I think you're right. Overall thoughts and improvements. Apart from in- introducing a reverse shot, because they creep up behind you, mm. I'd start again from scratch. Make the game faster, smoother, more responsive, with more varied and imaginative enemies and power-ups. This type of game has done, been done so much better with the likes of Commando, Ikari, Warriors, Gunsmoke, etc. However, the jumping in the air and destructible scenery do add a bit of novelty value to the game. I'm glad we've played a vertical shoot, Mr. Marlin, but it's not a particularly good one in my I'm book. glad I didn't pay it. Yeah, it's not great. Doesn't sound brilliant, does it? Uh, sorry, Daz. No, no, one's said, no one's actually said it's really good. They just sort of said, oh, I'm into it, or 
this is a bit like a game I like, or this is not very good, or I've got a sore hand. Yeah, that's that's the main comment, wasn't it? Yeah. Ow, my hand. My hand, it kills. Ow! What? My finger was in there. Ron crushed my finger. I think it might be broken. Are you a female bird? It was... So, let's get on to the last bit and find out what we're playing next time. Next show's game. And it's going to be my pick. <laughs> and it is... Pleiades. Pleiades. I, th- I knew you were going to pick this at some point. By Tekan. Uh, yeah. Standard settings, three lives, extra life at is it 3 and 30. I think it is. You've got to be do well to get to 30 on this. Yeah. I know why you've picked this. Why is that? Because the two times we've played it, you've beat me both times. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I do like it though, it's a good game. And it's sort of the, the sequel to Phoenix. Right. Set settings are lives three, bonus life at three K and thirty K, and that is it. There are okay. no settings. It's easy enough, but, isn't it? Yeah, but play the Tekken version yes. and not the Century version, because the Century version has a hyperspace feature. I don't think I've ever played that version though. Whenever I've played it on a cab, usually uh James RGP's little cab. Yeah. I've never played it. I did have a PCB of it in my Phoenix because it's pin compatible with Phoenix and that had the barrier button and it didn't work on that either because I, I always thought it was it was a barrier for some reason but the one we play is just a fire button. Yeah, and also the Century one, you can fire two shots at once instead of one so it's a lot, lot easier. Oh, okay. So we're playing the Tekken one which I think is the standard one. And I've got to beat you now. No chance, son. Absolutely <laughs> no chance. But I will see you in two weeks time I'll actually see you in two weeks time or no whenever the the Play Manchester thing and the UK VAC party at Arcade Club is going to be on yep so I'll see see you soon son and we'll talk to everyone later on thanks for listening and goodbye yes thank you for listening goodbye you can download or play the podcast read all the show notes and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk you can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk you can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at Tenpence Arcade, and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. <laughs>